run a little bit hot tonight. I can barely see the road from the heat coming up. Reach down between my legs. Ease the seat back. That's Panama, Van Halen from 1984, from the album entitled 1984. It was Van Halen's very last album before David Lee Roth left the band and went out on his own and was replaced by Sammy Hagar, and it was not the same after that. I actually thought that was Van Halen's peak, was that 1984 album, but there was to be no more David Lee Roth, Van Halen, and... The band was just not the same. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friend show. I am Todd Dandruff with Tellus, and this show runs usually every week on Wednesdays at around 7.30 p.m., though I do typically show up a bit late. Sometimes I have a co-host, sometimes I don't. Last few weeks we've had both Daredevil and Brandon Drexel Gerson. Daredevil's been... Pretty much from the beginning of the show and Brandon joining midway. Well, this week, we're not going to have either. Brandon cannot make it. And Daredevil, he is actually in Las Vegas and cannot make it because he's on a Las Vegas vacation. He does not live in Vegas. He lives in British Columbia, Canada. So he will not be around for tonight's show. He actually uh, was hoping I would be there and then we could just do it live. But believe it or not... If somebody is physically present with me, it's a lot harder for me to do the show with them than if they're on Skype somewhere else in the world. So it's actually easier for me to do a show with someone else co-hosting from 12,000 miles away than it would be for me to have them co-hosting 12 feet away. That's the truth because uh, it's totally different equipment that's required. And other complications that become introduced with the sound when you have somebody in the same room as you. So, it can be done. We used to do it this way on uh, another radio show I used to be part of. But I don't have that equipment, at least not right now. Because it's not all that common that I'll have someone physically with me doing the show. The main time that would happen would be at the World Series. Anyway, show is getting going. And I have some good news tonight, for those of you that don't already know. We do have a free roll every week. And this money comes from the listeners of Poker Fraud Alert, not from me. And this week we have a very large free roll, much larger than you're used to. This week we finally have the free roll we've been dreaming about. One million dollars. Okay, that would be a bit too much of a dream. But we still have a very nice free roll as... It's been run up to $181 by several donors, and we started off uh, with only around 70 and it rose very quickly. So I thank all the people who donated this week, 
And last week we only had 50 in the free roll, so this is very nice. And it looks like for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because uh, we're approaching the holidays, we have a smaller crowd tonight listening to the show, at least in the chat room. Let me see the ratings. I'll actually look at the ratings right now, which I can see independent of who is and isn't in the chat room. Yeah, the ratings are down too. I don't know why. But uh, you'll have an easier time winning the money with fewer people in the free roll. So you have a good shot at winning something tonight. And unlike other weeks where you win $25, $30, this week you will win 100 bucks if you're first place in this free roll. That's not a $100 prize pool. That's a $100 first prize. I made it top-heavy because yeah, I wanted to. I thought it would be cool to have a $100 first prize, and that's what we have this week. If you want the information on the free roll, go to PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll, all lowercase, exactly as it sounds. And you have to read all the rules there because if you don't follow them, you won't win the money. It takes place at the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that near the top of the screen. It's completely free. You need a separate account there from the forum, but that's all you need. You don't need any play chips. Just go on there and enter. It starts at 8.10 p.m. Pacific Time. You can late register all the way up until 8.35. The prizes are as follows. $100 for first, $40 for second, which is better than our first prize usually, $20 for third, 14 for fourth, pretty good fourth place prize, and $7 for fifth, which often doesn't pay anything. 100, 40, 20, 14, and 7 for the top five spots. We had seven different people donating this week. Seven different people. C Money gave $50. L Train Koja gave 25 The Shrink gave 20 Gordman gave 20 SMI Florida gave 30 some user gave 31, and I'm not being disrespectful by just calling him some user. That's, that's his name on the forum, some user. And JSTAT, who recently posted his special blackjack card counting strategy in the casinos in Las Vegas forum of Poker Fraud Alert. He's a regular listener to the radio show as well. He gave $5, so thank you to him for that. So that is the free roll this week. It starts in 15 minutes. So get over there if you haven't registered yet. This is not like the free rolls, which take place on sites like PokerStars or Bovada, where you have 3,000 people entering, and it's very hard to win anything. No, this is a free roll with fewer than 100 every week entering the free roll. So with a $100 first prize, uh, you can figure out that your equity is pretty good in this one, as far as free rolls go. It's not going to be huge money for you, but it's $100 for risking nothing. If you're listening live, go ahead and play it. If you want to chat during the show, you can go into our chat room. You need a flash-enabled device to get in there, meaning no iPhones or iPads. You also have to have a Poker Fraud Alert forum account, which is in good standing. And I don't really read the chat room that much because I have a lot going on. I'm the one who's doing everything here, especially tonight where there's no co-hosts. So I'm doing everything on this show, running it technically, doing the content, uh, thinking what I'm going to say next. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of things to do here, so I don't want to be distracted by reading the chat room. I don't want to create dead air while reading the chat room. So you're mainly chatting with each other. If you want to t- get a hold of me during the show, best way to do so is to text me. That's at the show's main phone number, which is 775-372-8355. And, of course, you can call that number if you want to call into the show, 775-372-8355, which is also known as 
775-FRAUD55. That may make it easier for you to remember. And you can also call me, not text this number, but you can call me on the alternate phone number, which is the Mount Charleston line. Mount Charleston is a mountain located near Las Vegas. And I have an old 70s rotary telephone sitting on top of that mountain. I think I'll post a picture of it. I'm going to go visit it later this month. And it forwards to me wherever I go. You can't text it. It's an old phone, but you can call it. It forwards to me. That phone number is 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. If you want to listen to the show but don't have an internet connection or don't have a smartphone and you're out and about or you just don't want to waste your data. Someone messaged me this week saying, I only have a small amount of data per month and I don't want to listen to the show live and waste my data. Is there anything I can do about that? And I said, actually, there is. That was a real message I got, by the way. You can listen to the call to listen line. That phone number is 712-775-8162. The call to listen line is just a regular phone number, and you can dial any phone, any phone in the world. Call that number, and you can listen to the show live. Or when I'm running the reruns, when the show's not live, you can listen that way as well. That phone number is always running with a show on it, and when the show's live, it's always got the live show on it. So it does not require a smartphone. Doesn't require an app, does not require any internet access, it does not waste any data. So if you use your smartphone or any phone to call that number, it will not waste a single byte of data because it's a phone call. It's just like calling your friend. So that's a good way to listen to the show if you don't have internet access or can't use the internet or don't have a, a way on your smartphone to listen or whatever. We also have streaming reruns that go when the show is not live. You can go to the radio page on PokerFraudAlert.com and you will hear the random streaming rerun. It just picks a random show and runs it as if it's live. You can also call the call the listen line at any point and hear the same streaming rerun up there. A lot of ways to listen. And, of course, if you're listening in the archives, you can always hear the show after it's over in the archives. We have many ways to listen in the archives. Just go to the radio page. You can listen directly from the Poker Fraud Alert server. It's in MP3 form, which every device can play. Or you can go to TuneIn, which is an app. Stitcher, another app. iTunes, another app. You know what that is. Even if you need an RSS feed, we got that too. I mean, we got everything to listen live, to listen in the archives, call to listen. I guarantee you I give you more listening options than any podcast or radio show of this size. I mean, there's more listening options for this than there is for a typical large FM station in a big market. I'm not even kidding. So I, I give you a lot of ways to access it because I don't want the excuse ever to be I wanted to listen. I just couldn't find a way to do it. You have a lot of ways to do it. So here's the agenda tonight. And by the way, if you text me, keep in mind I may read your text on the air unless you ask me not to. You can also text me before, after, or during the show. So you can text me anytime at that phone number, 775-372-8355. See if we got any text before we go to the agenda. Let's see what we got here. 
someone asked me to text them because they're playing cards at Maryland live right now when the show starts. So I, mean, I guess it technically started, so I texted him. Uh, the listener known as This Guy Is What, who called last week and kind of trolled me about my uh, NBA picks and about me supposedly being broke, he was almost going to co-host tonight, but uh, I asked him if he had a headset. He said no. I said, we should probably get one. It probably won't sound that good, but you can try it. We'll see how it sounds. And then he said, well, we can try another time for me to co-host. I'm high as fuck right now. <laughs> so he, he wanted to co-host Then decided he was too high to co-host So that's, that's who we have listening to the show From the 410 says I'm listening to that sexy voice Thank you very much That's from a guy by the way And uh, let's see If Oh but one other thing I, I forgot to mention I made a lot of free roll payouts today If for whatever reason You have not been paid for any free roll that you've won on here, please either email me at dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com or PM me. It's even better to PM me on the site, on the forum, Dan Space Druff, and tell me what free roll you won and how much it was. You know, Give me the date, give me how much it was, and I'll pay you. So if I forgot you, let me know. Don't try to get me to double pay you, though, because I'll check into it. <laughs> but uh, And if anyone ever does that, if you ever get me to double pay you, if you trick me somehow, then you will be banned from the site. So don't even try. But uh, And also, it's not a lot of money. I mean, what's the most you're going to get out of that? But if I haven't paid you, then make sure to notify me, because I made a bunch of payments today. Went through all the backlog of payments that I thought I had that uh, hadn't been made yet. This is from the 734 area code. Listening on phone line, this kicks ass. See, people like the call to listen phone number. When I said I'm going to set up the damn call to listen phone number, I got mocked for it. I got derided for it. People said, who would need this? Why would anyone want to call to listen to the show? Why wouldn't people just listen on their computer or their smartphone the normal way? Why, why would anyone want a call to listen phone number? And yet I put it up and, and people love it. And I love it. I, I thought it was the coolest thing. And I said, I, I got to do this. I've got to make this part of Poker Fraud Alert. So... One day, one weekend in November, I, I sat down and I worked on it. And it's there. As to my Florida saying, have Trey Ruski call. I don't know where he is tonight, but you know, if he can make it, I'll be glad to have him on. He usually listens live. I don't know where he is tonight. He may be listening. We'll see. Uh, let's see here. Someone from the 412. Oh, the same, uh, this guy is what? The one who's high tonight. He asked, what talk shows do you listen to, Druff? I don't listen to talk shows really anymore. I I just have not really listened to much talk radio. I listen to music mainly on Sirius XM when I'm driving around. Sometimes I listen to the local radio. I still like local radio. But I haven't listened to much talk radio at all in the last several years. So, And I don't listen to any other poker shows. And nothing against the other poker shows. Uh, the, some of them I've listened to. Are pretty good, like the two plus two poker cast. They always do a good job, but uh, I, I just feel like I'm poker talk showed out when I'm done with my own. So, same reason I don't watch poker on TV. I feel like I play too much. I don't want to watch it too. And I never understood that, you know, back when I would hear that certain baseball players wouldn't be watching the World Series, and I'm thinking, how could they not be watching 
the biggest event in their own sport. And then, then I realized, well, they, they live that sport. They, it's not exciting to them. They've already put too much time into it. Okay, so here's the agenda tonight, which I'll probably have to be doing solo. Oh, no, not solo. Hang on. Not solo at all. Trader Ruski, hello. Welcome to the show. What's happening, Todd? How you doing? Good to see you're here. I, th- I thought you were just missing in action tonight. Nope, I'm good. So, uh, yep. All right, very nice. Very nice that we have you here. I, I was just lamenting the lack of co-host. I just got so used to having co-hosts, it just was kind of depressing that I have none. Especially because there's this long agenda. And I'm, I'm not expecting you to stay here for the whole thing. I know you fall asleep and all that, and that's fine. If you want to fall asleep, you can. Uh, if you snore, I'll hang up on you. But other than that, you can stay on sleeping. I don't care. But there is a big agenda tonight. So here it is. Mike Dental or Dentalia, I think is the way you say his name, has threatened to beat up another poker player. And not just any poker player, but he threatened to beat up 2015 World Series of Poker main event champion Joe McKeon. Oh, boy. (laughs) So I'll tell you about that little tiff that happened on Twitter, of course. A lot of anger on Twitter. Twitter actually has a problem with that. This has actually hurt Twitter. Not that uh, specific argument we're talking about here, but all the trolling, all the fighting and arguing, thats it's really hurt Twitter. Well, there's a UFC fight over the weekend. Aldo was the uh, champion. And uh, a lot of people bet on that fight. Aldo versus McGregor. And uh, it was a, a very big event, and it was pay-per-view. And on Poker Fraud Alert, it has been talked about for a long time. And it was theorized that uh, Aldo was going to pretty much win for sure, and that the smart thing to do was to get money down on it as soon as possible before the line would move. And indeed, the line did move. From plus 145 on Aldo, meaning if you bet $100, you'd win 145 which is very good, better than even money return, all the way down to minus 120, meaning you'd have to bet 120 to win 100 So a huge live line movement, which meant almost all the money that went into the sports books was going on Aldo, just like was suggested. The fight, however, only lasted 13 seconds. And I'll tell you about the result and how the membership of Poker Fraud Alert, including myself, feel about it. The PokerStars Supernova Elite controversy continues. Site Pro Alex Miller has left PokerStars and cites the treatment of the Supernova Elite players as the reason. Daniel Negranu, who's been very helpful the whole way with trying to fight for the players and trying to make things more fair, has been acting more like a company shill. And uh, he's really done kind of a 180 and has changed his story and is making excuses. So I haven't liked the way Negranu has acted in the past week. And Mason Malmuth, who hates Negranu, decided to chime in in a video interview. And, of course, he's taking delight when Negranu is getting bashed because he does not like Negranu and very reluctantly allows him to even post on 2 plus 2 just out of selfishness because he likes the uh, the traffic it brings. Mason Malmuth, the second story about him, he's released a new book. I hate to even talk about this because I don't want to give him publicity and get more sales for his book. I I really don't like Mason Malmuth, and 
He's not been fair or nice with me, and a lot of people I know. But I'll talk about his new book, which is on supposedly on poker psychology, but it really isn't, and there's some controversy surrounding it, so we'll talk about that. By the way, I, I really mean that, though. I mean, you're welcome to buy what you want, but I'm, I'm not trying to promote the book at all, and uh, I'd prefer you didn't buy it because I don't like the guy, and I don't want to feel like my radio show is putting money in his pocket. He doesn't deserve it. America's Card Room, which is part of the Winning Poker Network, has been found to have malware in the uninstall program. Oh, boy. It's one thing if malware is on your computer to try to steal your poker password or look at your whole cards, but malware that's actually part of the poker software? Now, it's not as terrible as it sounds, I think. But I will tell you what has been discovered and what my analysis of the situation is. And keep in mind, I have a master's degree in computer science. So I mean, that was what I thought I would be doing for my whole life, would be uh, developing software. And I did that for eight years prior to becoming a poker pro. So now I don't do much with that, though it, it does help with things I do on Poker Fraud Alert with modifications I write to the site and other little things like that. Daily Fantasy Sports has earned a temporary stay in New York. It can continue to operate in that state for now. Small victory for them, but may not last long. Someone who did not have a victory was Sheldon Adelson and his RAWA bill, Restore America's Wire Act. It struggled in a hearing, and the PPA, the Poker Players Alliance, which always likes to brag about its efforts and how it uh, prevents bills like the RAWA from becoming law and how effective they are. They were at the hearing, but they weren't allowed to speak. (laughs) So keep that in mind when uh, they brag about uh, this victory. (laughs) Some weird robots have been produced, which can deal casino table games. So imagine going up to a blackjack table, and the dealer there is a robot that looks like a human, or kind of like a human. And there's no human running the game. It's a robot that deals you the cards, pays you, makes sure you're not cheating. This is not science fiction. It's reality. The robot has been developed. The question is, will it be cost-effective? And will it be adopted by casinos in the U.S.? Or really anywhere. It came out recently that in July, a Florida-based online gambling payment processor was busted by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Florida. This was one that was associated with a payment processor for BetOnline.com. It was not BetOnline.com. It was their payment processor. But uh, always an interesting story when payment processors are busted. And I will tell you about what happened there. If you remember, we actually had one of the biggest payment processors of all time. He doesn't do it anymore. Chad Ellie on this show, and we had him appropriately on Black Friday. Not the poker Black Friday, but the actual Black Friday of Thanksgiving a few years ago. We called it Black Friday on Black Friday and had a long interview with Chad Ellie all about poker payment processing because he was pretty much the biggest poker payment processor there was. He spent five and a half months in prison for doing that. He's out now, and he listens to the show. 
I don't know if he listens every week, but I know he listens to the show because uh, sometimes I will see him talking about what he heard, and sometimes he even comes into chat when he hears his name being mentioned. So I guess we picked up a fan there too. But we're not talking, we're not going to be talking about Chad Ellie this week. It'll be uh, about the Florida one that got busted. Pennsylvania was looking to join the ranks of the legalized online poker states. Right now it's Nevada, New Jersey, and Delaware. Pennsylvania would be the most populous state of those four if it were to join. It's a pretty populous state. But it's not going to happen this year. Of course, there's only two weeks left in this year. Uh, It's not going to happen in early 2016, but maybe in the spring 2016 they will revisit it. I'll talk a bit about that. Speaking of New Jersey... They've had gambling for a long time in Atlantic City, but you cannot gamble in New Jersey legally outside of Atlantic City. I mean, you can gamble outside of Atlantic City online on on, uh, their online gambling sites, but you cannot go to a brick-and-mortar casino in Jersey outside of Atlantic City. Jersey is – it pretty much has two parts of it, similar to California, even though it's not as long as California. There's northern Jersey and southern Jersey. And they're pretty different, just like Northern California and Southern California are different. Northern Jersey is considered to be an extension of New York City. So if you live in Northern Jersey, you're considered to be living in the New York metropolitan area, even though you're in the state of Jersey. If you're in South Jersey, that's around where Atlantic City is, and that's considered completely different. So people in Northern Jersey... They go to Atlantic City sometimes, but it's not all that close. It's not considered a local casino. Well, there might be gambling in the New York City area because New Jersey is considering allowing casinos in other parts of the state because there's a huge untapped gambling market in New York City where they don't have really anywhere to go that's very close. Caesars Total Rewards Program, which I'd like to talk about, especially because I have a Seven Stars card with them. They are making a major change to dates involved with the program. This doesn't change the benefits, but it changes the dates. The Caesars year starts on April 1st, or shall I say started on April 1st. It would run April 1st to March 31st. It has now changed to February 1st. And I'll explain what that means when we get to that segment. General topics tonight, if I still have the energy to do them after all that stuff. Talk about Donald Trump again. They just had another debate, another Republican debate. And he sparred a lot with Jeb Bush. Those two went at it a lot. But I'm not going to really talk about the debate. There's been other debates, and this one wasn't that different than the others. I'm going to talk about why Donald Trump is a success right now, politically, why he's killing it in the polls, why he's so far ahead of everyone that it's starting to look questionable if anyone can catch him. And I'll tell you the theory I have as to part of the reason Trump is doing so well, and I'll give you a hint. I don't think it has much to do with the other Republicans. I'm going to give you a great tip that was passed along to me by C Money. He actually passed it along to the forum. If you're struggling with cable modem issues, if you have a shoddy internet connection and you have a cable modem and you just can't figure it out, if they can't figure it out, if they keep coming to your house and go, I don't know, and it's like an intermittent situation where your internet just dies and the cable modem just starts flashing or it resets itself, 
there's a solution that C-Money found that was very effective. And I, I know somebody else who tried it and it was very effective for them. And I even did this years ago, and it was effective for me, though I had forgotten I did it. So that's why it's kind of new to me all over again, because I, I forgot about it. It was just like I, it was done for me by a cable tech, and I forgot it was done because it wasn't my solution. It was theirs. But anyway, C-Money reminded us of that tip, and it helped him. So this is important for people who play online poker that you don't get disconnected. So I'll give you that tip when I get to the end. And also, Star Wars 7 is coming out. I am not going to be there on opening day. That's intentional. I will explain why. And by the way, I did see the original Star Wars in 1977 in the theater. Trader Rischke, did you see it in the theater in 77? I think I did. You're a little so bit older than me. Long time ago. Yeah, you're a little bit older. Like what? Two or three years older than me, or, or five? Yeah, years Yeah, I'm a few years older. I'm. Uh, I'll be. I'm 48. I'll be okay. 49 next year. For some reason, I thought you were 46. Okay, so you're five years older than me. Yep. So yeah, that, it, for you, it was a little easier to do that because you were 10 when it came out. But I was five. I was about the the minimum age you're going to see there. Yeah, I don't have much memories. The one uh, the one memory I have when I was in sixth grade, we had a fire in our house. And we went, uh, when we, you know, just after dealing with that, we went in the afternoon and we saw a double feature with Slapshot. <laughs> uh, was it Anna? It was Slapshot and one other movie just jumped out of my head. Yeah. Anyway, that's my movie <laughs> memory. But yeah, no, definitely saw Star Wars and uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, when you tell younger people that you saw Star Wars in the theater, they just think you're so old because it was from 77. And 77 just seems like ages ago to people who are young. Like I, yeah. and, and I can picture that because okay, somebody who's 20 years old now was, was born in 1995. And uh, 77 was 18 years before they were born. So to me, uh, that would be like 1954. And that also always seemed like ancient history to me, no matter how old I was. If someone talked about 1954. So someone said so they did something in 1954. They just seemed really old to me and, and still kind of do it. Like someone talks now about how they did something in 54. I, I think they were ancient. Absolutely. So it's understandable why young people think that. But, yeah, I, I saw it in the theater at age five, and I, I saw every single one of them in the theater. But I'll, I'll tell you why I'm not going to be there for opening day. I wasn't at opening day for any of them. So I will explain that. So that's our agenda tonight. Let's see. How many topics do we have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, boy. 17 topics. Oh, my gosh. How am I going to finish this? All right. I guess I can say 15 because one is a triple topic with the Poker Star Supernova Elite. Okay. I got to speed up here. <laughs> it's 820 already. So Mike Dentali threatened to beat up. World Series of Poker champ Joe McKeon after Joe accused him of cheating. You don't, for some reason, these main event champs always seem to have uh, drama and controversy following them, even if it's not their fault. It, it just, I don't know if I want to win the main event because of what keeps happening to these various main event champs. And we, you start with Chris Moneymaker. Or forget Chris Moneymaker. Look at Chris Ferguson. You see what happened to him with uh, everyone hates him now because uh, he stole the full tilt money. Uh, you have uh, Juan Carlos Mortensen, who is known to go broke. You have Chris Moneymaker, who has a bad sports betting problem and is broke. You have Greg Raymer, who is busted with prostitutes, despite being married. 
Joe Hatcham, I haven't seen. You know, he's been kind of a dick from what I've seen, but he hasn't really been in any kind of scandals. Uh, Jerry Yang went broke, from what I heard. Uh, Peter Eastgate, I haven't heard anything bad about him, but he did that weird thing of walking away from poker, like <laughs> shortly after winning the main event, is that he's quitting, like a, I don't know, a year or two later, and there's also rumors that he's gay and in the closet. So I'm not saying that's bad, but uh, it's just uh, an interesting fact that we may have a gay main event champion that isn't out of the closet. Uh, t- we had uh, the 2010 champion. Um, John, uh, what is it? Uh, to Hamill. What's his first name? Jonathan. Jonathan Duhamel. Jonathan Duhamel, who uh, was attacked in his apartment or his home by guys who robbed him and beat him up badly, and his girlfriend set this up to have him robbed. And now there's some really ugly rumors about him that I discussed on the previous show. You know, when Justin Bonomo came out with a accusation that one known poker player, one very well-known poker player, is a rapist, there's been a number of people saying that it's him. Now, I have no information to back that up. I'm not saying it is him. I'm not even saying I necessarily believe it. But that's, that's, he's been the name who's been associated with that the most. So at the very least, uh, people suspect it. Perhaps wrongly, but people suspect it. So that's the last thing you want to be known for. So that just happened to him. The recent champions, uh, or I, I think Greg Merson, uh, he was being shut out of games from... Uh, at the Aria, the High Limit Games, they were finding ways to keep him out of the game by making it eight-handed instead of nine when he wanted to enter. There's a lot of drama about that. It just seems like every one of these main event champions just keeps running into hassle. So Joe McKeon is the most recent main event champ. He he was he won it from wire to wire at the final table. He he came in with a huge chip lead and just dominated the whole way and ran well, played well, and it was over. <laughs> so there was no drama to that final table. So, McKeon had the following Twitter exchange with Mike Dentali. So, it started off pretty innocently. Max Steinberg, who also was at the final table, said, Hey, at Dude904, which is McKeon's Twitter handle, let's try to buy the 76ers. So, McKeon jokingly said, I'm in. So then Mike Dentali just attacks out of nowhere. This is like 20 minutes later. Mike Dentali tweets over to Joe McKeon, you should try to work on your wardrobe first. (laughs) So it's true that Joe McKeon, uh, he doesn't dress like somebody that has a lot of money, but still, like, why tweet that to him? So... Joe McKeon responded back right right away. A minute later, he responded back. You should work on not cheating in the middle of poker games before anyone respects your opinion, scumbag. He just fired right back. He just came right back at him saying you should work on not cheating in the middle of poker games before anyone respects your opinion and called him a scumbag. So Mike Dantali, who I don't know if you've seen a picture of him, but he looks like uh, one of those uh, 
steroid heads, pretty much. He, he's a muscular guy. He looks like somebody who takes steroids. I don't know if he does or not, but he has that look. Uh, he wears these muscle shirts when he plays poker to try to show that off, so people are intimidated by him. So he tweeted back a minute later, Cheat? That's a funny story. How about I punch you dead in your face in Vegas? So McKeon then responded five minutes later saying, If you come anywhere near me, I will have security on you and you can be banned from your 16th casino. So Mike Dantali then shot back finally, I'm going to drown you, not drown you, but drown you in the Bellagio Fountain. So that was the final threat, which is a... I don't think he's going to do any of these things, but you know, he's basically threatening to kill him now. He's, you know, he's going to actually drown him. Not he's just punch him in the face, but he's going to drown him in the Bellagio Fountain. So, if you want to see a picture of Mike Dentali, you can go to the Poker Fraud Alert Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum and click on the Mike Dentali Accused of Cheating Threatens WSOP Champion thread, and you'll see a picture of Dentali and that Twitter exchange up there. I've played with people like Mike Dentali before. I don't think I've ever played with him, or if I have, I don't remember. But I've played with guys like him, and it's always very unpleasant to have guys like him at the table because their whole gimmick is to be really aggressive, and I don't necessarily mean poker aggressive. I mean just personality aggressive. And They try to be intimidating. They try to act like bullies at the table, and a lot of it is to get away with shooting angles because they think you'll be afraid to question them because you see this big muscular guy next to you and you're, you know, they want people to think if you say anything back to them, they're going to punch you out. So it's very unpleasant to play with these type of guys at the table. I've played with others who are like this and I've watched them quickly escalate that to saying, let's go outside or I'm going to kick your ass. It's It's always some sort of physical threat that ends up being made by one of these guys when they're at the table and they get in an argument with people. And these aren't guys who just are, are really muscular that are sitting there that then threaten violence when someone treats them poorly. These are usually guys who are obnoxious and pick fights there. And that's why they get in these arguments. In fact, you would think that a guy like that wouldn't be picked on uh, yeah, just, just because of uh, people would be afraid of him. So they actually are, are picking the fights. And obviously this exchange is very inappropriate. I mean, Detali started up with McKeon. I don't know what their history is, but he started up with him about working on his wardrobe. So McKeon responded back with something. McKeon didn't just attack him. Hey, everybody, guess what? Mike Dentali's a cheater. He didn't do that. He he responded to a jab at him. So then it, it immediately graduated to threats. So I, I don't have any respect for guys like that. I don't know Mike Dentali personally, but I've known guys like him. When I saw his picture, I'm like, oh, yeah, I recognize exactly that type. I've seen that type at the table. And, uh, you know, I've seen actually some roided-looking guys at the table who are nice. Like, they, there are guys who are, like, very muscular and try to show it off at the table, but then their demeanor is very calm and pleasant. But I, I've seen plenty who aren't. And it seems like the ones that uh, wear the muscle shirts are the most likely to, to act this way. So, uh, I mean, good for McKeon for standing up to him to some degree. I mean, McKeon didn't try to say, yeah, I'll fight you, because McKeon... Knows he's a lot smaller than the guy, but uh, you know he wasn't afraid to respond, and he knew exactly who he was answering. In fact, McKeon called him out for cheating. Now, I don't know about the cheating stories. I'd like to get more detail on those. Do you, do you know anything more about these cheating accusations? 
No, no, I was actually going to ask you if I missed that part of the story because, uh, yeah, I haven't heard anything about it. I haven't either. So without knowing the details, I'm not going to say Mike Dentali's a cheater because it's just one comment from uh, McKeon, who clearly doesn't like him. I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it's not true. I just I'm not going to make a statement on that if I, if I don't have the facts and don't have the details. I mean, sometimes I'll I'll look at all the details from both sides and I'll just make a judgment and say, yeah, I think the person's a cheater. I think they're not. But if I have no details, I'm not going to say it just because McKeon says it. But uh, supposedly, according to McKeon, he's been kicked out of casinos. Though honestly, from the demeanor I'm seeing here, he could have just just as easily been kicked out for. Uh, this type of behavior rather than cheating. So just be just because he's been kicked out of casinos doesn't mean he's also a cheater. But it does mean that he's doing something wrong. I've never been kicked out of any casinos playing poker. The only time I've been kicked out is from counting cards and blackjack, which is completely different. All right. Uh, Team MLK, hello. Good evening, gentlemen. Something's wrong with your mic. You're, like, really, really garbled. I said, good evening, gentlemen. No, I can hear you. It's very garbled and too light. Can you, like, maybe move the microphone away from your lips? I'm on my phone. Oh, you're on your phone. Jeez. Okay, well, can you hear me now? I, I can hear you. You're just too loud. I'm turning you down a little bit. But... Oh. Okay, so what do you want to say? Well, I just thought I'd post uh, – or sorry. just thought I'd let the uh, community know that I'm up for uh, Handicap of the Year Award for Poker Fraud Alert. Um, but are these real victories or fake victories that you claim? These are real opposite? victories, and there's been a lot of uh, positive uh, people giving me praise, saying that I'm potential. This could be a Hall of Fame thread. You know, I lost respect for these picks, though, when you lost a few and still had a very good record and claimed they were opposite picks. Like that cheapened the whole thing. Well, I know, and I, I shouldn't have done that, but I've only lost four games, I believe. But I've won like uh, fourteen or fifteen, I think. That's a very good record. I, it's I three places. See, I've been going the opposite direction. I, I lost uh, seven NBA picks in a row. I mean, six of them were last week during the show. I did one more uh, the next day, a halftime pick. I, I it wasn't the next day. It was a. It was when Golden State lost to Milwaukee. I actually was the one who bet on Golden State to uh, come back and win after halftime. And of course, they didn't even come close. Well, they actually caught up and then blew it again. So their their one loss is, of course, the one I bet on. But tonight, after taking a number of days off, tonight I made one of my famous halftime picks on uh, a blowout game on Minnesota, and it easily won. So I, I broke the losing streak at least. Yeah, and I call, I also gave you the opportunity to load up when I told you Weidman was going to lose, but you didn't take my advice. I don't recall you telling me that. I. Typed it to you in the chat. The problem private with that message. little chat box, the, the little chat private message, is that if I log off before I see it or it auto logs me off, I never end up seeing it. So yeah. I, so I, can... I told you to load up on the opposite of Wyman, and he was paying like plus one fifty. That was like the upset of the the UFC. Well, all right. Well, all since night. since you're on here, we're going to talk about another uh, UFC situation, and I hope you're. Sensitive about this because of who it involves. I I know C Money. He's still God in my opinion. Yeah. So and he I didn't bet the I didn't bet that I I didn't see any value in it, but he did. But you know, well, let's talk about what happened here. Prerogative. So uh, Jose Aldo was the uh, the favorite here by the time the fight went off, but he started out not the favorite. This was a 
a UFC match that took place on December 12th. And uh, Brandon and C-Money both really, really liked it. And C-Money has an excellent record in picking UFC winners. I mean, he's, uh, he's pretty much doing in the UFC what you've been doing, supposedly, in the NFL. And uh, so, so he felt very confident, C-Money. And he put a lot of cash on that fight because he's been so successful with his UFC handicapping. Not only that, but, CFC, uh, but C-Money also made a very good call. And that is, he said, get your money down on Aldo now because the line is going to move. Because everyone's going to come to realize that Aldo should not be the underdog. He should be the favorite, that he's going to win, and that the public's going to load up on Aldo. So get the good line now, plus 145, which again would pay $145 win for a $100 bet. So way over even money. Load on up right now or it's, uh, it's going to go down, down, down. Well, he was right. It went from plus 145 all the way down to minus 120 on some books. And that's a gigantic swing. Now, to show you how impressive this is, that before the fight, C-Money could have bet back the other way. He could have bet on McGregor for the equivalent amount of money that he bet on Aldo. And he would have had a guaranteed, locked up, 45% profit. Can you believe that? Imagine a sports match where you could have a guaranteed 45% profit no matter what happened. And that's okay, what. Hold he... on a second. Explain to me how that's possible because at one point McGregor is like plus 105. So. I didn't see 105. I saw 100. I saw plus 100. So I'm saying if he got it at plus 145, for, let's, let's just take very simple numbers. Let's say he bet $100. Yeah. He bet obviously much, much more than that. But let's say he bet $100 on, uh, on Aldo. Okay. Okay. So he so if Aldo wins, he gets 145. Yeah. Uh, right. He wouldn't bet the same amount. But what he what he could do is he could bet back an amount in the middle to where, um, if yeah, it's not 45. It, yeah. So 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 it was not 40. You're right. It's not 45. Thank thank you for the correction. It's not 45. I'm a, I'm a legend in this. It's sport, it's, it's half of that. It's it's 20 something percent. 22 and a half percent. He could have done. It's not even that. No, no, no. If he if he bet more on on McGregor, then he could have locked it up. If he bet, if he, he just bet exactly, he could only win a guaranteed whatever plus it was. Okay, no, 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 no. But, but let me right. Ask... But he could, if he bet a hundred bucks on each, he could either win forty five dollars or he could win twenty dollars, right? Right. No, he could be, he bet he zero. Pay right. Not much. He's paying plus one hundred five. So the most okay. he can win is five dollars. No, 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 no. Let me explain. You know what, Team Obligate, you were correct to tell me I was wrong about the first statement because I was, but now you're incorrect. So let me explain how he could do it. Let's and say you. you let's say, let's hold on. Let me explain it to you. Let's say you bet a hundred dollars. On Aldo, and you, at plus 145, which means if Aldo wins, you get 145 back, and he made uh, $145 profit. So you decide before the fight that you don't want to gamble. You just want to lock in a profit either way. What you could do then, let's say, let's say McGregor on your book is even money, plus 100. At that point, you bet 122.50 on McGregor, and then either way, you're going to make 2250. Why? Because... Um, is either either you're going to win one twenty two fifty and then lose a hundred, or you're going to win one forty five and lose one twenty two fifty. Either way, you've won twenty two fifty, guaranteed twenty two point five percent. So that you were correct to tell me it wasn't forty five percent, but you're wrong saying that you can win five percent. It's actually right in the middle. 
it, basically what you're guaranteed well, if there. You bet more, yeah. Well, you, but yes. you can bet more and lock it in for yourself. That's what you can bet more and lock it in to where you get right in the middle of the two. So that's I what agree he. With that. So that's what he could have done. He could have made over twenty percent on his very large bet without any gambling. So that shows you what a great pick he made. That he could have locked it in. If this isn't just theoretical, he actually physically could have done it. No that's question. See money is God. But see money because he was so confident in his. UFC handicapping abilities, given his record this year and last few years in doing the UFC, he decided not to do that. He decided to gamble, and he can afford to do it. This is someone who has a lot of money and said, I don't normally make bets this large, but this is the one I feel like making. I don't, I don't want to play it safe and just lock up 20-something percent. I, I want to go for the whole thing. So he, he let the whole thing ride without betting it back. Uh, I followed this. I got it at plus 120. For Aldo on Bodog, this is a while after C Money had already bet it, so I got it for plus one twenty. I bet five hundred bucks, nowhere near the amount C Money bet. Brandon bet a lot of money, mostly at one forty and one forty five on Aldo. A number of other people on the forum followed along and bet on Aldo and got uh, a very nice line compared to what it went off at. So we all turned on the fight on Saturday night. And watched it, and the fight lasted all of 13 seconds. 13 seconds, McGregor hit him, he went down, and what was really weird was that he knocks him out cold in 13 seconds with one punch, but after he got hit, Aldo actually swung and connected a punch on McGregor while he was falling down. It was really odd. Like, you think if you get knocked out cold, you just... Like, fly back and hit the ground, and you're totally out. Here, he actually was able to swing and still hit him and connect a pretty good punch. Well, that Weidman match, though, um, that should have been, uh, like, called off. Like The guy was getting, like, beat to a pulp. And uh, the referee just allowed him just to continuously hammer on him. I didn't see that one, so I can't comment on that one. But I, that was the one I told you. That I know, but I, was I didn't even know you told me. I didn't get the message. Go watch it. The oh. guy was absolutely beating him to a pulp. Okay. Like I, he, he was like loaded with blood everywhere, and they, he didn't call the fight. I guess he called it with like a fraction of a second left after the clock, but I guess they let him go another round. But that was like brutal. I'm, I'm sure it was, but we're, we're talking about the first subject here. I'm not done with the first subject. because This first subject. Oh, I'm talking about all the okay. I'm not just talking about this because it's it's uh, an interesting fight. I'm talking about it because it really affected people who are very close to us here on this show. See money. Yeah, but they made that money back from my NFL picks. So no, all right. on, no, they didn't. So that's, let's not minimize what happened here. I see. See money is very very generous to this site. In fact, tonight, despite all the money he lost uh, over the weekend, he gave fifty dollars anyway to the free roll. He just uh, the generosity doesn't stop even when he loses a whole lot. And I'm, by the way, I'm not giving away his private business. He was very public on the forum. I I don't know if he said how much he bet, so I'm not going to repeat that out here. I I know how much it is, but I'm not. I don't think he was public with the exact number, so I'm not going to give that away. But he's been very public on the forum that he made a large bet, as as was Brandon. So since they were public about it on the forum, I'm not going to pretend it didn't happen. But. Uh, you know, I, I felt so bad for them when I saw this. I lost five hundred dollars. Like as soon as the, so, as soon as Aldo went down, 
13 seconds into the match and didn't get up. I sat there in denial. I actually thought they sat there thinking, well, maybe they're just pausing it. <laughs> like, I, I was like coming up with weird scenarios in my head of why it really isn't over. Like I'm just thinking this really is not over. It's really not done, is it? No, no, it couldn't be done now. No, no, there's got there's got to be some other thing happening here. Like I, I, I was convincing myself that it wasn't just over. But it was over. And the reason I was in that denial was not because I lost $500 in 13 seconds. Uh, it was because I felt so terrible for C-Money and Brandon to have uh, lost, number one, a very large bet, and number two, to have it happen in that fashion where you don't even get to watch it and, and kind of hope for your guy to win and root for your guy to win and at least at least get some, I don't know if I should call it entertainment, but at least get some sweat value out of it. Here, it's just over. It just starts and it's over. It was just, it's just such a brutal way to lose. So I, I just felt so bad. And I was thinking to myself, wow, you know, if I, I thought about how, how I'd feel if I had a very large bet on that and if it came that way. And I, I felt so awful for them. And yeah, you know, sometimes people don't believe me if I say something like this, but I really didn't care about my $500 at the moment. That was not my concern. I wasn't going, oh man, $500 down the drain. Oh, this, like it's, it's hard to picture with a cheap Jew like me that, uh, I would dismiss $500 I had just lost so quickly, but that really was not on my mind. The the reason I was like in denial watching it was for C-Money and for Brandon, who are both very good guys and have always uh, both done a lot for this site in different ways. C-Money has done it with uh, generosity uh, by by giving money to the free roll and, and staking people here and just doing so many other nice things. And, and Brandon's done it by providing a whole lot of entertaining radio content on this site and also on uh, previous shows I was on with him. So I, and, and these guys, neither of them ask for anything back. You know, they don't, they, they don't really, they just give, they don't really take from the community. And that's why I, I felt so bad to see this happen. And I understood, yes, it's gambling. Nothing's ever a lock. Nothing that has a, an element of chance to it. Can you ever say, I'm going to win this for sure. I mean, you can in a game that's about to be over. Like if you've got, uh, um, if you have plus 17 in a NBA game and it's a six-point game with uh, five seconds left, you can pretty much say it's over. But before something starts, you can't ever say that your bet is a lock to win. And that's part of gambling. And they both knew the risks when they gambled here. So this is different than some tragedy befalling them. Even if it's just a financial tragedy, it's uh, um, you know some things that can happen to you that cost you a lot of money are things you can't help. Things that just happen to you. So this they they took a risk and the risk did not work out. So I understand that. But it's still just of all times to pick. Okay, this is one we're going to bet big on, and then have it be that one that doesn't work out and have it happen in thirteen seconds is just. It, it was very brutal, and I, I felt so bad for them. I really did. And the only, the only time I can tell you that I remember, in a gambling sense, feeling this bad for somebody else's results had to do with Mikon back in 2006 when he made a final table at the World Series, and he got kings, and he got sucked out on, on the flop. You know, they went all in. He was short-stacked. He went all in with kings and got sucked out on by nines on the flop with a, a nine on the flop. So uh, and it was a big pot too, like a four-way all-in or something. So he would have gotten right back into it with his short stack. But the Kings held up; they did not, and 
at the time, Mike on really was broke. And he was my good friend at the time. It's not like nowadays where we don't like each other. But you know, back then, he was my good friend, and I, I, I wanted him to win it. I really wanted him to win it. And I, when that happened, I felt depressed. I felt bad for him. And I, when he, you know, he ran off for a little bit after that happened. And then when he came back down, I, I told him, this is the worst I've ever felt for someone else's loss. I've, I felt bad for my own losses many times. I've never felt this bad for someone else's loss. So, I understand, sir. That, that was the truth. So, so that's kind of how I felt uh, with this, though. C-Money and, and Brandon, they, unlike Mikon when he not, got knocked out in ninth and didn't get all that much money, uh, that was Mikon's like, big shot at the time to have a bankroll. Uh, neither Brandon nor C-Money was destroyed by this. It's just really crappy to lose this amount, that type of money. I mean, if you're if you're super 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 rich, then a large bet you can say, okay, I can afford it. I don't even feel it. No big deal. But uh, it's enough for them to feel and be frustrated by and have it really be crappy. Especially because if there's a large amount of money you bet, it's it's hard not to think, oh, what this could have bought, or you know, it's hard not to think of how much that money is actually worth. See, money made the comment that he lost a small house. He made that comment in the radio thread. So it is. It is crappy to think about. I once uh, took a really, really bad loss at Commerce at the 500-1000 game. And it was just so depressing leaving there thinking about how much money that was that, that went away. So um, I hear you. Yeah, so it's crappy. So I, I feel bad for them, and I, I hope that the next time... Either of them makes a large bet that it, it works out, and uh, then this can become a memory, and it's too bad, and especially the way it happened. Well, let me say something. Uh, let me get some of the forms money back, then I'll make a pick, then the TMMLK 99.99% lock of the week. Mm-hmm. I'm picking uh, the New York Giants. They're right now minus five and a half against Carolina in New York. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm predicting a potential New York Giants win outright. So is, is, is it plus five and a half? Plus five and a half I thought, you said, I thought you said minus five and a half. No, they're playing Carolina. They're undefeated. That's what I was understanding. I wasn't understanding. Like, how are they, how are they in favor? Like, how are they in favor? But I wasn't understanding. TMMLK is predicting... The Giants may win this game outright. I don't know. I'm kind of afraid to. I'm kind of afraid to do that. Carolina is horrible. I've watched them. They're horrible. They're undefeated. How can they be horrible? Yes, you got to realize. I've been watching them, and when they get tired on defense, they're screwed. Like they, they shouldn't have won a lot of those games. I don't know if I like that one. Okay, so uh, uh, here is this guy is what calling in. Hello. Oh my Hello. God, I'm okay. <laughs> go go ahead. Hi. The auto bet, it wasn't a good bet. I said it in the chat. It wasn't. I don't want to get into it. I'm sorry they lost the money. It wasn't a good bet. Well, it, it, it was a good bet because they got such amazing value. They could have bet back and made 22.5%. I know your reasoning, Todd. I, I disagree. What do you disagree? Moved, if you didn't like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've in the NFL all the time during the week, and if you got good value on Monday and your pick lost, is it really that good of a pick? 
if you could have if you could have bet back okay it's one thing if you get good val- a good line but you can't really bet back and make anything if you got such good value that you can bet back and make over 20% it was a great bet and if you don't think so if you if you're nervous about how good the bet is then just bet back and make 20 something percent i'll do that every day you you give me anything where i have a guaranteed 20 something they didn't do that though. but that they chose I agree, not to that but they smart. but they, they, smart. okay they chose not to though but i'm saying that the, it was a good bet they just decided to take the risk and that's that's their choice I, to do. I, I thought McGregor was going to win all along. I'm being honest. That's why I don't think it was a good bet. I just don't think picking Aldo was a good bet. I really don't. Okay, well, you, you, know, you can have that opinion. I'm just I also that... thought I did predict earlier in the week, I did predict that you would have picked Golden State minus 10.5 on Saturday night. Well, that's not hard to pick uh, there. That's that's easy to know because you can uh, look at my halftime. I, I, yeah, your system. I look for your system. System every night. Tyler that actually wasn't part of the system. Said, that actually wasn't uh, really part Brandon of the system. Gerson did did predict on an earlier episode that Milwaukee may potentially be the team to be Golden. Yeah, State. I wish I for he some reason for some reason I didn't that. remember him saying that. So I, I wish I remembered that. I probably wouldn't have bet. He said it. I don't remember what episode, but you were going through the schedules, and he said, "You know, a team like Milwaukee could take them out," which did wind up happening. It's just a coincidence, but very no, nice. He was for right. Him. He was right. I also want to say. I, I've been trolling Limon poker all night. The guy is a clown. Seriously, he's unbelievable. He does this rage fest thing on the internet. It's on Twitch. It's your show is really superior to his. That's good. Like, I, I don't like those Twitch poker shows. I just can't get into them. Oh, it was awful. I I don't like any of them. Yeah, he's very weird. He plays screamo music and he's banging his head. It's awful. The guy seems like a clown. Is he good at poker? I'm not sure. Okay, I don't. I just don't find that entertaining to watch other people play online poker it's just i mean i guess i guess if all right, you it, have a good night all right thank came you. okay mm, i'm not sure about that pick uh well, hold on a second on the Bill you, podcast yeah. earlier in the week honestly i'm that's like, the, Bill, I'm like the billy walters of nfl like i have my own spreads in my how old mind. are you how old are you it doesn't matter how old i am i have my own <laughs> spreads are you standing in my straight mind when you talk yes i am i'm sitting down right now all right, listen. You should go on YouTube and watch Donald Trump's speeches and how he's like, how he talks. Listen, guy, you really you need to hit the gym. I can tell. Hmm. Why are you player hating on me? <laughs> I'm not player hating on you, but you call in here. You want to be such a tough guy. You I'm need to start acting. Like I'm, I'm just saying, saying it's 99.9. When did? How am I being a tough guy? Have I offended you, you in any I, way? I've sir? listened to every episode. I've listened to every episode. I know your persona. It's fine. I like. You. I know, but I've changed. I've changed. I've changed. You I've have changed a lot of respect my... in the community. I've received a lot of hate for trying to be like you, but I, I don't think that's true either. <laughs> no, but I, I'm, but, I'm I mean, improving it, my. I'm, I'm I believe improving you got that pick from the Bill Simmons podcast. That's where I think you got the pick. Which mm. pick? The one you just made. Your, the New York Giants pick. And first off, you didn't even know the correct. Did, did you get that from the? Did you get that from the mistake, uh, Joe Simmons podcast? Oh, I just listened to Vegas Insider. I just went on Vegas Insider right now and checked the the lines. All right, so that's your lock of the week. So you went on Google, you typed in uh, lock of the week for the NFL, and that's what you gave us. Really great. It's probably it's actually a decent pick. It I, might come actually, it might not. I didn't even do that. I went on Vegas. In, I'm admitting right now this week is top. I went on Vegas Insider. Okay. I maybe maybe, maybe there should be no back. picks. As then. soon as someone stands up to you, you back down so quickly. I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm really not. I've maybe maybe if this like, week's tough, maybe if this true. week is tough, that there should be no bets. Just take a week off. You don't have to bet every week. 
No, I'm saying that. That's the only game I like. Um, I think San Diego is a good bet against Miami, but other than that... Okay, well, we're getting way off course here. I don't want this to be the sports betting show so early right, on. So. Have a good night, Todd. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. I probably drove away like a lot of listeners already. Cause, like, not really. Everybody but, in the chat's like, TMO, they're like... I, I'm just saying people are not usually listening for the sports betting picks here, so let's, let's move on. Uh, Okay, can we mention something about what's going on with you and uh, Marty? And uh, um, well, I mean, I, we haven't heard from Marty tonight. You guys have heard he's and made bad some, guys back. He's, he's made, trolling he, the forums. He's made some angry. I, I haven't seen really bad guy much, but uh, Marty has been trolling me on the forum. He's made some angry phone calls here over the past few weeks on this show. And the disappointing thing is that Marty returned to the site a few weeks ago, supposedly, to bring a very interesting story about something happening in his life to the forum. And he was going to post an epic thread and everyone was going to love it, but never happened. All he's been doing is trolling me and trolling a few other people, mainly me. So it's getting tiresome, I'll say that, and his calls to the show. I thought he posted about his car or his truck that had broken into and he got some. That, no, I was, that was, no, that was that was like a side story. He, there's a big story that he wants to bring, and for whatever reason, he's not bringing it. So here, let's let's take another call here, then we'll move on. It's probably Marty. No, it's not Marty. Uh, Delaware, is that you? Yes. Yeah, so Delaware, I, I, I want to offer my condolences to you. Delaware, who's a, a longtime member of Poker Fraud Alert uh, and, and previous sites that I was associated with, uh, he, he... I wanted to uh, thank everybody. The replies that I got were unbelievable. Well, yeah, let me explain. Hang on a second, Delaware. I just want to explain to people what happened. Uh, Delaware's wife uh, passed away, and you know, Delaware's an older man, so he's a... Uh, Obviously, his wife is older too, but it's, it's never easy, no matter how old you are. She was seventy-one. Yeah, she was seventy-one, and that's you know, that's still a fairly young age to to pass away. And uh, I, I feel very bad for you, Delaware, for what's happened here. And uh, and and Delaware mentioned on on the site that he also doesn't have very much money these days, and and was hoping if if people who have known him for years in this community, if they wanted to uh, donate to his wife's final expenses. So I, I have received uh, right now uh, $379 worth of donations and another 50 has been pledged to take it to 429. If anybody else wants to uh, donate, you can send it uh, on PayPal to dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. That's dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com and send it as a uh, friend and family uh, money. So it doesn't charge any fees and, uh, and I'll forward it all. To Delaware, I'm going to send him a check very shortly for that money. And uh, Delaware, you know, it's just... But, uh, but the replies were unbelievably good from every member of this forum. I didn't know, Delaware, what happened. I, I'm sorry for your loss. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I only know one person I've met live, and that's Vegas. But it's, like I say, in 10 years, it seems like I know a lot of them. You know, a lot of people, even though you've never met them. But I really appreciate all the help that you gave. And if you understood the whole story, it would be that that money is very, very big, and it's going to help me a whole lot. Well, that's good, Delaware. And, and uh, again, chapter closed last night with a very nice service. And, uh, now a new chapter is getting ready to open. I'm going to uh, 
get tied off the bottle. That's my next uh, objective. Yeah, that's 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 good, Diller. Let me tell you something here. The unfortunately, a, a stat that you'll see is uh, that's uh, pr- pretty well known is that uh, when when people who are over seventy or near seventy, anywhere around that age, or especially past it, lose their spouse, uh, they tend to go themselves pretty soon after that from the ensuing depression that that results in that. So, you know, we, we don't want to see that happen to you. And, and I, my advice to you would be to, yeah, to, to, yeah you said you're going to stop drinking, which is good. Just try to. It's, I it's, never drink. Oh, yeah, I thought you said you are going to stop the bottle. Is that what you're saying? No, no, I'm going to stop Todd from drinking. Oh, you're gonna stop talking. Oh, don't worry about him. I thought I thought you were no, gonna I, stop drinking yourself. Okay, no, but no, just, I don't drink. Yeah, okay. I well, but yeah, years. I mean, yeah. So obviously, uh, you know, we have to. You're gonna be sad. You're gonna mourn. You're gonna. It's it's a tough thing to adjust. But uh, at the same time, make sure. Oh, it's, yeah, it's tough. Thirty years. We yeah. Were together. Just make sure you can keep yourself. Uh, uh, I just want these members to know how much I respected their replies. And and the help that they did send me. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I'm, I'm glad that you. Other thing I wanted to ask you. Yeah. You have a master's in computer science. Yes. That, that is has to be 28 years old, 27 years old. Do you still take classes to keep up with this stuff? No, no, and it's not that old. It was, it was, it was 20 years ago. It wasn't. It wasn't that. It wasn't 28 years. I'm not that old yet, but. Uh, but, um, no, but you don't have to take classes to keep. Well, I don't. I don't have to do anything. Uh, now, is it true that uh, much has changed in compu- the world of computing since I've uh, received my degree? Yes, I mean, twenty years is a very long time, especially for computers. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, if I if I were to go get a, a job in in the industry, uh, I would have to brush up on some things and learn some new things. Uh, so, but. I was just mentioning that. And I, you know, I, I have to do. It's not. I'm not doing nothing. I've. Uh, it's actually poker fraud alert that keeps me uh, making little modifications I, I didn't and stuff know like that. You had to, you know, you had to refresh, take refresher stuff. No. To bring you up to date. No, but uh, if I were to go back and get a job in that field, I probably would. As good as it gets. They don't get much better than a master's. Well, they have PhDs, but I chose not to go that far. Yeah, but, yeah, you'd be a doctor. Yeah, but right. uh, so anyway, Delaware, I, I hope you, f- I, I hope you can uh, uh, be okay yourself. And but I just and, want to thank all my good friends here at this forum, and I, I want to get off that this subject to then let yeah. you go on with your show. Okay, well, you're, you're like, you're like, fan- thank you so much for everything, and thank everybody. Yeah, and you're you're kind of like family to the site, so that, that's why people come out to support you like that because they. Uh, well, I appreciate the help, and that's the truth. Okay, okay. I I, be- I believe that too. People actually message me Delaware and say, "Is he serious? Do you think you know, um, you know, I want to donate, but I'm afraid, you know, what if he's rolling us?" I say, "He's not rolling you. I, I trust him here." Oh no. I said, no. "This is De- Delaware's not. Gonna, he's not making this up. He's not pretending he needs money when he doesn't." I said, "Yeah, he's." I said, "He's he's being honest here, and uh, if you if you want to donate to him, you should." That's what I told people. Thank you very much. Okay. And well, you enjoy. I'm going to enjoy the show and uh, go on, and we'll get into other things. But that master's interested me. Okay. Well, Delaware, just one question: Are you a fan of me? Am I what? Are you a fan of TMMLK? 
Am I? Am I what? Are you a fan of Team MLK? Do you like him? Uh, am I a fan? Yeah. Of who? Team MLK. Yeah, I mean, he's like one of the boys. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't gamble on sports. Okay, that's that's good enough. All right, thank you, Delaware, and uh, feel you better. Know, feel better. Know, I don't read a lot about sports. All right. That's fine, Delaware. Okay, so feel better, and thanks for your call. Okay, thank you so much, and thank everybody for me. Okay, thank you. So that was Delaware, and, uh, you know, again, I, I feel very bad for what he went through. A lot of depressing topics so far on this show, the, all the money lost gambling and Delaware's wife well, passing away. Can I just get a quick word in for a second? Yeah. I just wanted to reflect on the positives and negatives everybody goes through in life. And I stumbled across a Chinese proverb. proverb, And it's uh, maybe so, maybe not, we'll see. Do you, do, you, do you mind if I say it? Go ahead. Well, a farmer and his son had a beloved stallion who helped the family earn a living. One day the horse ran away and their neighbors explained, the horse ran away, what terrible luck, the farmer replied. Maybe so, maybe not, we'll see. A few days later, the horse returned, leading a few wild mares back to the farm as well. The neighbors shouted out, Your horse has returned and brought several horses home with him. Well, great luck. The farmer replied, Maybe so, maybe not, we'll see. Later that week, the farmer's son was trying to break one of the mares, and she threw him on the ground, breaking his leg. The villagers cried, your son broke his leg. What terrible luck. The, far- the farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not, we'll see. A few weeks later, soldiers from the National Army marched through town recruiting all able-bodied boys from the army. They did not take the farmer's son, still recovering from his injuries. Friends shouted out, your boy is spared. What tremendous luck. To which the farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not, we'll see. That's, that's the end of it. That's the end you know, after reading that, if if uh, people don't believe you're Asian, I don't know what to say. <laughs> there's, there's Do you been, believe I'm Asian? Well, there's been long suspicions that you're Asian, and you're reading Chinese proverbs to us. So I have to say that uh, that just strengthens but, the argument. But if you actually think about that, though, like for example, the gambling losses and whatnot, and I, and a lot of people have lost money on the auto fight, but maybe it's for the best. Maybe you know, you never know. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. Now, there's, there was a Garth Brooks song along that, those lines called Unanswered Prayers, where it was a guy who uh, it was, he was singing about how when he was much younger, there was a girl that he really, really wanted to be with forever, and then it didn't work out, and he was so depressed about it, and then he ended up marrying a different woman, and then uh, he ended up seeing the, the one he was with when he was younger many years later, and uh, not only did she look much worse, but uh, it seemed like they had nothing, more in, com- nothing in common anymore. And he was thinking that uh, it was a really good thing that uh, he never got to be with that girl that he had hoped so much that he'd get to be with. So uh, it, it was a similar theme there. And uh, I've actually noticed this with poker that uh, if because card shuffles are so random and from one second to the next can change so like if, if you distract the deal a live dealer if you distract him for one second 
and he shuffles one second later, the shuffle will end up being different. And, I agree with that standpoint as well. And, and, and also, if you online poker, if you take a second more to decide, the next shuffle will be different. Even on some, some sites, the next card dealt will be different. Some are continuously shuffling. But for sure, the next deal will be different. So I, I've, I've had it before where I screw something up and misclick and end up uh, either wasting money, raising when I meant to fold, or folding when I meant to raise and would have won a big pot. And I'm so frustrated at the moment. And then I win the next seven hands. And I go, wait a minute. I would not have been dealt these next seven hands if it had, the previous one had gone the way I wanted. So overall, I ended up way ahead. So then I think to myself, well, but I, you know, I could have just as easily lost after that. And that, that would have been the fault of, of my clicking wrong, too. So maybe, uh, but is, so is that really good? But I, I just, I said, well, I've, I, I guess I just can't be frustrated anymore. I guess if I... If I accidentally did a bad thing, but then that resulted in more good things happening, which was the net win, then it wasn't bad. So I've had those thoughts too. But what's really irritating is when the reverse happens, and when you misclick, and then like you lose the next ten hands, and you think, oh, now that I lose the money I shouldn't have, but then I got dealt a bunch of cards I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So that's that's a true story. It's the same as when you're playing blackjack, and you say player stands on 16 against a 10 and then the dealer gets 21 with the five that he could have pulled but at least you that's a, that's another player's know. decision that you can't control i'm talking about your own stuff so no but you but i'm saying if you're playing on one-on-one oh one-on-one you decide to stand well i for me it's not because I, I i do it based upon the count and what the proper strategy is so if i made the right strategy move and and i lose from that i can't be mad because that's i did the right thing and in the long run those decisions are going to add up to being much better than that one might have been if I went the other way. So, okay, uh, let's let's go on to the next topic. We've, we've really wasted a lot of time on a show with a lot of topics to cover. Uh, Poker Stars, the Supernova Elite controversy continues, and Alex Miller, who was a site pro, and I say was because he left, and he left because of this entire controversy. He feels Poker Stars handled it very poorly. Poker Stars did not keep their promises. And he also felt that Negranu uh, was ineffective and broke promises he made. So uh, let me get to the I'll get over to the tweets that Alex Millar made, and he announced it. He didn't just leave, but he made it clear to everyone why he was leaving. So this is really someone who put his money where his mouth is. Now, keep in mind, Alex Miller, M-I-L-L-A-R, I don't know if it's Miller or Miller, but he's not somebody who is a major pro. So it's not like Negrano leaving, who'd be leaving a ton of money on the table. I'm not sure what Alex Miller was getting. But uh, this is what he said. This was on December 15th, so just yesterday. I'd like to apologize to the players for my complete failure to be to help in any way with the recent Poker Stars VIP changes. With Daniel Negranu eventually failing as well, I no longer feel I can represent the company, and now I have left Team Pro Online. And you can follow him on Twitter at, at CanUPoker. That's K-A-N-U Poker. Canu Poker. So... It's interesting. Uh, again, he's not a major pro. He's only part of Team Pro Online. I don't think he was getting 
major compensation for this, but he was getting something. And it's definitely not Alex Miller's responsibility to fight this. He has no influence. Negreanu had influence. He he failed in what he tried to do, but at least he had influence. At least it was conceivable that Negreanu could have changed the situation. Someone like Alex Miller could not, so he had nothing to apologize for. But still, I thought it's a nice gesture that he felt bad enough for the community for what happened that he actually quit a paid position. So that that's definitely a guy with integrity and with morals. I mean, here we have these lock pros who, like, like Annette Oberstadt and uh, Melanie Wisner and Brian Pellegrino and many others who sat there promoting a scam site, which was never paying anyone, just taking money in and not paying any out, knowingly promoting a scam site. And then we have other guys like this Alex Miller who quit Poker Stars over the Supernova Elite controversy. And you know, Poker Stars isn't a scam site. It, they did something that I felt was unethical with this, but I, they're not a scam site. They're paying people. So he quit Poker Stars and a sponsorship there which was paying him for something much, much, much less than these pros on lock wouldn't quit for on a much smaller site where I don't even think they were getting much money anymore because I think Locke was broke and wasn't paying them either. So it's, it's amazing the difference. Now, some people have greed even when the company that's screwing everyone is in the process of screwing them too. They still hang on just in case they're going to get paid one day. And then you have guys like Miller who have guaranteed money coming in. They, they walk away from it. So that, that was interesting. Now, what's up with Negranu? Well, Negranu... If you remember, he wrote a blog last week that was basically saying, yeah, this didn't work out. Sorry, it's uh, all the changes are standing. He, he announced the good news that uh, PokerStars is having a $4 million free roll and that because pros are better than amateurs, they're more likely to win some of that money in the free roll. So therefore, uh, this is a pretty good element of compensation given what happened. <laughs> you know, a free roll open to everyone on the site A gigantic site like PokerStars There'll be four separate million dollar free rolls And that's somehow supposed to compensate them For A major amount of money That they're going to be losing As a result of these broken promises So that's, that was laughable Unfortunately that line of reasoning That Negranu Stated on his blog was foreshadowing his complete turnaround in his attitude. And it's not a turnaround for the better. And over the past week, Negranu has made himself look fairly foolish, especially over the last two days. So Negranu's been posting over on 2 plus 2. And uh, this, this is one of those times where I think Negranu would be better off staying quiet. Or if he's not going to stay quiet, make a carefully prepared statement that isn't going to piss people off. Negranu was very passionate about this situation. And for those of you that don't know, I'm sure all of you do because I've talked about it the last few episodes, PokerStars is changing things as of January 1st in that people who are Supernova Elite are going to have much lesser benefits and much lesser rake back. And people are angry because they spent... So much time and effort all year earning Supernova Elite, which takes a long time to earn. And it's a thing you're expected to have for two years, because once you have it, it's much easier to maintain the following year. That the benefits they thought they were earning, they're not going to get in the second year of it. 
So it's it very unethical on the part of poker stars, and I agree. So Negreanu was very, very passionate in early November about getting those changes delayed. Basically letting the changes go through, but begging poker stars to start them on January 1st, 2017, instead of 2016, which would be fair to everyone. You know, if they want to change things about their VIP program, they're welcome to, but at the very least, they should honor previous commitments. And Negreanu has been making that point, and he was having long conversations with CEO David Bezov about it, and he was so mad about the situation that he was telling players behind the scenes, including Poker Fraud Alert listener Ryan LaPlante, that his resignation is very possible, that he may resign if this doesn't get settled more in the players' favor. Well, now Negreanu is having to eat those words because nothing was resolved in the players' favor. In fact, PokerStars put out a press release last week mocking the players for doing a boycott on them over this and was mocking them for how well they did anyway despite the boycott and that they are very happy with the direction they're going especially how they saw the boycott failed. I mean, it was a very arrogant message that PokerStars sent, basically saying, you guys failed, your boycott's a joke, get the fuck out, we don't care about you guys. That's what it said, without directly saying that. So, Negranu, I mean, they they really couldn't have been more negative with the way they responded, PokerStars, and Negranu was completely ineffective with getting anything done. Now, I don't blame him, he tried very hard. He was very passionate about it. He tried very hard, and he failed because it was ultimately out of his control. It was not his decision to make. So I give Negreanu credit for trying and for getting involved because he didn't have to. He was just the face of the site. He's probably getting about a million bucks a year in cash and tournament buy-ins to represent them. That's my guess. I don't know for sure, but probably around there. And he could have just said, hey, I'm just the face of the site. I'm not making these decisions, sorry, not my department, but he got involved. I give him credit there. But he made the mistake by telling people in the heat of the moment that he might resign over this, which I believe that he meant at the time. But then reality started to sink in. And Negreanu must have realized that he does not want to give up this lucrative sponsorship. He doesn't want to give up a million dollars a year over this issue. So then he had to get out of it. Then he had to backpedal because PokerStars did not budge. PokerStars not only didn't budge, but sent out a very obnoxious press release mocking those who tried to take action via a boycott. And Negreanu had to appease these people that he had promised that he would uh, consider resigning over this. So the way to have done that, since he's already ruffled plenty of feathers at PokerStars over this, since PokerStars knew already that Negranu was public over his disapproval of these changes, Negranu might have might as well have completed it by saying, well, I tried, I tried very hard, I just don't agree. We see it differently. I'm not going to leave Poker Stars because uh, they've been very good to players otherwise, and I'm going to give them another chance. I'll believe that this was just a mistake they made, and uh, we don't see eye to eye on it, but as long as this doesn't happen again... I'm going to forgive them for this and move on and stay. Or something like that. Something that is not making excuses for their behavior and is acknowledging that he's just basically giving them another chance and that they have a good enough record to where he doesn't see it is justifying quitting. People still would have been angry. 
but much less angry than they are now with the responses he's been giving. Now, what responses has he been giving since? This is what he wrote early yesterday. It was a massive communications blunder. (laughs) What communications blunder is he talking about? In October 2014, the newsletter said, Poker Stars is considering substantial changes to the VIP program in 2016. That's wishy-washy and not clear, but did any of you who read and th- read that think this must mean we're getting even more rake back in 2016? <laughs> so what he's trying to say here is because they said in October 2014 that big changes are coming in 2016, or they're considering big changes. They're not even they're coming. They're considering substantial changes in 2016. That when they say that and that only in 2014, that somehow people should have figured out that 2016 is going to see a major decrease in supernova elite benefits and nobody's grandfathered in to the old benefits. So somehow you're just supposed to assume that. Somehow Poker Stars told you you just didn't read into it right, according to Negroni. It was just a communications blunder. Huh. He goes on to say, that doesn't excuse the error, but it clearly shows that they had this planned over a year ago. They just didn't know in what form the changes would take place. <laughs> I didn't lie, and I'm not lying, when I say that this could have all been avoided with better communication. If the statement instead said there will be substantial cuts to the VIP program in 2016, as well as the website, instead of showing precise 2016 numbers for the Supernova Elite players, simply said TBD. Well, exactly. So so they were making uh, marketing claims for their Supernova Elite program that they didn't keep to. So And they implied a lot of things that they didn't keep to that were true in previous years. So that's not a communications blunder. That's going back on promises is what that is. He said, if the two things happened correctly, then this wouldn't even be an issue at all. Yeah, but whose fault is that? It's poker stars. So yes, that's a communications blunder. A very big one, and a lot of players got screwed as a result. A lot of players rightfully pissed as a result. So I don't like the way he's putting that. It's not a communications blunder. It's taking something they did. They... They went back on promised benefits. That's what they did. It was very unethical. It's not a communications blunder. A communications blunder is where you're trying to say something but just say it wrong. They didn't do that. They just purposely didn't say anything. They purposely didn't give details. Even when they had a lot more details later on, they didn't provide those details until near the end of the year. On November 1st, they gave the details. They, it's not even like they gave the te- details on March 1st. They gave it on November 1st after most people had already earned Supernova Elite. So if you're going to change it for 2016 and it's like a two-year thing, then you have to do it at the beginning of 2015 or end of 2014. You don't do it at the end of 2015 and have it take place two months away. That's a joke. So 2 plus 2 member Choke My D, who's a longtime member there, said to Negranu, one, you lied when you said your integrity is not for sale. Two, you lied when you wrote in your blog that it was Bezov's idea to delay the VIP changes for one year. It's very obvious that you rewrote history when you said that. You were told that. You know it isn't true, yet you parroted it. Amaya has deceived and stolen from the players. They will not budge and will not change their mind. Yet you want us to work together with them and have meetings in the future? For fuck's sake, Daniel, why? So Negranu responded... 
One, that is not a lie regarding his integrity. It isn't for sale. I have plenty of money already, and my reasoning for staying with the company has absolutely nothing to do with a paycheck. (laughs) Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Your reasoning for staying with the company has nothing to do with a paycheck? Negron, are you saying that you would work for Poker Stars for free? Are you saying if they weren't paying you, you would stay there? If they, if they came to you and said, sorry, it's been a tough year, which it has, by the way. Their stock has dropped way down. It's been a tough year, Daniel. We would love to still have you as the face of the site, but uh, we're going to pay you a little bit less this year. This year, instead of a million dollars, this year, Daniel, instead of getting... One million dollars. Instead, you're going to be getting... Zero point zero. How do you think Negreanu would react? Do you think he'd say, oh, sure, I love poker stars. Yeah, no problem, guys, I understand. I'll stay here. I'll stay here for free. No biggie, you don't have to pay me. Of course he wouldn't. He'd be out the door in a second. And I wouldn't blame him. Nobody would blame him because that is a job. That's a job he's doing, and he's getting paid for it. Those of you who listen to this show, who work regular jobs, I don't think you would go to your job if they wouldn't pay you. If you were getting no pay, I don't think you would go. I don't think you're going to work for fun. You go to your job to make money. You go to your job to make money to then bring home and support your family, do things you enjoy with it, buy things you enjoy. That's why you go to work. Now, maybe there is a side benefit of going to work in that uh, you enjoy the work or uh, you find it to be satisfying or you know you feel like you're being productive. And that, that's all fine and good. But if they didn't pay you at all, if they paid you zero to work there, you would not stay. Even if you had a lot of money and didn't really need the money, you still wouldn't work for free. Other than doing volunteer work, which people tend to do for something that uh, – a cause or whatever they're very passionate about. But uh, when it comes to working for a company, other than like an intern situation, which is something people do to gain experience to make more money later, nobody works for free. So, of course, Negreanu stayed for the paycheck. If they weren't paying him, he would have walked away over this. If for whatever reason he was representing them for free, he would have walked away. He would have said, hey, I'm representing you guys for free. This is the least you can do for me. But he's staying because they're paying him a lot of money every year, and it is not worth to him to walk away over this. Now, I don't blame him for that. If I were the face of Poker Stars and they were paying me that much, I wouldn't walk away either. I would walk away if they were cheating people. I would walk away if they were not paying cash outs. I would walk away if there were super users on the site that uh, the company had put in there to where their own employees were cheating people. Any kind of big scandal there, I'd walk away no matter how much they were paying me. But something like this, which is unethical, which is a broken promise, but is on a much lesser level than non-paying or cheating, I wouldn't walk away. I don't think any of you would walk away for that type of money. So, like Alex Miller walking away, I think that's very noble, but he's not making that much money. The money in the ground is making very hard to walk away from that over a situation like this. Very hard. So that's BS. 
he shouldn't say something like that. It insults people's intelligence to say, I'm not staying for the paycheck. Yes, you are. That's the whole reason you're there in the first place is for the paycheck. Just be honest and say this isn't a big enough issue to me to where it's worth quitting. Second, he writes, how is this a lie regarding it being Bezos' idea to delay the changes in the first place? Because the site is going forward and you're probably going to be playing on it, the games will continue to run, and if you plan on continuing to give action to the site, then you might as well have added communication, no? So what he's referring to... Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, I I read this wrong, I skipped it. (laughs) Let me start this again. Kind of zoned out when I was reading it. How is this a lie? It was confirmed by several sources that it just happened like that. Sure, it's possible they're all lying to me, but how does that make me writing that a lie? So he's trying to say that Bezov really did have the idea to delay it another year when they, Amaya bought it. It didn't really matter. As I mentioned in the last show, it doesn't matter if they announced this late 2015 to be implemented early 2016 or late 2014 to be implemented early 2015. It doesn't matter because either way, people don't have time to prepare for the change. Either way, they have put a lot of effort to earn something that is not worth what they thought it was. So it doesn't matter what year it happens. You delay this another year instead, don't, don't announce it until November 1st, 2016 to take place in 2017 – it's the same problem. So it doesn't matter if it's delayed anyway. That's not something to brag about. So referring to the point of uh, why players should bother meeting with Bezov and uh, talk going forward, what's the point? He said, because uh, the site's going forward, you're probably going to be playing on it. The games will continue to run. If you plan on continuing to give action, then you might as well be having added communication. Well... I was mentioning that's kind of a joke. When, when PokerStars has shown such disdain for their most active players, meeting with Bezov going forward is not going to do anything. It's just a feel-good measure. It's, you, this proves that the big grinders on there have no power. It proves that not only do they have no power, but that PokerStars doesn't even want them. PokerStars sent out a, a taunting press release about this. They don't want them. They're trying to kick their asses out the door. They're trying to make them leave. They're not kicking him out, but they're saying, we're going to make things unpleasant for you so you leave on your own. We want you to go. Goodbye. So having meetings with the CEO is not going to change that attitude they have over at PokerStars. And I understand why they have the attitude, because they've determined that these winning players are not good for the poker economy. So while they're not going to get rid of them, that they're not going to coddle them anymore. I understand that business decision. But at the same time, these are empty gestures that they're making to the players about you, know, you can meet with a CEO. Big deal. They can meet with them. It's, it's not going to have an iota of effect of anything they plan to do. It's just a thing to make them feel like they're contributing. So that's what Choke My D is basically saying. And the ground is saying, hey, well, you might as well have the communication. Yeah, Why have communication if you're not going to be listened to? So honestly, Negreanu is just making himself look like a fool at this point. He's making himself look like a fool. Negreanu did a very good job with this whole thing. By the way, we lost Team MLG somehow. That's fine. You still hear uh, Trader Risky? Yep. Okay, good. I'll, I'll ask for your take on this in a second. But Negreanu is making himself look like a fool at this point. I respect that he tried to help. He didn't have to. But he needs to quit with the backpedaling and the story changing. He stupidly told people that his resignation was on the table. And uh, you know, if things didn't change... Then they didn't change, and then he didn't resign when the changes didn't happen. So I I don't blame him for not resigning, but he put himself in this spot that he is now. 
Now he looks like a phony. Now Negranu, who had told so many people privately, and even told one person, Ryan Laplante, that he can tell people that he told him that. He said, you can go forward and say that my resignation's on the table. And then Laplante actually said, no, I don't want to do that. So Negranu actually gave Laplante permission to do that back in November. And now he's not quitting. So now he looks like a phony. You're a phony. Hey, this guy's a great big phony. So he looks like a phony. He shouldn't have ever said that. I'm not saying he should be forced to quit at this point. I'm not saying he should quit at this point. I'm saying that he should not have said this in the first place. He put himself in a bad spot. But now that he's done so, now that he's put himself in that position, now that he seems like... That's right. You're a big, fat phony. Now he seems like a big, fat phony. Now he has to be very careful what he says at this point. He should have made a statement like this. I'm sorry, guys. I agree with you fully, but I tried my best, and Stars management saw it a different way. As Stars has a very good track record with how they treat their players, I've decided to stay with them despite this, provided that they improve their communication going forward. He'd still get hate. He'd still get people criticizing him, but a lot fewer, and there'd be a lot less anger. So, uh, Trader Risky, how do you feel? No, you know, I think that, I mean, when he said he might or he would consider, you know, those aren't if they don't change this, I'm leaving. That's not a statement like that. So I don't necessarily fault him too much for that. And I certainly believe that he did what he could to help to help out. And when it didn't happen, I mean, there could be a lot of information that was shared that he just can't share publicly. Certainly, I think I agree with you the way he handled it. And as far as uh, his statement and all that could have been more effective. But um you know, I mean, what, you know, he's, he's a poker player. He's the site pro. I guess he puts himself in this position where he's the voice of the players and all that. But, you know, I just think that's not really his skill set. Yeah. And uh... so, I, you know, I think that, you know, if they said, and then I think, look, and if I'm the, if I'm the poker pro and I, like the, the girl who was all mad because she just moved to Mexico and if I'm depending on a company that was just acquired by a public company and I know how the pros affect, you know, if I'm looking at it just from PokerStars angle, I probably wouldn't. I don't have a written contract with them. Yeah. Yeah. I said that before, too, that these people were unrealistic in, in their beliefs of how they're how PokerStars is going to handle things going forward because they, they're making money through PokerStars. But as, as you said, they don't have any contract with them and poker stars can change anything at any time and they they can't base their whole lives around things remaining the same yeah i mean they, i think they had to have known things would change and they can be an optimist optimistic or pessimistic about it you know and they and they probably get a lot more than than they could and they make a lot of money off playing poker and you know yeah, you know someone said in the chat Daniel Negroni needs to hire Druff as his publicist and you know, I I think I could have definitely done a lot better job with uh, directing him on how to communicate this stuff than he did. I think he attempted to do something very nice for the players, and it has backfired big time to where instead of people admiring him for what he did, people hate him now. Not everybody, but the people involved in the situation now hate him. 
and and I, I think he's getting much more hate than he deserves. But he, he he handled it stupidly in a few ways, including his recent statements, which which seem to be backpedaling and making excuses for stars. And some people in the chat are saying that stars forced him to uh, spit out the company line at this point. I I don't even know if that's true. I think he may have enough influence at this point to where he's not forced to make statements on behalf of the company. I think that once the company decided what they did, he realized that uh, there's no point to continue biting the hand that feeds him now that it's already been decided. So now he might as well go back to kissing the company's ass and uh, saying what they would hope he would say. I don't believe they wrote his statement for him. I don't believe he had to get approval to put out a statement. Maybe they did, but probably not. But I think he wrote these statements, both his blog and the 2 Plus 2 statements, with making poker stars look good in mind. And yeah, he's he's their spokesman. He's their face of the site. He's a sponsored pro. They pay a lot of money. Of course, he's not going to act completely neutral. And anyone who spec- expects that of him is being unrealistic. But I, I think he just didn't handle it right. I think once he put it out there so much that he doesn't agree with these changes, he might as well just finish it off saying, okay, I don't agree. Stars went a different way. They have a very good record otherwise. I, I'm trusting them to do the right thing in the future. And that, that's that, like, uh, kind of like everyone makes mistakes sort of thing. No, that would have handled it for sure. But I think that, you know, he's just getting all these obnoxious emails and the tweets and he gets sucked into these conversations with whatever percentage of the overall customer base it is. And it's just like, you know, you're never going to make all of them happy. And yeah. then they, you know, it's just like, why does he need that? That's not his job to begin with. No, he, he was just trying to help. Yeah, it's a big mess. <laughs> that's, a, that's, the worst. that's the thing that's got to be pissing him off the most here is he tried to help. He tried to do something he didn't have to do, and now he's getting crap for it. Yeah, and he's, he's you know, if you look at it from his perspective, he's spending hours and hours on this stuff he didn't have to do. And then, you know, everybody, nobody's appreciating anything he tried to do. Yeah, that's and that's why I just think him a liar, and he's like, "Fuck this, I don't need this shit." Yeah, I I just think he's just at the end, he's just making the wrong statements here. He should just uh, he should have just finished out with something more a little more player friendly, and uh, and then just left it alone. And, you know, if he has haters at that point, then so he does. But uh, uh, right, but again, that's one percent, or if, even if that, you know, I'm sure he was probably at the point where I'm sure if he thought it through and took a few days and spoke to you he would have probably come up with a more effective statement. But I'm sure at the end of the day, it was just like, F this. Well, yeah, this maybe he doesn't care. Up. Yeah, maybe he doesn't care that much because he has such a big fan base anyway, and this isn't a large group of his fans. So whatever. Yeah, and I'm, sure, and I'm sure there's info, too, that was shared with him that he couldn't share under his NDA or whatever about where the company's at, and they're a public company now. And maybe there were reasons that he just said, okay, I got it, I get it, you can't do it, and you had to do this. By the way, a China Maniac said in chat that he says, yeah, uh, poker stars really screwed these guys hard, but you know what? Too bad. Merge, Bovada, and others, and every other site just slashes things all the time, and that just happens. So I, that's, that's kind of true that these other sites, they don't have this long discussion and uh, back and forth about it. They just go, okay, here's the new rules. Rakeback's gone. Okay, like they, they just change it and say, too bad. If you don't like it, then... Don't play here anymore. So. No, for sure. I mean, put this on the list of all the things that could go wrong with a poker site. You'd love you'd love to have this situation with every other site. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I agree that the players got screwed, and you know, the Supernova Elite. I, I can't I can't diminish the amount of time it takes to earn. It takes a lot of time and dedication, and it is so frustrating when you've spent 
so many hours and hours every single day earning this. And then you get there and you're all happy and you have the expectations of what this will get you. And then they take it away. I, I mean, that's just really, really frustrating. Something else that works this way is the seven stars at Caesars. In fact, it's even more of a two-year thing because when you earn seven stars or any tier at Caesars, you have the entire next full calendar year without having to play at all. So if they change the seven-star benefits in a major way for 2016 and really, really degraded them, I would be frustrated, and I didn't put anywhere near the amount of time in earning that, not even close to what these guys put into earning Supernova Elite. And I'd still be irritated, but at the same time, I'd understand. I'd say I I know these are like rewards programs, and uh, the company can change it at any time, and even if it's something that's implied or even stated on their website what the benefits will be and that they're going to carry over next year and you think they're going to be one way, if they change it, you have to understand this can happen. And if you base your life too much around that, then you're setting yourself up for a lot of anger. So... uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel, uh, Mason Malmuth, he enjoys watching anything that makes Daniel Negreanu look bad. Now, the two never liked each other too much, but the real catalyst to the major dislike between the two of them actually has to do with this site. It actually has to do with Poker Fraud Alert. That's something that happened here. So I can, I, I guess I can take a small amount of credit because honestly, with that poker fraud alert, then uh, they wouldn't have the animosity to the level they do. And I'll explain it. Um, one of the darker chapters in poker fraud alert history was the Jacep chapter. And that Jacep was a, uh, an active member of poker fraud alert. His name was John Sepulveda. And he put together a uh, charity podcast for a charity called the 22Q Foundation, which, by the way, seems kind of shady to me as well. But uh, that wasn't known at the time either, even by Sepulveda. But they put this charity podcast together, and everybody who was involved with this podcast, aside from Jason himself, meant very well. Brandon was involved with it. He meant very well. And uh, there's several other people who were involved. Uh, I actually provided the server and you know, the radio server to broadcast it. It actually technically broadcast from Poker Fraud Alert. So uh, because they said that their server couldn't handle the traffic that it would be getting. So it was broadcast on Poker Fraud Alert. And a lot of people donated to it. It uh, it got about, uh, I think, 4000 something dollars worth of donations. And more than half of it disappeared into Jacob's pocket. He stole it. He also stole money separately from users of Poker Fraud Alert through a staking program that he was running where he wasn't actually playing poker and just stole the money. Now, recently, Poker Fraud Alert users had tracked him down to his new job and pressured him to pay back the money he stole, and he's slowly paying it back. So we've collected 2000 back of the 12000 or so that he stole total from this community. And hopefully we'll keep getting that money rolling in. And uh, you know he can't pay it all at once. He only has a semi-low-paying job, but he is—he has been paying. He stopped for a while because he wasn't working, but he started again. Oh, we lost Trader Risky. I see you're back. I'm back. So so anyway, uh, 
The reason I'm bringing up Jacep here is that when the 22Q podcast was being promoted, Daniel Negreanu was one of the people who appeared on it, as did many others uh, who were well-known, including pitcher Ryan Dempster appeared on that because his daughter had the 22Q syndrome. So he was close to that. And uh, so Negreanu was really promoting this because he really thought it was a good cause. And he want, he promoted it. Uh, he got very mad when it was not allowed to be promoted on 2 Plus 2 that Mason said, I don't allow any charities to be promoted here. And Negreanu said he had no heart and Negreanu really criticized him and you know said he was cold and so they really went back and forth on this, and then Mason got such satisfaction when it turned out that the organizer of this charity podcast turned out to be a scammer and stole half the money. Mason then, I think just to mainly show up Negranu, sent a check-in to the 22Q Foundation for the missing money, even though it had nothing to do with him. He just kind of showed up like, hey, guess what? Not only wouldn't I allow this charity podcast that was a scam to be to be advertised on 2 plus 2 for free, but I'm going to cover this shortfall to show you I'm not a cold guy. Which I think was really more to give the middle finger to Negranu than to really be generous, but who knows. Anyway, ever since then, they've really not liked each other. Negranu even got bad, banned once for posting his video blog, and Mason called it spam, which I thought was ridiculous. Because... You know, Negreanu, he's not like the average poster on there. He's one of the best-known poker players in the world. And if he's going to post on your site, he gives your site a, a big advantage. It, it's, if Negreanu's posting there and you can go there and interact with him, you're going to want to go to that site. So this really helps Mason with traffic to his site when Negreanu participates there. So why would you ban him for breaking a, a petty rule that you can't uh, promote anything of your own. Let, let him post his damn video blog. I mean, people are going to have interest in it. He's not just there to spam. If, if Negreanu only showed up to spam his video blog and never participated, then I would understand banning him. But here he's actively posting on the site. Here, one of the best-known poker players is actively posting on your site, which makes you money, and then you ban him for a video blog. So uh, they have a lot of history. They're, they're always sniping at each other. Uh, they argued not too long ago about Daniel's Choice Center, uh, semi-cult that he's involved with, and Mason was very nasty about that to him. Basically, uh, Mason looks for any opportunity he can to criticize Daniel and make him look bad. And and Daniel, to some degree, does the same to Mason, but Mason does it much more. So Mason was thrilled about this. Even though Poker Stars, I don't know if they still are a sponsor. Uh, looks like we're... Trader Risky, can you hear me? I think we lost him. Are you back? Now we lost. I, we're having internet trouble with him. I think it's on his end. I'm going to blame it on him. I always want to blame it on the other person. Here he is. He's back. For some reason, it keeps cutting you. Nah. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I hope it's on his end. Looks like it's still broadcasting, though. So. Now I'm paranoid the sound is not working. I'm always paranoid the sound's not working now that we have this new sound card. Okay, let's see if we can hear a sound. Yep, sound's working. Beautiful. All right, so I don't know what's going on with Trader Ruski. Some issue with connecting to him. Anyway, Mason is really enjoying this. Mason appeared on uh, the on Joey Ingram's Poker Life podcast. 
and uh, he was talking all about the whole situation. And Mason went as far to say that uh, Negranu shouldn't have been uh, saying he will resign if he wasn't going to. And he was saying that uh, if they gave in, that it would appear that uh, it was Negranu's intervention that caused the change, and they didn't want that. That they didn't want to have it look like that uh, they were all ready to rip people off, but Negranu stopped them. That they thought that would look bad. So... They didn't want to change it for that reason. That was what Malmö's theory. But uh, he was really gloating that Negreanu couldn't get this done. He was very proud of himself, even though he didn't do anything, to see this as the case. This is a Chicago Joey's podcast, which for some reason I keep playing on this show. Let's just kind of jump to a random spot here. <laughs> All right, guys, what's going on? We're here. We're live. Welcome to a brand new Poker Live podcast. My name is just Joey Grimoin, a.k.a. Chicago Joey, coming to you on location here in the the great the great city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. All right. That's the problem, and and we're That's still hopeful that poker stars will look at it some more. Carolina. Let's jump to where he talks about it. And it, it means that new players who, who come to the site to try poker quickly get wiped out. So you're not getting enough new players surviving. For any length of time. And- but Mason looks ancient here. He really looks old here. He looks old and like tired. He looks like a guy who's not very healthy, to be honest. He doesn't look skinny. He actually is kind of overweight, but he, he looks just kind of old and worn out and definitely not vibrant. He even sounds old. And, and that has to be disastrous for poker in the long run. So it's clear to us that a lot of changes need to be made. In fact, David Sklansky and myself, along with Rich Muni as a moderator, we participated in a panel discussion. Ah, participating. <laughs> he, he always says participating instead of participating. We participated in a panel. At, uh, at this year's uh, iGaming uh, conference in uh, Las Vegas, which was done in April, and this was the subject of our talk what was going wrong with these games and possible solutions to fix it. So Poker Stars has come up with a bunch of possible solutions that they're going to try. Now, we think all that's fine and, and that needs to be done. The problem that's occurred is that one of the solutions was to reduce the uh, equity or value that the Super Nova League players are supposed to get. And I guess Supernova got that reduced as well. Well, that's fine, too, except the problem is they should have announced it in January. Instead, they announced it in November. Mm -hmm. You have people who worked all year trying to achieve this stuff and now are basically being told that what they worked for doesn't have the the value they thought it had. And that's the problem. And and we're still hopeful that poker stars will look at it some more. And return value to these people. 
Yeah, I think that. Yeah. I th- <laughs> so, so that's uh, that's Negreanu and not Negreanu, that's Mason Malmuth talking about the situation. That I, I don't know. I don't know how anybody stays awake through that. I mean, he's he's like such a boring speaker. But what he's trying to say is that poker stars talked about it, and everybody's been talking about it for a while how to keep the recreational players playing longer, and they finally had to take action. I think that's been the, uh, you know, the big, the big, the big thing that's got people upset. Also, there is the them taking away rake back at five ten and above. I mean, that's a very. I feel like it's mainly high stakes players that are upset about that. There's also some players who just realize that that does seem kind of wrong to just you know take that away without. I mean, at that it's basically you're, they're making the rake higher at those stakes, and but I think overall, what the biggest thing people are upset about is the supernova elite thing. So. It well, doesn't look like though that they're going to go back on that. It, it appears from the statements being made that, I mean, they are a for-profit company, and and they should be allowed to charge whatever rate back they want. I mean, if people think, excuse me, they should be allowed to charge whatever rate they want. If people think the rate is too high, they they should look for other places to play. I mean, that's just the way uh, free markets work. But the the. The real uproar, I think, is in the, in the supernova elite, where people thought they were earning X amount. Instead, they, they found out they were only earning Y, and Y is a much smaller number than X. Now, enters onto the scene is Daniel Negrano. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Now, you knew he couldn't go very long. This is this is like three minutes, literally, into when he started talking about the situation. He, go, he goes three minutes talking about this, minus three minus the part that uh, Chicago Joey was talking in the middle. And he, he jumps right to Daniel Negrano, so here it is. You knew that was coming, right? <laughs> we got a kid. I knew, I knew it was coming. Even Chicago Joey knew it well, was coming. I, I think the way to look at that, and I actually have a lot of sympathy for David Bazoff here, is you sort of have to step back from the issue and look at the way a company is going to run. And this is true whether it's a very large company like uh, Amaya's Poker Stars or smaller, much smaller company like 2 Plus 2. And that is here at 2 Plus 2, we often have spirited discussions and debate on how we should proceed on things and what we should do. But then we come to an agreement, and sometimes the, the top dog, so to speak, Somebody has to make a final decision. That decision is made, and then we move forward with it. I wonder who the top dog is. Who is the top dog? Hold on. Shot his big mouth off. (laughs) He shot his big mouth. Hang on, Negro. Hang on. Hang on. Not Negro. Hey, Mason. Mason, hang on. The top dog. He actually calls himself the top dog. You know the little undertitle on the forum? For me, it just says owner. He puts top dog. He actually calls himself the top dog of his site. Which is kind of arrogant. Like when I knew I could give myself any undertitle, and I run Poker Fraud Alert. Nobody else has any piece of Poker Fraud Alert. I'm the sole owner, hundred percent owner of Poker Fraud Alert. So I could put anything there, but I didn't want to come off as arrogant. I didn't want to come off as uh, like I'm trying to show I'm better than everybody or more important than everybody because I'm not. I'm just the owner of the site, and then I'm like a user of the site at the same time. So. I just put owner. It says Dandruff and either their owner because that's what I am. And that doesn't try to lord that over people. It's just when people see me posting who are not as familiar with the site and who I am will see that I'm the owner. 
So he actually puts top dog and then he says that the top dog sometimes needs to make a decision. Let's jump back to that part. Hold on. Let's jump back to that part. Yeah. But then we come to an agreement and sometimes the the top dog, so to speak, somebody has to make a final decision. That decision is made and then we move forward with it. In this case, Magrano shot his big mouth off and he went outside the company and he announced that his uh, resignation wasn't in play. Now, I'm going to come back to that point because we did some things to try to protect the players and protect Negrano in that area. But what happens once he does that? And remember, this is this has nothing to do with exactly what the issue is. Once he does that, he, he contributes to taking away flexibility from PokerStars management. I think from David Bazoff's point of view, he would look at this and he would say, do I work for Daniel Negrano or does Daniel Negrano work for PokerStars? Hmm. And so once that happens, he has to take appropriate steps. And if you read, if you read or I'm sure everybody, most everybody has read Daniel Negrano's latest blog entry. I know I did. You'll, you'll see what those steps were. Back, David Sklansky, and announcing his resignation. I mean, one of the things that happened right now, but once Negrano did that, I thought Poker Stars management would have. Sorry, I'm jumping around. I I accidentally jumped away. I was trying to pause it. I jumped away from where it uh, was in the video. I'm getting to the right point. This is what happens when you do a live broadcast. To make decisions. So, So just let me stop here. He's pretty much blaming this on Negranu, saying that Negranu getting involved and, quote, shooting his big mouth off, saying that his resignation's in play and saying that he's trying to get things changed, hurt the situation because then Bezov had to take a stand at that point. He had to show he was the top dog by showing that Negranu couldn't force him to change his mind. And that he's trying to imply that if Negranu hadn't gotten involved that maybe if the players just complained, that maybe Bazov would have changed his mind at that point, knowing that it's, his hand isn't being forced by someone working for him. So uh, this is very Mason to say, because Mason, he loves to think himself of himself as the top dog. He loves to think of himself as the boss, the guy who's in control. He wants underlings, Mason. He wants the underlings to know their place. And to Mason, to see somebody who's an underling, who's an employee, who is, quote, shooting their big mouth off, Mason would think, hey, you have to show that employee up. You have to make them realize that their place is below me. So he's saying basically that's what Bezoff did. That, I don't think I believe that. I think just Bezoff, they, they made their decision, and they didn't care what Negreanu or anyone thought. They didn't want Negreanu resigning, but at the same time, this was an important decision they wanted to make, and they were actually hoping that Grinders left, so... They just didn't want to reverse what they thought was the pr- correct decision. Make changes in their decisions. Can you explain that a bit more? So, I mean, I, I, I don't really think he hurt the players too much by sort yeah, of, yeah. It, for, I think a lot of players feel like he is the one person that really connects us to David Bazoff. And so what, what, what he should have done was he should have announced that I understand the issue, and I'm taking parts in discussions with top-level uh, management at PokerStars. That's all he should have said. Instead, he announced his resignation wasn't play. 
Well, do you think his resignation was in play? I mean, I read his last blog entry. Once once he did that, he basically, I mean, this is just my opinion, but he basically uh, takes away a lot of the flexibility that PokerStars has because PokerStars now has to show who's in charge. And I have, I have a lot of sympathy here for, for David Bazoff. I know uh, a lot of people on our website are probably not uh, favorably inclined towards him right now. But once Negrano did that, I think Bazoff uh, has much less flexibility towards uh, what, what, what he can do now. Yeah, so he's definitely saying that. He's definitely saying that Negrano actually hurt the effort by saying his resignation was in play, and therefore it forced Bezov's hand to actually have to show that he was in power, and that Negreanu could not force what he was going to do or pressure him to change his mind. That he had to take a stand. This is BS. Though. This is the problem. Mason is used to running a forum, bossing people around, banning people. Acting like a control freak. So Mason doesn't understand that in big business, you don't have to feel like a control freak to get satisfaction from your work. David Bezoff doesn't care about being a control freak. I I doubt it has anything to do with it. David Bezoff just wants the company to make money. He wants the stock to go up. He wants their profit sheets to look good. He wants their profit projections to look good and be accurate. That's what he wants. He doesn't care about looking like the boss. He doesn't care about the perception of whether he's really in charge. Unless that becomes like a big issue with the public, but it isn't. He doesn't care about that stuff. This is like Mason Malmuth stuff to care about because Mason Malmuth connects his whole identity to 2 plus 2. You will not see Mason anywhere, including on that video I just played to you guys, without a 2 plus 2 shirt on. He is always wearing a 2 plus 2 shirt anywhere that he appears with poker players. Always a 2 plus 2 shirt. Always. His entire identity is 2 plus 2. He believes 2 plus 2 is bigger than it is, has more influence than it does, and that he is a bigger and more powerful figure in poker than he thinks he is. We're not. He's bigger than he actually is. Mason thinks he's more important to poker. He thinks he's one of the most important guys in poker, basically. He said that before. And that's why sometimes he will take actions that he believes that he's empowered to take that make him look ridiculous. One time Mason was so angry with me that he banned a journalist from 2 Plus 2 simply for featuring me in one of his columns on ESPN. (laughs) He banned journalist Gary Wise, who was an ESPN writer at the time, for featuring me in a column, a very harmless, innocuous column. He was banned from 2 Plus 2 for featuring me in the column. Mason really thought he could control an ESPN journalist on what content they can put in their articles by banning them from 2 Plus 2 if they don't do what he says. On their own site. Mason banned me for the last time for something that was done on Poker Fraud Alert. And even conceded that I followed the 2 plus 2 rules to the letter. 
So Mason is all about establishing control and showing off he's the big boss, the top dog. But that's not what David Bazoff's about. Or Bazoff, I don't know how to pronounce the name. That's not what he's about. He's about making a profit for Amaya. Making the stock go up. So I don't agree with this at all. This is just a, a cheap way to make Negranu's contributions to the situation, which ended up not working out, but attempted contributions look like they were harmful instead of potentially helpful. So no good deed goes unpunished. Let me try one more time to connect Trader Roski. We're having big problems there. Let's see. Can we get Trader Roski or no? There we are. You there? Uh, yep, I'm here. Good, good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so- you know, this 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 Mason Malmuth, I mean... For him to let, you know, it's like he's trying to put himself on the same level of somebody that's running this, you know, billion dollar public company. And just, I mean, this guy is just such a sour. I mean, ever since like playing with it in the 90s and just seeing him at casinos, I mean, the guy's got to be the most depressing person on the planet. Yes, he is. I, I, I've seen that too. Like when I've played His with attitude, him. Attitude, everything. Yeah, when I've played with him, including like after we had our issues, I show up at his table. Um, he's he's not talking to anyone. It's not like it's not even like he was lively. And when I got there, he got all silent because he doesn't like me. He was silent and angry looking the whole time before he even saw me. Then I, I sit down. He says nothing to anyone at the table, including me. He'll occasionally mutter something about the game. Oh, it's, it's your blind, uh, like something like that. That's the most he'll say. And he sits there looking pissed off. He has like a million vitamins with him. He, he has like a baggie of like 20 vitamins he takes during the, the game for whatever reason. I don't know why he can't just take this stuff at home. It's not like he plays like 24-hour sessions. You know, he doesn't play all that long. And he sits there playing, looking very miserable, plays like a super tight rock, plays very ABC poker. He's not a fish, but he's not, he's not someone who's playing a creative game. or I, I don't even know if he wins. He's like a very tight ABC player. This weird phone number calling. Let me see what this is. Call you on the air. Yes, this is Harold Schwartz of the Drug Enforcement Agency of the United States. Is it Todd will tell us there? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm, I'm here. What's going on? Sir, this is a great matter, but there's a man named Sonny Richardson that was apprehended at the United States border carrying a large amount of drugs and weapons. Okay. Mm. Sir, yes, he had he had your name in a notebook. Okay, and we understand we understand that you live in the Las Vegas area, and uh, terrorism is a great concern to us lately. We would like to interview you immediately, within the hour, sir. Okay, go ahead. Can 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 this be arranged? Yeah, go ahead. What what do you want to ask? Well, first, you do know this man. Yes, I, I know a Sonny Richardson. He posts on uh, my site as Sonny, or Son of Lockman now is what his name is. Son of Lockman. Yeah. Okay. All right. Another thing we need to know, does he have, does he have any enemies? This is very important. 
Uh, yeah, because appar- because apparently he does because he, he has so many enemies that he got complaints from uh, users of the site and he had to be uh, restricted over to only one forum called the Bathroom Wall. Is that correct? What does he do there, sir? Uh, he, he posts uh, a bunch of stories up there. What kind of stories are these? Um, they're kind of like uh, old-time detective stories. Have, have you ever actually read one of them? I, know so? I, I actually have, believe it or not. And uh, what did you think of them? I, I mean, did they sound... Did they sound like they had any terrorist aspects in them? Uh, no, no, he didn't have any terrorist aspects. You know, wh- whether people enjoy the stories or not, it's up for opinion. But no, I, I don't think that Sonny is, is a terrorist, so uh, I, I think you can let him go. I think, uh, uh, I, I think that Sonny will be okay. I think he's a, a safe individual. Yes. Well, thank God, because this is Sonny Richardson calling you, sir. Yeah, that's a. And I put a, I put a scam on you, boy. <laughs> I, I don't hey. think I, I don't think there was uh, a lot of drama in this one, but uh, I appreciate the call anyway. So, uh, so Sonny, uh, have you hey, been uh, listening to the show here? Or, my story's uh, gone. No, I can't. I can't get it on my Galaxy Five. I well, tried downloading on Android; well, it won't work. Well, you know, you know about the, the know call. The, you know about the call to listen problem. phone number, right? Huh? Do you know about the call Pardon? to listen phone? There's a phone number you can call to listen to the show. A phone number. Yeah, there's a phone well, number you, you can the, call I'll to give, listen. I'll give that a try, and if I have any problems, I'll. Yeah, just go to the go to the radio page. You know. If you go to the radio page, you'll see that phone number listed. It's the call to listen phone number. It starts with seven one two, and you can call it and listen to the show. It doesn't require any internet or apps okay. or anything. It's a beautiful hey, thing. Hey, I wanted to let you know. I wanted to let you know something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was getting divorced from my wife, and I'm sitting in the lawyer's office down here. It was 20 times cheaper than my first divorce. And I started saying, dude, you can't do this. You're going to be a two-time loser with women. And I started crying in the lawyer's office, man. I told her I couldn't do it. I said, put it on hold. i got to go see my, my exposure, my wife. Because she moved it. She snuck over the border. Her family paid $7,000 for a coyote to take her to Fontana. So I'm going to go see her. And I can't get on a plane, okay, because... I'm an illegal white man beaner down here, dude. I have no visa because my wife went to the immigration and told them we were getting divorced when I went down there. They renew it. They said, sorry, Jack, we can't help you out, but if you're a good boy and stay out of trouble, you can stay here as long as you want. We won't come looking for you, but don't get any trouble. And let me tell you, buddy, I am a rich man down here because the dollar keeps going up every day. So is this a true anyway, story? So, go- so hold on, hold on. I, I'm trying to huh? catch. I'm trying to understand here. So, so you have a wife now. The wife, the second wife you have here, the, the one that's getting uh, that's divorcing you, uh, is, is she Mexican? No, I'm divorcing her. Oh, you're divorcing her. Okay. Yeah. So, so is, is she Mexican? She's a Mexican. She's and, and uh, yeah. uh, is she a lot younger than you, or is she around your age? No, she's the same age. But she she was accusing me of fucking five different women. Were you were you fucking any were you fucking any other women or just her? No, man, it's impossible. I can't do that. I can barely screw her. Okay. I mean, if I I could come home dead drunk and uh, tell her to bend over and she'd have her pants off and she'd fuck me to death. But I can't. I can only get a heart on twice a week, man. I'm I'm fucking sixty five years. Well, why don't you get Viagra? You know, you can get Viagra. 
Yeah, I tried Viagra, and it don't work on me for some reason, man. Don't that's that's depressing why. because I was uh, I, I was counting on that for when I get older. I you know I'm uh, yeah. I think well, I, some pe- some some people it works, but some people it don't work. So, so when okay, when did this now, start? When did this start for you that you started having these issues? What, what age was it? Oh, you mean uh, the hard on? Yeah, I would say. I would say within the last couple of years. Uh, okay, so I, I still have some time 63. then. Okay, so I still have some time. So I'm only well, 43. Okay. Well, you don't you don't smoke. I smoked for 40 years. Okay. But dig this deep. Four months ago, I quit cold turkey. Snap overnight. I haven't had a cigarette since, and I ain't been wishing for one. But as I was saying, I got to go to. Uh, I got to take the bus because I can't get on a plane. Okay, they'll they'll arrest me. Why? Well, they can hold me up on this because. Because I have no visa, I've technically I've overstayed my visa. Oh, okay, see what I'm I see. So you only got you only got six months. You come so, down here like Marty, like Marty. If he's been in Ensenada for over six months and he ain't got a visa, he better spend his money because that's the only way he's going to stay down. Yeah, I was wondering what's going on with that. I don't know how Marty's managing all this time there without a you know, after more than six months, which it's been. Well, anyways, I'm packing through Ensenada on the bus, and it's only about. 20 miles from the okay and I may stop off in Rosarito buddy because I used to live there and I may just talk to some friends about taking a little trip over to Ensenada to visit somebody I know there <laughs> and I've got pictures of his house and I know every place that where he well, I, I don't know he's an Mar- asshole. Marty Marty is he's all over the place though all that. the problem is Marty's yeah, all well, over Marty, the place Marty you never know where he's Marty's living listening, if, if, if Marty's listening right now Marty Hey, if I see you, buddy, you better have a nice smile on your face. Okay. Because I was a, I was a, I started boxing at the YMCA when I was eight years old. I may be a sixty-five-year-old man, man, but I'm an ex-marine and I am a mean motherfucker. Okay. If I see that guy, hopefully for Marty, I won't see him. But if I see that son of a bitch, we're going to have a little discussion. Okay. And he may not like it. And he ain't going to be pulling any bullshit with me with his fucking mouth, okay? Because I won't take it, because I don't take any shit from nobody. I live down here where I live. It's 2,000 miles deep into Mexico. They got a Walmart. They got a McDonald's. You name it, they got it. I walk into Walmart. I took a clock back there one day, okay, because it was bad. And I went and grabbed a new one, and I went up to the counter, and I put the old one down, and I said, I need a new one. Here's my receipt. And the guy tells me, he says, no, 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 no. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's bad. I said, I said, listen, you put a madre pendejo. That's motherfucking asshole. I said, I don't put up with this shit in the United States. And I'm taking this fucking clock. And I slammed it down on the desk and I walked out of there with a new one. And that guy didn't say a goddamn thing. Well, it- I'll tell you, when I walk down the, when I walk down the street here, man, these people here are more afraid of me than I am of them. Uh, you, you're, you're lucky you haven't run in trouble. You're lucky you haven't run into the uh, the Mexican drug cartel there because <laughs> I, I don't think they'd be that I, forgiving. I hey, listen, buddy. I personally know some of the people in the cartel. Okay, because I had one of them come by here one day. He's a friend of the guy that that I rent the rent his house from, and he had a sack full of cocaine, buddy. Probably about, I don't know how much it costs for a lunch bag full of this shit. But he handed it to me and asked me if I wanted some. And I said, no thanks, partner. Okay. As long as you don't cause no trouble, don't go into competition with the cartel. 
or disrespect their familia or they look at their wife, you got no problems. But as soon as you do that, buddy, you've signed your death warrant, okay? Because they'll drag your ass out of town. They sat down right on the bridge, mighty. throw you over the side, throw you over the side, and the crocodilians will eat your ass. And I ain't shitting you. Interesting. Well, now, I just wanted to call because I haven't talked to you for a long time. Okay. Well, th- thank you, Sonny. My my story is going viral on Facebook next month, okay? It's already got close to 11,000 views, okay? Now, I don't know if it's going to cause your site to crash or whatever, dude, but you can, you may, you may get, you may start getting thousands of views a day okay, at well, your website just on that's that right. the, the, the server could handle it. So, so good luck there, Sonny, and I, I hope you can, you know, get things resolved here in the okay. U.S. when you uh, get in here. So, uh, have, hey, have fun on the bus. It was, it was wonderful talking to you, man. Okay, thank you, Sonny. Okay, that was Son of Lockman, aka Sonny Richardson, his real name, who. Uh, Checked in here. He needs to take the bus. He can't even fly out of Mexico, apparently. Brandon called in during the that call, but we didn't hear anything from him, and then he just hung up something. Let me try to put him back on. That's kind of a surprise. I didn't think we'd hear from Brandon tonight. But uh, he called. Let's see if we can get him. Your call has been forwarded no. to an automatic voice message. No, we're not going to play his phone number. All right, Brandon, you can call in when you're ready. Trader Risk, are you still with us? I'm here. All right, so let's let's go on here. That was a strange diversion, but at least I, at least I found another use for the call to listen line. Another maybe happy customer with it. So. Uh, furthermore, about Mason, I'm done with the Poker Stars thing, but uh, let's talk about Mason's book. Mason has a uh, before we talk about Mason's book, let's take another phone call. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, what's up, Drop? It's the Spartan. How you doing, man? The Spartan. Uh, hello. So, so what's going on? All right, uh, I'm going through little changes right now. Right, most people probably know we read the form. And uh, and I come to you humble, right? I'm not here to argue or anything like that. Okay. But I I just have to reiterate that uh, in the restaurant business that um, you really can't uh, do everything the customer wants or try to please the customer. Let me just give you one small example. If I'm selling a chicken cutlet parmesan, right, dinner for eighteen ninety five, whatever. And that's the most I could charge. I say, oh, yeah, what have you? And I make my sauce from scratch, and I'm using a thick, whole ch- thick cut chicken cutlet, and I'm frying it in 80 20 oil, you know, 20% olive oil, 80% of trans fat, whatever. And, and I'm giving you for eighteen ninety five, and you want to drench it in tomato sauce, I have to charge you $2 for that tomato sauce. I mean, there's no choice. And if you don't want to pay that, there's nothing I can do. The tomato sauce itself is very expensive. You know, it's $35 for well, a case okay. of you, you, know, you know what you can do? What you can do if that's, if that's an issue is that you can put on the menu clearly uh, yeah, extra sauce is, is $2. And like that, that's fine so the customer understands it. Uh, where, where, where can be issues is when the customer says, I had this happen once where I was at a, uh, a restaurant, and it was actually a, a chicken parmesan, and it had almost no, no sauce. Forget about extra sauce or drenching. It had like very, very little, like almost nothing. 
So I mentioned that. I said, uh, th- this has almost no sauce on it. Could you just bring some out and I'll pour it on it myself? You don't have to take the whole thing back. Just bring me some sauce. They say, okay. And I, and I got like two bucks on the bill added to it. And I said, no, I'm not going to pay this because this is an extra sauce. You didn't put sauce on in the first place. And and that, and that so I got a big argument about that. And, and, and especially they didn't even say, we'll bring you more sauce, but we'll charge you $2. They said, okay, we'll bring you the sauce. And the, so like that, that pissed me off. Like you can't – so if you put clearly on the menu – that, that people that that's what it's going to cost then fine then they know what it is before they order you just can't surprise people like no, no I understand that but you also can't predict and menus are actually very expensive believe it or not but you also can't predict every need of the customer but the, the waiter or waitress the server should have actually told you that I, I'm going to have to charge you here's the X amount whatever the cup is or souffle whatever it is uh, I'm going to have to charge you uh, $2 for that whatever it is or, like you said, if it's just take back the plate and put a little more on the spaghetti, that's not, that's not a big deal. But also, everything is a judgment call, too. If you're a regular, then I'll do anything you want. I don't, I'll, I'll buy you free coffee. I'll cut you dessert. If you want to return something for whatever reason, I'm not even going to ask. I'm not going to embarrass them. I'm not under pressure. I'll just change it. If you're a guy that comes in a couple times a month, eats, pays, and goes, and never says anything, if you complain, I want to hear about it, and I want to know why, and I'll rectify that immediately. Because I know the characteristic of that customer is he just eats and leaves and pays. So if he actually has a problem one day, I really want to know what it is, and I will personally rectify it. But then you also have other customers that try to take control of the restaurant, and you can't allow those people to take control of the restaurant or allow to micromanage what you do for a living. Okay, I'm, t- I'm saying, look, there are people who are definitely uh, problem customers that uh, you know, ones who, who do become more trouble than they're worth, but uh, I'm not necessarily talking about those. I'm just saying you can't, if, if you run a, a restaurant with, if you have the attitude like I, I'm the king of the castle and uh, and if it becomes too much of an ego thing to you, you're going to drive more people away than you're aware of, and then Unless if it's busy all the time, if it's packed from open to close, then it doesn't matter who you drive away because they're going to be replaced by other people. But if if it's not like that, then you're going to uh, end up losing valuable customers, and you're going to uh, go out of business or make a lot less money than you can. You really you want to keep every customer. You want to be known for good customer service, especially in the days of social media with Yelp, and you don't want to see one star reviews that the owner's an asshole. You don't want those things. Like, these are important factors these days. So if, if you're not ready to do that, then you shouldn't be running your own restaurant. And I, no, I've watched... I, I, agree, I agree to some extent. I'm actually a little spoiled because uh, I'm mainly in Manhattan and I actually walked into a very good situation. And, and now soon to be on my own without the brothers behind me, it's very, very, very intimidating. Just everything about it is intimidating. Um, I understand. Once you open up, you, you want to cater to the customers. You want to bring them in. Uh, you want to get you, you want to get your following, the regulars. Um, but but uh, whether it's whether it's whether it's it, it's a Jewish area or whether it's an urban area, you not being an asshole like when we see on TV, house kids or whatever. They use the extreme examples. Well, we're a Jewish if you're here. Com- <laughs> if you're confident in what you do. And actually, what you provide, um, in a realistic way, and the value you provide, um, you can't let the customers take control of you, because then you'll stand no chance. Well, it, it depends on the situation. It, it, whatever way, if if you're gonna, if you give a general 
uh, feel to the place, like like the customer's treated well and he's happy, and, and most of them walk away happy and liking the place, it, it's going to create good word of mouth, good social media reviews, and it's going to pay so much more than whatever money you think you're saving by, by not keeping them happy or thinking they're taking control. You just got to watch out for that because I'm telling you uh, there's a lot of these restaurants that fail – and they cause their own fail through poor customer service practices, and they don't realize it. And they always rationalize why it happened. They rationalized why they failed, and it has nothing to do with that, they think. But a lot of times it does. Now, sometimes it fails for other reasons. A lot of times they fail because uh, uh, the rent's too high, the location isn't that good, you're just not getting much traffic, the, the, the menu prices are too high, they don't promote well enough. There's many reasons it can fail. But I've seen some where they really do fail due to poor customer service practices. And if you ask any of them afterwards, why did you fail? Not one of them would say, yeah, we didn't treat the customer well enough. Not one would say that. They give you a different excuse every time. You just got to watch out for that. I'm just telling you, if, if you want to succeed, I can tell you from the other side, from the customer standpoint, uh, and, and what, I, what I tell them there, when I, when I do have these any kind of issues, I tell them, look, um, I, I'm, I'm a part of a small percentage that you're going to hear from that tells you what's wrong. The other 99% are going to just walk away and never come back. And you're not going to know why. You, you won't know if it's because something you did wrong or they just moved or they just decided they don't want to come anymore. You don't know. So I'm telling you why. I'm telling you why you're losing people. So you, know, you can listen to me. You cannot listen to me. So I, I, these are the things to keep in mind. I'm telling you that uh, I, I, think, I think you're keeping too much attitude and control. The, the, this caller, by the way, the Spartan, he talked about it on the forum how he's uh, wanting to start his own restaurant. You, you, I guess you own a part of one right now? Well, I, I was actually very, very fortunate. I, I just walked in as a waiter, believe it or not. And uh, the brothers who owned the place were very, very successful in a lot of avenues. Mm-hmm. That restaurant being the flagship. And um, I just, I just from, like, from the first day, I'll tell, I'll tell you real quick exactly what happened. Uh, I ate there. I was eating there with a friend. Uh, there was a waitress crying. I wasn't working there. There was a waitress crying. People walking out. The, the food was backing up. I've worked as a waiter several times. And I just got up and I, in Greek and I asked them if they wanted me to help them, that I know how to work in a restaurant. And they said, go ahead. So from the very first day I worked there, I act like I own the place. So they came to the table. They bought us, they bought us a dinner. And uh, they, she said to me, anytime you want a job, just please come in. So I said, yeah, I think this do look like a really nice place and people were making money, but they could make money. So I just started working as a waiter and just pretty much started doing things the way I wanted to get them done, being that I have a lot of experience being Greek and working young in the restaurants and as an older man, and my father was a dishwasher actually, and as and, and an older man as a waiter. So I just, just started taking over the place, just I don't know, my personality alone. And they just pretty much said to me after a while from ordering me to count them in, and they sat down and talked to me, and they said, listen, we're tired. And they actually said to me, we're very rich in Greek. We're tired. Uh, we'd like you to run the place, and we'll give you 10%. And they gave me 10%. The next day, I just filled out papers, no lawyers or nothing. I trusted them. I didn't open my fucking mouth. And uh, the rest is history. Okay, somebody, so wants, somebody, wants to, somebody, somebody here wants to call and talk to you here, somebody that uh... – I'll tell you right away here. Doesn't like you very much. Uh, this is this is Big Dick from the forum. Who I know you two go at it sometimes. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> hey, what's up, you fucking faggot? You said it, bro. Listen, listen, Big Dick. Is he there? I'm here. That's you, Big Dick. That's me. This is Big Dick. You fucking Greek faggot. Listen, listen. listen. <laughs> Your wife owes me money, brother. All right. Your wife owes me money. You're a fucking okay. here? 
Yeah, I was in Fort Worth, brother. Wife, don't you? Uh, what was that? What was that? That's you piece of shit. Let me tell you something. Hold on, we, we got to have one one at a time here. Fucking hairy back cocksucker. Listen, listen, you, you, you know what? You, you talk with a lisp. You sound like a faggot. Listen, when I was fucking you in the ass, brother, it wasn't love, brother. Listen, listen, it wasn't love. Hey, it was just you know, fucking you in the ass. Hold on, relax a second. Can, you, can we both talk here? Relax. I mean, you fucking... Someone needs to turn off like the radio, by the way, too. Listen, big dick. Someone has the radio on in the background. Hold on, somebody has the radio on. Someone's got to turn the radio down. No, I don't have it on. Wait, hold on. I think you got it on. What an idiot. What a fucking idiot, brother. Oh, my fuck. It's another well, fucking radio asshole. How much money are you down playing poker in your life, honestly? No bullshit. What was that? Just tell me. Tell me how much money you're down gambling in your life. You know what? I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm a small contact. I am a waiter, brother. At the end of the day, I'm just a this You're a grown man. At the end of the day. What are you doing? Can, can I tell you? Can I tell you what you want to listen? You, you want to listen, bro? You want to listen? At the end of the day, I'm just a fucking dishwasher. I know you like to talk. Go ahead, I'll listen. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. At the end of the day, I'm just a fucking dishwasher, brother. But I got a lot of pride, and I worked hard, and I did well for myself. All right. So, and and if I play a little poker, you know, I like poker. I'm a rec player. If I lose twenty, thirty dollars a day, it might sound funny to a lot of guys. You know, what I'm saying, oh, you guys are pretty much big time. But that's still a thousand dollars a month uh, for a rec player. So I, I enjoy I enjoy playing poker. I, I don't mind losing a couple of bucks, man. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But the but the history what the fucking issue is your wife owes me four hundred fifty dollars, all right? You gotta yeah, stop fucking, fucking emailing me, texting me, man, yeah. fucking it's big pictures having me. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is getting out of hand here. So so big dick, what did you want to say to him? Go ahead. I wanna I wanna ask him where do you get that kind of money to be losing a thousand dollars a month if you're Waiting tables or washing dishes or whatever it is you're doing. Well, I, well I actually, actually, I, I just consider myself a dishwasher. Anybody who works in a restaurant is a fucking dishwasher at heart. I don't care if they wear a suit or if they're wearing the kitchen whites. So well, that's just. Uh, you go to work. Let me ask you yeah, that. What, you what is your job there? Yeah. What do you do? I, mean, I, I, I run a fucking place in Manhattan, brother. So you you own it or you're the manager? Ten percent, ten percent. That's all. I'm a salaried manager with ten percent at the end of the month. So you're kind of a fail because all Greeks fucking usually own the whole restaurant. Every Greek. Yeah, the, the two brothers own the restaurant and forty eight condos, brother. The two the, the two brothers own the restaurant and forty eight condos, and a fucking house on the side of the island of the Crete, facing the Mediterranean. And they let you uh, they let you nibble ten percent or something. You do all the work and you get a little. I took their fucking dick for ten percent, and I'm proud to do it. Okay, now one more other question for you. Um, okay. What's going on with you raping, bros? What's up with that? You a fucking rapist uh, or what? No, listen, listen, listen. Let me tell you that, bro. I'm being dead serious, too. Like, what's, going, what's going on? I heard you. I heard you. Your, your, wife, your wife bought the book, Fifty Shades of Grey. She bought it at home. That's actually the book I bought for her, all right? The one that she has in the house, I bought that for her. So, so... And she's really into it, brother. And she gives me, she thinks, I'm a working class guy. Always will be, no matter what. Always will, always have been, always will be. So, she pays me. I smack her around. She pays me a smack around. You fucking sold? Well, what? You want to ask the question. She pays me a smack her around. No, no, no. We're not talking about my wife now. Okay, we we get that part. We get it. You fuck my wife. Okay, what are we talking about now? We're talking about the raping of the women. What's going on with that? No, 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 no. You 
approach the women and then you fucking rape her when they knock out, you fucking scum. No, you, you, you got that misconstrued, my friend. It's, it's misconstrued. It, it's, your wife paid me to smack her around. Fucking jerk. All right, I've heard enough. I, I had to drop the whole thing. I, I had to drop the whole thing. Here, let's, uh, let's put TMLK on and see what he has to say. TMLK, what's, uh, you're joining us again? Good evening, everyone. May I interject in this conversation? No, I, I threw the conversation off. It just I had enough of it. Oh. I, I actually had enough of it. So, sorry to uh, Big Dick and Spartan. I just had enough of it. Actually, it was quite entertaining. I, I was, it was entertaining for a while, but it started getting... Uh, it it's, reminds well, me of the bad guy, and yeah, it just got it, it got uh, too long and too contentious, so I just I dropped it. Trader Risk, are you back? I'm back. Yeah, I, I had to bring some order back to the show. I, both these guys are trying to call back. I just uh, they, they can come back another week. I just uh, I, I gave it some time, and uh, the, the problem is that uh, a lot of this is from the forum, and when it spills over to the radio show, it. Uh, there was too much like inside stuff that they talk on the forum that's not going to make sense to like ninety percent of the listeners here. So maybe not ninety percent, maybe seventy percent, whatever. Uh, so yeah, I, I. It was entertaining though. Somebody knew nothing about what they were talking about. <laughs> All right, so. You, you guys can come back on another time. I just got, I, we're in the middle of the whole thing. It's a lot of a lot of stuff to do on the agenda. I, just, I didn't want this to become like the an hour of Spartan and Big Dick arguing. It's just too much. All right. So Are we still on Boca Stars or no, 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 we're past that. So I was going to talk oh, about uh, Mason Malma's book. He's releasing a book on poker psychology, so he says, and there's already controversy about it. And I hadn't seen any books Mason himself had written for a long time now. He was supposedly the co-author to uh, David Skolansky's books about Limit Hold'em. In fact, uh, that, that was the there were two main poker books I read regarding Limit Hold'em. The first one was To Learn the Game in the First Place by Lee Jones, Winning in Low Limit Hold'em. And then I got uh, Hold'em for Advanced Players which I got less out of simply because I had already developed my own style by that point. But it was it was still semi-useful. It, some of it was kind of outdated by the time I was playing. By the time I read the book in, like, 02, like, some of this was already not that good advice anymore. It was kind of like a 90s advice sort of thing. But it was still semi-useful at the time. Now I think they're really outdated. The limit holding for advanced players. But... Mason was a co-author of these books, but I came to learn over time that it seemed like Skolansky actually wrote these books, and Mason kind of just threw himself on there as the second author. Maybe he contributed a little, but Skolansky was really the poker mind here that uh, contributed, and uh, Mason was more of the business and publisher guy, which is fine, but I always thought that Mason was posturing that he was a bigger expert in poker than he actually was. That uh, Mason never made his money in poker. Mason made his money in two ways. He made his money working as an engineer for some time, and then as his second career, he's made his money through 2 Plus 2 Publishing, publishing which uh, they, of course, run 2plus2.com, and they also publish a lot of books, which happen to make a lot of money because of the poker boom. Because... Uh, they had existing books about poker when the poker boom started, so they were in perfect position, and they did very well. They also sold a lot of ads on 2 Plus 2 because that was the biggest, and still is the biggest, poker forum. So that's the way Mason made the money. 
and not from being a great poker player. So unlike David Skolansky, who had some poker success, I, I believe that the game has passed Skolansky by by this point. I don't think he's uh, very good anymore. But at least at one point, Skolansky was a successful player. I don't believe Mason was ever a very successful player. And uh, especially nowadays, uh, I don't think Mason has much advice to offer anyone as far as uh, poker goes. Maybe he could offer advice on uh, running a publishing company or even running a large poker forum, but not about how to play poker. When I've watched him play, he's one of the most uh, unexciting and straightforward players that I've ever seen. So uh, he's released a book, and that's the reason he was on that uh, podcast I played you guys earlier. He just threw in that stuff at the beginning about Negron because he wanted to take a shot at him. But the reason he was on to promote his book called Real Poker Psychology. So they have a similar book out, at least with a similar title by 2 Plus 2 Publishing, uh, written by a guy named Alan Schoonmacher, who was a psychologist and a poker player. So he actually did talk about psychology and poker, and he used to have a, a card player column about psychology and poker. This is not Mason. This is uh, Alan Schoonmacher. So I was very surprised to see Mason Malmuth, of all people, writing about psychology. Because if there's something you don't think of when you think of Mason Malmuth, it's psychology. That's just a, He's not someone who you would think of uh, as a person who's good at uh, feeling out other people. He's someone who actually seems kind of clueless when it comes to understanding people, which is what causes a lot of his... Uh, odd and often uh, over-controlling behavior. So uh, when I saw this, I instantly dismissed this as ridiculous, but uh, someone pointed out after I posted the table of contents of this book that it really isn't a poker psychology book. And if you're looking for poker psychology, this is the wrong book for you. This is actually a book about pitfalls you may run into when playing poker. And it seems to have a, a limit hold'em focus to it, which, again, is kind of outdated. And if it wasn't outdated, I would have written a limit hold'em book by now. Because I actually have a lot to offer as far as limit hold'em strategy, and I think I could lay it out very clearly, like a lot more clearly than other good players who'd write a book. I think I could lay it out very clearly to the uh, average player who could understand it and, and adopt some of these strategies. But I, I don't do it. Because I think it would be a waste of time. I think that there wouldn't be enough of a market for it. Just limit hold'em is a dying game. And fortunately, there still exists uh, some games on Bovada at uh, decent... At de- decent... What is that? What am I hearing? What am I hearing? Okay, whatever. So, uh, this is mainly just about playing poker for a living and the things that can... I would lose too many nights sleep over that. What is this crap? What am I hearing? I don't know. What are you hearing? I, are I you, haven't heard anything. Who's doing that? I, I would leave too many nights sleep over Who's playing that? I'm, I don't know. I'm I don't just know. listening I'm to you talk. It wasn't me. <laughs> we have a phantom person on the line here. <laughs> I see who's on with us. It's 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 you two. One of you two is guilty, and I think I know who. I haven't, I haven't said anything for the last five well, minutes. Well, I mean, if someone's playing some clips here. 
Okay, I'm going to watch carefully. I can see it shows it blinks to me whoever is uh, making noise. I can see where it's coming from. Whoever that is is going to get cut. Okay, so uh, I don't even understand. It's not even funny. I don't understand what you're playing. But basically, here, here's some of the things. Here's some of the, the – I shouldn't call them chapters because they're just sections. But here's some of the sections of Mason's book. Uh, variance. Variance is your friend. A mathematical model of tilt. More on tilt. More still on tilt. An excuse to lose. A note on steaming. Poker is counterintuitive. Rushes. Running bad and how to handle it. A little more on fluctuations. Luck versus skill. Uh, Play your A game. Why wouldn't you? Handling pressure. Being unaware. Craving action. Playing too many hands. The maniac. Evaluating yourself and your opponents. How to become a great player. Is it better to be lucky or good? Low limit hold'em and players who are unaware. Poker magic, psychological strength, mental toughness, selecting the best game. So these are all like just general pieces of advice on how to do the right things, how not to do the wrong things if attempting to become successful at poker. That's what this book is. It's not about psychology. I think the reason he calls it psychology is because he's not giving you specific strategy advice in any game here. He's, He's more talking generalities about poker. So I don't know if this is a good book or bad book. I haven't read it. Uh, I do have to wonder how much Mason Malmuth can contribute to these subjects, given that he's not really experiencing them. Uh, even if you want to take the psychology thing away, even if you want to say, okay, he misnamed it psychology, it should be just named uh, being a poker professional, learning how to win in poker, learning how to win money in poker and, and not lose it back, whatever whatever the accurate title would be. Uh, I don't know that Mason Malmuth has the recent experience to be giving this advice. Number one, he's not sitting down with the need to win. But I, when I say the need to win, I don't mean that he has to be broke. I mean the need to win is that you're sitting down to play poker because that's your income. And when you don't win, you're having no income and you're feeling the effects of having no income. Even if you have a lot of savings, uh, that it's important to win. Whereas if you have income coming from other places, then it's less important to have to win in poker. Then if you just spend the whole year spinning your wheels and breaking even, it doesn't really matter that much because you still have an income. So there's a lot more pressure to win if you're a professional poker player. Uh, Furthermore, a lot of these concepts he's discussing, if, if you're just sitting there and you're being the ABC tight poker player who doesn't talk to anybody. uh, It's hard to claim to know about all these different subjects like tilt and, uh, and rushes and uh, whether it's good to be good or good to be lucky. You, You can theorize these things, but you didn't feel them. You didn't get to live them. I think Mason may not have lived a lot of the things he's talking about. So it's kind of a strange book still for him to be writing. I, I would respect this book. I don't even think the, the topics he's choosing to write about are pretty good. Like, I could write this book just with a table of contents. I'm sure he would sue me with his uh, Greenberg and Traurig uh, law firm he always uses. But I could take this table of contents. I could write my own book without ever seeing the content he wrote. I could just take the table of contents, not look at his book at all, write my own version of these, and probably write a pretty good book. But at least I will have experienced all these. I will have experienced being a professional poker player, driving most of my income from poker, uh, having experiences of uh, 
playing in different styles. And uh, a lot of the things that he's mentioning there, good and bad, I've had experience with. I, I haven't gone broke, but uh, I've had a lot more experience in a lot of these areas that he's discussing there than he has, I believe. So it's, it's just kind of a strange book for him to be writing. I wonder if maybe Mason didn't write this or didn't write most of it and had some live grinder write it, and then he just kind of signed his name to it. He had a ghost writer, and maybe he contributed a few things and edited it or whatever. But uh, You are such a lawyer! Okay. <coughs> Goodbye. That's the end of Tim and Gay. He's contributing nothing except dumb sound effects. I don't even know why I gave him a chance. I knew who it was. I knew it wasn't you, Trader Risky. So. I mute when I'm not talking. I, I don't even understand what he was doing there. Like, like you're such a lawyer. What does that even mean? Like, he's playing some sound clips, but they're not even relevant. He's a wannabe druff. Yeah, it's a, he's, he's got to get some relevant sound clips if he wants to do that. Besides, I'm the only one who plays the sound clips here. So, anyway. Uh... I can't say it's a bad book because I haven't read it. I think it's just coming out. Now, it's already had some controversy. There's a psychologist named Dr. Trisha Cardner. You can see her on Twitter as DR, you know, for Dr. Trisha Cardner, C A R D N E R, DR Trisha Cardner. And uh, she wrote a blog about uh, how she disagrees with what Mason said. And I didn't fully understand all of it because I guess it has to do with like a long back and forth they had that I never got to read. But uh, she's basically saying that Mason Malamuth is not qualified to write about anything psychological. That uh, when he describes how players' brain works that that they he's in inaccurate she thinks he's not giving credible information and that he doesn't have the education to make commentary on these topics um and she said you cannot have a rational discussion with someone who will not acknowledge facts my work is based on science and research some of which i conducted myself with poker players I'm currently working in cooperation with a neurologist at the Mayo Clinic to design a study looking into certain cognitive aspects of poker uh, poker players. There are many good reasons to study physiological responses of poker players, but Mr. Malmuth is not aware of any of those reasons, nor has he shown himself to be capable of evaluating scientific research. So she just she seems to be saying that he's just making statements off the cuff about psychological matters that he's not qualified to make, and in fact he's incorrect with some of his statements. Uh... Lyman, who appeared on this show, his, his name is Abe, he appeared here debating me about Melanie Wisner. He wanted to have Mason Malmuth and this Trisha Cardner debating on his show, but uh, she declined it. I don't know if Mason agreed, but she declined it and said she's not going to. And she wrote this little blog in response saying she's not going to appear, but this is the problem which she has with them. So they went back and forth about this, and uh, she apparently has the belief that Mason doesn't know what he's talking about. 
I, I think it's fine if some if a, po- a professional poker player wants to make commentary about the way people think at the table and what makes them t- tick. I think that's fine to make those comments, even if you're not a psychologist. And as I said, I could write a book or, or essays on these subjects. And even though I'm not someone with any training as a s- psychologist, I could do so very accurately. In fact, I could do so better than many psychologists who wouldn't have as much experience in poker as I do. So I think an observant person, especially one who can put himself in the place and the mindset of his opponents, can be very useful to, as far as writing about their experiences and what their, what their opponents are thinking and what the mindset is of a lot of people at the table. So I don't know if I agree with Trisha on that, but she she is correct that it is kind of weird to see a psychology book from someone with absolutely no training in psychology. So with that, I see her point, and that uh, with him dismissing scientific research and not attempting to bring that into his book, that is also kind of strange to have a book called uh, Real Poker Psychology. So I think he just likes that title because it uh, attracts more people. But I also just don't think he's the one to be taking advice from at this point. He's just not someone who should be looked up to as a poker player. Maybe you can look up to him for other things he's done, but not for poker. So this is very weird. Brandon texted me, I'm with Daredevil. There was an incident, and I'm with security right now. we got to get to the bottom of this. I don't know if Brandon's being serious or just messing with me. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Alvin Finkelstein may need to speak to security on his behalf. Yeah. Come on, Brandon. Answer the phone. A lot of rings for a cell phone. All right, well, we'll wait for his call. So I'm not going to promote Mason's book further. Just beware. I can tell you from playing with a guy that uh, is kind of a strange person to be writing this book. Trader Risky, what's your feeling on this? First, you show up with a big bag of vitamins to psych out your opponents, <laughs> then you grunt at every person at the table. <laughs> That might be it in action right there, the psychology, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the trick. Maybe you should just show up with a big bag of vitamins, look all pissed off, uh, appear really tight and straightforward, and then and then just start running like crazy bluffs on people, and they'll always lay it down to you. Exactly. Start, start raising seven deuce under the gun, and like, oh, my God, he has aces. Fold, 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 fold. Uh, <laughs> let's see, I've got ace king. No way, that's totally screwed here. I'm folding. He's been running, yeah, he's been setting this all up for the past 20 years. Yeah, and then they're like, creation of this book. Yeah, and then the people are like, hmm, I wonder if that old man 
was raising light. And then he pulls out like another 10 vitamins. Nope, no, 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 no. He had the nuts. Yeah, it's just you have to have 20 years to fully execute the strategy. That's the problem <laughs> with it. All right, let's see what else we have here tonight. Uh, America's Card Room and others on the Winning Poker Network are said to have malware in the uninstall program. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's uh, one of the major U.S.-facing networks. And... Ugh. It's one of the major networks, and to have malware in there is not good news. Winning. Yeah, so... The Winning Network... Winning Poker Network. And uh, this was discovered actually by Crow Diddley, who is uh, a, a very regular user and listener to the radio show. And I was disturbed to read it, and I decided to look into it a little bit more. Winning. So this this is the story on the America's Card Room and Winning Poker Network antivirus discovery. Crow Diddley was running a antivirus program called AVG Antivirus, and it came up with a detection of the IDP ARES generic virus as part of the black chick black black chick black chip poker software you can see how i'd say that black black chip poker is kind of hard to say black chip poker the main black chick poker would do better is part of the winning poker network it used to be part of merge and he got this detection of the virus so he brought it over to poker fraudler today and said what's going on here so i looked into it and found that back in august this was brought up on two plus two this issue is a known issue that has existed for four months. Winning. And it's all over the Winning Poker Network, not just black chip poker, but everything, including America's Card Room, which is the biggest skin on the Winning Poker Network, which is U.S.-facing, by the way. This is one of the biggest U.S.-facing poker sites right now that exists. So back in August, when this was brought up on 2 Plus 2, Someone emailed support at the Winning Poker Network. What's going on here? Why are we getting this virus warning about your software? And they said, good day. Thank you for contacting us regarding your concern. Please be informed that the virus warning that you received is a hoax virus warning. (laughs) Really? A hoax? Okay, a hoax virus warning would be when someone's playing a trick on you and trying to make you think there's a virus when there isn't. I don't think that one of the biggest and most respected antivirus programs is playing a hoax on people here. So a hoax is definitely not what's happening. Maybe an error, but not a hoax. Apparently the problem is in the uninstall.exe file. Uninstall.exe is exactly as it sounds. It's the uninstall portion 
of the winning poker network softwares. When you want to get the software off of your computer, you run the uninstall program, and it wipes the whole thing off. That is where the virus apparently is, or at least the malware. I don't know if it's a virus, but at least it's malware, where it uh, does something undesirable to your computer. The specific malware that we're talking about, the one that has been detected by the antivirus software, is called IDP ARES Generic, which on the surface doesn't mean anything to anyone. But here are the things you can expect when you have uh, the IDP ARES generic malware on your computer. Uh, The computer slows down or even sometimes completely stops. Hard disk space is used up. Uh, Data is deleted or corrupted. The entire system is compromised by providing remote access to hackers. Passwords can be stolen or other sensitive information. Uh, Information about your web browsing habits can be gathered for advertising purposes, and other unwanted software and malware can be installed. Now, this is not necessarily what is happening with this particular piece of malware, but these things can happen. These have all been associated with the IDP ARES generic malware. So uh, this is not specific. It can be any of these things. So it's something that can be pretty nasty depending upon the way it's programmed. I see Brandon just came online, by the way. So I don't think that the winning poker network intentionally did this. I don't think they intentionally put malware on the uninstall program. I think it either was snuck in there by a shady developer or that a third-party uninstall tool that they used to design their software had malware that gets put in there and they didn't realize it. Yeah. So... I think the latter is the most likely. When I worked in software in the 90s and the early 2000s, we used a third-party program to create the install and uninstall portions of the software. So like I, what software I was releasing, I wasn't writing the routines to install it and uninstall it. I, I used a third-party package to automatically put all that together. It made sense to do that because it saved a lot of time. I used what at the time was a very popular tool to do that. And it was legitimate and there was no malware involved. But uh, it's very possible that they used a tool that was not as legitimate and was shady and that maybe they got for free and that it has malware in uninstall.exe. And they didn't know it. And then when it was brought to their attention, they didn't take it seriously. And they just called it a, a hoax. The fact that they haven't corrected this in four months is pretty bad. This should be something that's very quickly correctable. This is in the uninstall of all things. They should look into why is it generating this. Anyone who has any kind of moderate talent in programming should be able to look at this on the development side and quickly solve this problem if it really is a false positive. But they have not had any interest in doing this. It's been four months. It's still happening. So Sonatine, who's also a a computer expert on our site, he he mentioned how he thinks that maybe it's uh, 
it's detecting that the software is, could monitor your processes or uh, or take screenshots because it's a poker site and these are security features the poker site has and it's not that bad. And I said, no, it's just the uninstall program. So then he said, yeah, okay, I guess I understand that. It could simply be that uh, when you're uninstalling it, it sends some information back to the website, back to the publisher about your computer and you know, what what uh, what hardware you were using and th- and whether it worked well enough and things like that. And you know things that are fairly innocent, and that gave the basis for this uh, malware alarm. So that's possible, but it is kind of disturbing. It's in the uninstall program. I, I really think it accidentally got in there because they used some shady tool to create the uninstall program. And wh- why they haven't fixed this in four months, I don't know. I don't think you're in major danger by playing on the winning poker network. And of course, if you don't install every, anything, then you're safe. I, I guess if you just keep it there and don't run uninstall, then you're fine. Uh, you may be better off if you want to get rid of it. Just just delete it yourself. Just go into the directories and delete it rather than uninstall it, because uh, that will prevent that from happening. But they should have fixed this by now. Whatever it is, That's, it shows incompetence and a lack of caring about their customers' peace of mind to leave this sort of uninstall program with a virus warning in it. Winning. And it's not the fault of any one skin. It's the fault of the network, the winning poker network, for allowing this to stay that way. Beer and Poker did point out that AVG has a lot of false positives. But he also concedes that there's no reason to have left this for four months without being solved. So, in short, I don't think you should be that scared. But at the same time, I think that you shouldn't run that uninstall program. Right, let's see if we can reach Brandon. I see he's on. Let's see if we can add him. I'm determined to find out what's happening before we move to the next topic. Brandon, hello? No, not yet. such trouble reaching Brandon tonight. He's there, yet he's not there. Hmm. He doesn't run Skype on his uh, iPhone? He might. Something's wrong. It's just I'm I'm not able to connect to him. I don't know what's happening. It's just, uh, it's bothersome. Maybe we'll get him at some point. At least, at least he's trying to appear. He, he's appearing in spirit, just not, uh, not in reality. All right. Uh, let's see here. Well, let's, let's go on to Sheldon Adelson. Let's talk about Sheldon Adelson. And I have a new piece of news about him, by the way. I was going to talk about just the RAWA, the Restore America's Wire Act, and the attempt to get that uh, passed through Congress and stop the legalization of online gambling in the U.S. But there's something else that I will tell you about Sheldon Adelson's uh, story, which just broke, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, one of Sheldon Adelson's puppets is uh, 
Congressman Jason Chaffetz of Utah. And he has been pushing RAWA, the Restore America's Wire Act, to try to ban all kinds of online gambling in the U.S., including the already legalized online gambling. So there was a hearing on what they're, what they're trying to push through, this bill, the RAWA. And they brought in four testifying witnesses for the RAWA hearing. Nevada State Senator Mark Lipparelli, FBI Assistant Director Joseph Campbell, South Carolina Attorney General Alan Wilson, and Douglas County, Nebraska Prosecutor's Attorney Donald Klein. Now, you might wonder what does South Carolina and Nebraska have to do with this? These are not exactly powerhouse states, and they really have had nothing to do thus far with online gambling. But uh, basically, Chaffetz handpicked people that he knew would come out and slam online gambling. And then he included Mark Lipparelli of Nevada just uh, to give the false appearance of balance at this hearing. But despite these tactics, it didn't go well. Uh, First of all, the only one who knew what he was talking about was Lipparelli, and so most of the questions ended up being directed to him, uh, whereas the other three who were brought in uh, were were mostly ignored because they seemed and were clueless. Uh, There was an attempt to make this into a state's rights matter because uh, the problem that Adelson and his cronies have had with this make online poker illegal fight is that... uh, Adelson's a Republican. He's trying to get support from other Republicans on this, and he's not doing a good job because a lot of Republicans are not on board for this. A lot of Republicans want to see online poker or online gambling allowed and regulated. And a lot of them feel that the reason it should be legalized and regulated is that it's a state's rights issue and that the federal government should not be telling the states if they can or cannot have this, that it should be up to the states if they want it there. And Republicans are very big on states' rights and and always have been. So there was a backlash against what Adelson was trying to do, uh, basically saying, if you do this, if you make it to where states cannot legalize, legalize this when they want to, you're interfering with states' rights. And that gets us angry. So it's been an uphill battle for Adelson and his cronies to convince other Republicans to support this. So uh, they tried to go the state's rights route from another angle by claiming that because the geolocation technology that determines where you are when you're trying to play on these sites is not perfect, that it's very possible that you might be playing online poker from a different state where it's not allowed and therefore states' rights are being interfered with because if one state doesn't want it and the other state next door does, then uh, maybe because the geolocation technology isn't good enough that people in the state that doesn't have it will be able to play anyway. So this was shot down by several people over there who in fact offered that uh, anyone, including Chaffetz, can come with them and test whether the geolocation technology worked. Uh, 
Chaffetz was even invited to come to Nevada from Utah, which isn't that far, and drive around the border and, and see if they could possibly log on to any of the legalized poker sites from outside Nevada. And uh, Mark Liparelli said that. He said that it's a bogus claim. He was the one who invited uh, Chaffetz to drive around and uh, see that it works. And and furthermore, uh, New Jersey Oversight... Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, so, uh, oh, yeah, New Jersey Oversight Committee member Bonnie Coleman uh, showed slides that show that uh, the New Jersey Authorized Geo-Complied Location Verification Service works very well. So that was a failure. So basically, there was a backlash. Uh, most of the committee members, both Democrat and Republican, showed a clear distaste for the bill, R.A.W., and its intent. So it's very unlikely that it will get past the Oversight Committee. And uh, at one point, Chaffetz was in such a panic, he actually called a timeout to argue with another Republican committee member over his lack of support of this bill. So the whole hearing was a failure. RAWA is going nowhere. I thought that was going to happen. I was saying that that's a lot of panic over nothing. It's far-fetched. It's not going to work. Just a shot in the dark by Adelson that's not going to be successful. And the PPA, the Poker Players Alliance, which has been crowing about RAWA for a long time now, and they want your support, and they want you to write your congressman, they want you to donate money to them, blah, 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 and they're fighting for your rights to play poker. Uh, they had such a in- big influence at this hearing that PPA President John Pappas was not called to speak. <laughs> That's right. Director John Pappas was in attendance, but was not called as a witness. The entire hearing went, and he was not called as a witness. That shows you how much the PPA has influence over this process. They don't. Other forces are fighting for online poker. That does ha- they do have influence, but the PPA has no influence. That they're always in the sidelines. They always make a lot of noise and don't really get anywhere with these sort of things. So the fact that they were not even asked to speak about a matter that's right in their wheelhouse shows you that they're seen as irrelevant. Now Pappas made a, a statement afterwards about how. Uh, R.A.W.A. is severely misguided. It was a bad attempt at crony capitalism favoring Adelson. Let's be honest, he says. Today's hearing is taking place to fulfill the wishes of Sheldon Adelson, not because of any law enforcement implications or concerns. This is, this is a statement he made afterwards. He couldn't make it during the hearing because they didn't want to hear from him. <laughs> so uh, the PPA is irrelevant. They, they pretend to be relevant. They're not relevant. So... I wouldn't be throwing your money at them at this point <laughs> when they're at the hearing and they're not even invited to speak. And everyone's aware of who they are. They just uh, are seen as no one that's really bringing a lot to the table, no one that has any influence. 
So that was a failure for Sheldon Adelson. I think this is going to die, and that's that. If it doesn't die, he'll just keep plugging along at it and getting nowhere, which doesn't really matter. Now, here's the new piece of news about Sheldon Adelson that has absolutely nothing to do with what I just talked about. With what I just talked about. Totally new thing, which is a little bit odd and a little bit disturbing, given his very anti-online poker stance. They like to say that if you really want the power... You need to control the media. You need to control the press. Well, Sheldon Adelson is now controlling half of the relevant press in Las Vegas by acquiring the Las Vegas Review Journal. <laughs> Sheldon Adelson is now the owner, the proud owner of the Las Vegas Review Journal. He bought it for $140 million. And pretty shocking price for a Las Vegas-based newspaper. So, I guess they did not make it public that uh, he was the one who bought it. But uh, it was very secretive, but it's finally come out that Sheldon Adelson has bought the newspaper. So don't be surprised if there is a very uh, anti-online poker slant to the Las Vegas Review-Journal news. There's been various theorizing that Sheldon Adelson is putting so much time and effort into, and money, especially money, into stopping the legalization of online poker because he is afraid it will compete with his brick-and-mortar casinos. I don't know if I believe that because he could have a large piece of it. He he could have licensed online poker himself. He could have licensed online gambling himself, and he chooses not to. So I don't think... This is weird. Hang on. Trader Risky, I'll put you right back on. Hang on. Radio. Uh, here we are. Hello, guys. Hello? I see Daredevil. Is Daredevil here? Uh, no, it's just me. Just you? Okay, let me... Well, I got rolled. Hang on a second. Hang I on. got rolled. Okay. Again. Hang on. I'm gonna, I want to know about this, but I'm going to put it back on Trader Ruski. I don't think he rolled you. Who? Trader Ruski. Oh, I like that guy. Yeah, yeah. Let me put him back on. So did you hear Sheldon Adelson now owns the Review Journal? As of when was this? Today, just now. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, it just came out. You're not going to believe this. It's been four years since I met somebody from the from the fraud site. It's going to be another four years at least. So what happened? He's a scammer. What? You don't even know. You think you know someone, you co-host with them. For a couple hundred dollars, they rob you. Okay, I got to hear about this. I, I, I mean, I, that's, that's shocking, but go ahead and tell me. So... You're all going to think I'm nuts, and, and, and but it's, it doesn't even matter at this point. So we're supposed to meet up today. He texted me this morning. This is Daredevil, by the I way. I wasn't even going to air any of this because, you know, it's his personal health and stuff. But now since he stole from me, it doesn't matter. So he's diabetic. And apparently, I, why does everyone on your site have some sort of health problem? Can you tell me that? I, I don't know. I, I think to make me feel healthier. So – Apparently, he has to take these shakes he makes, these protein shakes. Hmm. And I guess, you know, he wasn't taking them while he's been here for like five days, so he wasn't feeling great. 
He asked me to get him a blender so he can make these shakes in his room. <laughs> he always has to go do shopping errands for people. You, you think it's funny? You're laughing at me. Is it funny? No, what, what's, what's crazy is that somehow you, when you meet people, you always end up having to do shopping errands yeah. for them. It's so weird that it falls that way. So I go, he, he wants a top of the blind. He tells me a blender with a 160 PI motor. I don't even know what the fuck that is. Where do you get one of these? Uh, the Target, Walmart? No, you got to go to Sharper Image, he says. Go to Sharper Image, get me the fucking 160 PI blender, okay? How much do you think a blender costs? That's 160 PI at Sharper Image. Yeah, because it's a Sharper Image, I bet it would be expensive. Yeah, I mean, because everything has a TV on it. The blenders have TV, little TV in it. A six-inch TV in your blender. Really? So I get him the fucking blender. He's supposed to meet me. I have a room at the uh, the D, the, the Delano. Used to be the former, former Mandalay Bay or the – what was it? The – Oh, the Delano. The D is actually a different hotel. But yeah, the okay. Delano. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. Next, that's the hotel in Mandalay Bay yeah, renamed. Not yeah. anymore though. It's not the hotel. I yeah, I know. It's, it's selling naming rights left and right. Yeah. So anyhow, he meets me in the casino. Okay, I'm with another friend of mine from out of town. Comes up to me and introduces himself. You know, he texts me. Looks just looks like a normal guy. Looks like a normal guy, not looking like he's sickly or nothing. Shake his hand. I have his big motherfucking blender. I give him the blender. He starts running down the casino with the blender, doesn't pay me, and he starts screaming, so fucking owned, you've been rolled, and takes off. <laughs> I, I, don't know, you know, I don't know if I can believe it. I was believing up until now. Now that, now that he did that, I, I have to say that this is a uh, – I don't know if I buy this story. I think you've been so fucking owned, Tom. <laughs> See? <laughs> You, you think you know someone? You know, actually, I'll tell you. I was uh, I was actually suspicious uh, because of the hundred whatever blender that uh, I I just didn't think that was likely you would make that specific of a demand. So I re- but I I was giving Brandon the respect to let it continue. But then when we got to the so fucking owned, I knew that uh, I knew <laughs> that I've just been uh, played here. Also, I think Sharp Rimage closed three years ago, but <laughs> that might be possible too. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad we didn't. You know, I was. I was fearing though that something bad happened, and then like, how do I handle it from this point? Because I'm like, a, like I, I, I can't have Daredevil hosting this show anymore if he screwed over Brandon. I'm like, well, I have to look for another permanent guest co-host. So, you can't imagine me running through the casino with a <laughs> giant over my head, so fucking owned. Yeah, well, I, I, I guess it would be hard for him to call security at that point to, to say, "Hey, this guy stole a blender from me. Get the blender back." I, I can't picture that they do anything about. It. They, they think it's crazy. They would probably arrest him. <laughs> uh, were you buying the part where there was a television in it? Well. Uh, <laughs> A television, I don't know, but like a screen on it. There, I do notice a lot of electronics now have like needless complications and needless uh, screens and displays when you just wish that they were simple and easy. And like if, if a version of something worked very well 30 years ago, you don't really need to update it. That's true. And I don't have diabetes, at least that I know of. Okay. That could be possible. No, I was starting to feel better. Whenever I hear about like members of Poker Fraud Alert that have health problems, that it just makes me feel healthier. I go, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm almost Sorry 40. To disappoint you. Yeah, I go, I'm almost 44, and I don't have these problems, and like I, I start to feel better. Like, I, wow, I'm like a healthy guy. I get, I get to feel really good. And then, uh, then I hear you don't have it, and now I feel bad again. All right, so I'll get tested when I get home. Maybe I'll cheer you up. With yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe it'll turn out you, you have diabetes. It could be, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, life imitates art or imitates uh, fictitious stories. I mean, I, I remember uh, in 1993. 
uh, just to piss off an ex-friend of mine, I, I, I pretended to be dating, and, and the person went along with it, a, a girl that, uh, that he really liked. And then uh, 17 years later, I, I have my only child with that same girl. So you never know. Right. Yeah, Todd, you have a story for everything. It usually ends with you, like, getting a hand job somewhere or something. Yeah, well, th- this one was a little bit cleaner than that. Was, oh, okay. Yeah, Clean so. it up. So, okay. So, um, so you heard uh, Sheldon Allison that he owns the Las Vegas Review-Journal now. Yeah, that came out a few days ago. Uh, he's really? also he's really pissed about it because it was a present for his wife. And now the people in the media have exposed it, so he's like... Uh, well, he bought his wife? Yeah, that was his her birthday present, because it's in like two days. Right. So he kept a secret, but then some media people found out it was him, so he's super pissed and, you know, trying to what destroy it. What did he pay for the paper? $140 million. That's crazy. Yeah, It's $40 million over the last time it sold. It was $100 million last time. I, I can't imagine that thing's worth $140 million. A, a newspaper today? Yeah, that's right. crazy. But, you know, whatever. He's got billions. He doesn't care. But what, what I mean, is it like a token gift? Like, does she wake up and say, oh, that's just what I wanted, a newspaper cover? You know, maybe he puts like a giant bow on top of it like they do on new cars around Christmas. <laughs> well, on what, the printing press? Yeah, I don't know. Like, a, maybe on the whole building. I don't know. Okay. Funny enough, the Las Vegas Review Journal just came out with their stance against online gaming, too. Oh, really? They did? What a coincidence. You know, I... Uh, I've always found the whole thing with the, the the giant bow on top of a car. It looks really stupid. I actually saw two giant bows on cars uh, just a few days ago. I was at a uh, a BMW dealership, and and parked right in front of it were two BMWs with giant white bows on top of them. Wow. Do you, do you think anyone has really brought home a car like to their wife that like they that the wife has no idea it's being bought for her? And then there's like a, a car with a giant bow shows up in the driveway. You think that's ever occurred? Yeah. Why not? With the bow? Absolutely. It's of course, occurred. if it's a present. But with a giant bow. I, I, I'm sure wives have been surprised with cars before. But, Sweet but, 16 for sure. Wives, maybe not as much, but probably happened. The giant, I don't know if a giant bow. It just isn't weird to have a giant bow on top of a car. Well, that's how you know it's a present, Todd. Come on. <laughs> See, I couldn't do this because, like, uh, well, I, I bought a car that is uh, currently being driven by Benjamin's mom, and uh, but I was going like she knew I was going through the whole like Jewish negotiation process. Like the, 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 I couldn't have hidden that. Like it was just uh, it was too big of a deal. And she, I also wanted her input on what features she wanted and things. Like I just couldn't. Uh, hey, you bought her a car for her birthday. You know what's sad? It wasn't even for her birthday. I just I just did it. Wow. Yeah. What'd you drop? Uh, it was a lot of money. Over 40? Yeah. Oof. That's kind of generous. I know. See, everybody thinks I'm a cheap Jew. Sometimes I, I break out the wallet. Oh. Now, 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 to be fair. All fairness is a title in your name. And yeah, I was going to say, to be fair, she doesn't technically own it. I technically own it. <laughs> but, but hold on, hold on. The reason this is still very valuable is that uh, – um, yeah, you know, it's not like it's not like you buy someone a house and and retain the the title and then uh, it it appreciates. A car depreciates, especially very rapidly in the first few years. So, uh, like if we broke up two days later, then uh, then she got very little out of it. But if if she drives this for years, even if we were to break up and even if I were to get the car back, which I don't even know if, if like I don't know what so would basically happen. Basically, it's just like another perk, like a per diem or something. She gets a car with the relationship. Yeah, it, it kind of is. Yeah, but it's it's a, a very nice car, and uh, and she gets it, and obviously, uh, and it's it's yeah, you know, it's already a, a year old at this point. So, I mean, that's that's 
I, I yeah. And, and let me guess, when you got this car, I bet you use as many credit cards as you could to get the perks off the bonus orange. Well, I re- I've already discussed that I've done that, yeah. But yes, I did do that. Oh. Yes, I did that. I got, I got, uh, I, I was, they allowed me to charge $10,000 worth of credit card charges there. And I, I put it on several cards to where I ended up with about $2,000 worth of bonuses. So that was nice. And uh, and they they were I have to imagine at the BMW place they thought it was strange they they probably thought like I didn't tell them about the bonus whoring but they probably thought like I'm extending myself like okay now charge two thousand on this card and three thousand on this card they're like if this guy's got to max out like four different cards can he really afford this? But wow. yeah, they didn't ask that. But the, they they were probably thought it was weird because like I'm maxing out these different cards or it looks like I'm maxing them out. I wasn't. I was just doing as much as I needed to get the bonus, but. It looks like I'm maxing out like four or five different cards, but then at the same time, uh, the rest I just wrote them a check for cash. Like I didn't finance it at all. So I'm sure they knew what you're doing. You're not the first person that's tried to employ that. Well, no, I think they didn't because they were all confused because they actually tried to charge the entire ten thousand on one card, and when they got when they when they delivered it to me, they were very concerned that the card got rejected, and thankfully it got rejected because they didn't want ten thousand on that card. And it got rejected because that card only had like a $7,000 limit. So they said, oh, your card got rejected. And they showed me. I'm like, no, no, no. I instructed you guys to do that on these cards. And then we had to like redo the whole thing. But uh, they seemed to not really understand what was going on with it. But uh, they, what's, it's also funny that they even allow you to do up to 10000 on a credit card because they, they pay fees on that. And that adds up over $10,000, you know, like, but, but they did. So. Oh, because it's a. Percentage, you're saying, not a Yeah, they get charged a percentage. Like I think they they lose almost three percent. I see. No, we're under a freeze warning in Vegas. Uh, forget Vegas. There's parts of Los Angeles that are under a freeze warning. What parts of Los Angeles? The colder parts. Uh, not you know, not the not downtown L.A. or anything. But uh, I'll tell you where I am right now. At I don't know what the temperature is at the moment, but when I pulled into my garage at 6.45 p.m. It was 44 degrees. That's at 6.45. So if it's 44 at 6.45, you have to imagine at 5 in the morning it could easily be freezing. Wow. Well, when Brandon and I were at the Trump rally yesterday, it was pretty cold outside. <laughs> we could barely hold up our signs you know, to make America great again. Did you, did you talk about that yet, the debate? I assume you watched it. No, no, we, we haven't gotten to that. I did watch the debate, and I, uh, I did see it was at the Venetian where the Phantom of the Opera used to take place. You mean Sheldon? No. <laughs> he started to look like that guy. He, maybe if it stayed there, he could have uh, been an understudy. I went, uh, I was at the Venetian, funny enough, staying, I, I'd been staying there with a friend of mine that was visiting from out of town, and we were actually there during the debate. We went downstairs last night around 11 o'clock at night, and get out of the elevators right by the Venetian, make a right, and there's a smoothie store right by the elevators, and it was closed, and lo and behold, who's standing there? It's Chris Christie with like two seniors that had to be at least in their early to mid-80s. And he's taking pictures with them and hugging them. Just standing I, right there. I, I thought you were going to say that Chris Christie had like three smoothies in his hand. I no, thought that he's was gonna, a big guy. That's what I was going to say. I thought that was going to be. Like you say the camera adds 10 pounds. No, it, it takes off about 20. <laughs> he's a big guy. They say that you could pile on some food at the Commerce. This Chris Christie ain't no joke. Yeah, they should, they should have like me and Chris Christie at the poker table together on Live at the Bike and, uh, and see who could uh, pack down more food. 
If that Chris Christie's at the Commerce playing the 8160, he's eating a rack of ribs, a rump roast. Uh, I mean, he could eat. Well, I don't know. See, it would be a challenge because you know, Chris Christie weighs more, so uh, he, he could probably get more food down for that reason. But he'd be battling my cheapness with getting free food to where I would have an extra appetite due to, due to that. So it would be an interesting battle of, of me with the desire to eat free food as much as I can versus his desire to just eat. So Does that work, though? Like, I know people do that at the buffet. Can you, like, not eat for two days if you just eat six plates of food? Uh, I no, I'll still be hungry in four or five yeah. hours. No, I, I wouldn't be. No, I, I actually can stay full for a long time if I totally overeat. And uh, and I, it, it, I think a lot of it depends upon how much you can eat in one sitting. Not all of it, but some of it. Like, the more you can eat in one sitting, the, the longer you can go, typically, without having to eat again. And uh, it, in my family, it's interesting because uh, on, on my dad's side, uh, there's the ability to, to eat a lot in one sitting. And, and on my mom's side, uh, my mom can actually eat very little in one sitting. She doesn't have any kind of disorder or disease or anything. She just her, – her stomach is small or something. She just cannot eat much in one sitting. And this is uh, – she's never had any kind of weight problem. She's never had to put effort into staying thin because she just can't eat much in any, in any one sitting. And, uh, and my brother's like that too, so he's always stayed thin. And, again, not through any kind of exercise or effort. Uh, I, I think you know what side I took after. And uh, so I'm on the same side, Todd, unfortunately. Yeah, like I can just uh, I, I, I can eat a whole lot at one time. And uh, so, so for that reason, sometimes I will just eat like one full meal in a day. Uh, I'll eat other things during the day. But as far as like meals, I'll sometimes have just one that's very large. And uh, I don't even want to have two. <laughs> I'm afraid that it makes me gain weight. So but I also don't really feel the need that much to have two. when I first wake up in the morning. I, I really have no desire to eat. Uh, are, are you like that too? I, 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 it normally takes me about three hours, two, two to three, before I have an appetite. When I was younger, I could wake up and eat right away, but now those days are gone. I'm never hungry right when I wake up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah so that, like, there's this big emphasis on breakfast, but I, I have a hard time. Like I can force it down if I like. Like when I'm on a trip. I used to not understand this. Like when I went on trips with my family and my dad would insist we eat breakfast and then wouldn't want to get lunch, I was kind of pissed about it, especially because even then I didn't really want to eat breakfast, so I was annoyed. But I understand it now, like now that I'm directing the trips. Uh, you, you don't really want to stop in the middle of the day and have to find food when you're in the middle of doing something. So like when I'm on a trip, I will eat in the morning a big breakfast and try to make it last for, you know, make it last until dinner time. Maybe get some snacks in the middle of the day or whatever, but uh, so I can force myself to do it. But I, otherwise, I, I just don't feel the need to ever eat in the morning, and it and it just like you know, it takes a few hours to even get hungry. So well, it, does, it also does really depend when you had dinner. If you have an early dinner, you'll be more hungry for breakfast. But I kind of stay up late and snack. So yeah, I do. T- I do that too. And the, the killer for me late at night, and I've I've said this before. For part of the reason I gained weight uh, is that I, I drink a lot of high calorie drinks at night. It just uh, that's when I have the the most desire to drink things that are not water that have a lot of calories. So like orange juice is a big one, and uh, sometimes uh, soda. So 
The orange juice late at night is kind of a killer. The orange juice has a lot of calories. A lot of people think orange juice is like really healthy, but it has a lot of calories. Well, the, when I checked into that Rio this past summer, I watched you import about seventy-eight different beverages into that little mini bar and you broke the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that, 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 that broke it. It's it a big ice cube in there. Like it was snowing in your mini bar. <laughs> yeah. I posted a picture on Poker Fraud Alert of my of my refrigerator you know it comes in the rio but how i filled it with all these drinks and, and everyone laughed at it and i said what's so funny it's just uh it's, it's uh it's all the drinks i'm going to need for the next few weeks but the good the good news about you breaking the freezer is when the guy had to come to fix it it's the same guy that also takes care of the air condition maintenance so <laughs> got that one fixed too yeah it really is i like how the guy was like complaining to me about how they don't hire enough maintenance people and how they're just cheaping out with everything and he basically said the whole company is a big fail like the guy it's so funny like there's so many employees i deal with at the rio just bitch about it and complain about everything they're like all so unhappy there well it's been for sale for like three years and they must know that yeah but you all you got to do is make like one like semi-critical comment and make it clear you're not criticizing them and they'll just go off. Like they'll just vent to you. You just got. You just got to make sure you're, they you're, they don't think you're going off on them. Just they if they think you're complaining about the same things that frustrate them, they just they give you an earful. They don't even care. I had a maintenance issue today at the Tropicana. I thought of you, Todd. Oh, what happened? Oh, the water didn't work <laughs> in the shower. <laughs> it didn't come out at all. No, it didn't come out at all. Oh, great. Like, how does that? I wonder how these things happen. Like, how does know. the previous guest? I don't know. How are they okay with that? It is low season. Maybe someone hasn't stayed there in, like, weeks. But, yeah, you would think something like that they'd have figured out. But I was lucky. The guy came in, like, 20 minutes. He was this really nice old guy, and he just fixed it in 10 minutes. And then he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I got I kept my shoes on. I got your carpet a little dirty. I can call housekeeping if you want. And so, yeah. When I was, fail. The last cruise I was on, I had two rooms. But the second room... Uh, the heat did not work, so it was always freezing in the room, like really cold, no matter how high you turned up the thermostat. And the toilet seat did not stay up. So, like, you, you pick the toilet seat up, and it just slams back down. So unless you hold it up while you're peeing, or you pee, you sit down to pee like a woman, uh, there's there's no way to pee without getting on the seat. So I, I, I thought to myself, like, the way it works on cruises is uh, passengers get off on, on whatever day the cruise ends, and then immediately other passengers get on like three hours later. So someone was on that cruise in that room that same day and for the whole previous week. How could someone have been in that room for seven days and not cared about, number one, the toilet slamming down all the time, and number two, the room being freezing? Like, like why didn't they just call maintenance once and have that fixed? It's not like a room you're going to be in for one night and you don't care. There's like seven days someone tolerated this and probably seven days before that and seven days before that. Like, who knows when this started? Like, I, I couldn't believe that these two things – Unless there were no males in the room, I guess that the toilet would have been okay. But really strange. So, like I, I've run into that before, and just wonder how did the previous guest deal with this? It was a lesbian couple. Maybe it could have been. So let's see what let's see what else we got here. This is a surprise though, getting you guys on the. We're in person. He's normal. Seems very normal. Very articulate. Very intelligent. Well, even in your uh, your your fake story about what happened, you said he was normal. Even even when you were pretending he rolled you, you were saying how normal he was. Is that what gave it away, though? The so fucking own. That was, the, that was what fully gave it away. It was partially given away already, but yeah. somehow we lost Trader Ruski again. How does it keep happening? Yeah. yeah, he's had a lot of problems tonight. He's had a lot of problems. He's not just sleeping. Or... 
No, I see, I'm not even. He can call in if he wants. I just I, I've had such a hard time keeping him on. There's some kind of internet issue with him or something. Is it true you had the Asian on earlier reading haikus? I I did. He's reading proverbs, Chinese proverbs, and still denying that he's Asian. Who? Okay. Oh. What the hell's going on? Hold on. I'm just gonna I'm gonna add him. He's trying he's trying to call in here. It's it's ringing on your end too. You got to hang up on it. <laughs> what a mess. Hang up? Yeah, hang up on here. I'm, I'm going to add him on this side. Such a pain in the ass with Skype. Someone, someone I know is actually no one in poker, but they're doing like a terrestrial radio show on a small station and they want to use Skype. I'm like, you don't even know what you're getting into. No, I'd suggest against it. I'd say it, it kind of works, but there's a lot of idiosyncrasies you got to deal with. See, I just tried to add him. It's not working. I, I, I'm giving up. I, 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 All right, I think. Oh, there. Oh, well, here you are. Okay. Like you, it, it went away because it failed, and you just like popped right back up. All right, beautiful. All right, so let, let's see what else is going on here. Uh, oh, this is an interesting story. I don't know if you've seen it, uh, guys, but uh, have you seen the story about the robotic dealers that can be purchased for casinos? No. Well. This is for live blackjack and other table games. There are now robots that are kind of creepy looking that can deal cards to you. I don't know how expensive they are, uh, but uh, but they exist, and uh, they're made by a company called ones, but they're all downtown. What? <laughs> Nothing. He got it. Never mind. Creepy dealers that look like they're basically robots. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. You ever see some of those mutts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Graveyard at downtown? Yeah. I mean, you think they can pass drug tests? Uh, maybe if you... I mean, you go downtown. You see the guy with about six teeth dealing, pitching blackjack. Tells you he's been dealing 55 years. Has 55 years of dealing experience. Why is he dealing at the plaza on Graveyard, Druff? Because it's 55 years of uh, dealing poorly. He's doing methamphetamines. Or that. In the uh, Winnebago. <laughs> All right. So uh, this robot, which is an Asian-looking robot named Min, even though it's an Asian-sounding name, it's called Min the Robot, that uh, is by Paradise Entertainment Limited, a Hong Kong-based gaming machine manufacturer and supplier. And it actually has robotic dealers that are – Human size that have an attempted human face, but it looks kind of creepy to me. There's even a GIF I have. You can find it on Poker Fraud Alert in the casinos in Las Vegas session section. You can see a GIF of the robot nodding. <laughs> it looks like it's kind of nodding like right before it's about to kill you. But they claim that this can cut labor costs for casino operators. Now, you may say labor costs. Wait a minute. I thought these dealers make minimum wage, and then the real money they make is through tips. So if tips come from the players and the casinos pay them almost nothing, then why would they care to put in a robot to replace them? Well, the truth is that uh, the tips cost the casino money because these players could lose that money to the casino rather than giving it as tips to the dealers. So. Even more so than that, Jeff, you're missing a very important point. What? Well, you, you should know. Even more so than than 
the it's money they could lose gambling. What's even more significant about tip money that no one's going to tell you, but it, it's something that all the casinos hate, especially about big tippers. Uh, I don't know what is. Once it? they drop those tokes, guess what? Yes. Can't get it back. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I mean is that it could have. Uh, that once those tokes are dropped, so in, in, in someone you know who's the highest George ever be in uh, the, the pits out here. What are you the asking? Biggest tipper. The biggest. I don't know who the biggest tipper is. Yeah, you do. We talked about it many times, and it's not just some cult lore. He was literally regarded by anyone in the industry as the biggest tipper Vegas has ever seen, and probably ever will. An Australian, a media mogul. Oh. Kerry Packer. Hmm. You don't know this? No. Come on. I don't. Hadn't He's heard of this. He's paid off mortgages. He's bought people cars. I've never heard of this. I, come on. Do you know this? No. I thought it was Ben Affleck. Wow. No. See, oh. he, even, even Daredevil doesn't know. He thought it was Ben Affleck. <laughs> Kerry with a K, Packer. Never I mean, heard of him. I'm really surprised you don't know about this guy. I don't know about him. Kerry Packer. You've never, do, you know, do you know that name? No. Wow. Well, you know, just do a, a, you know, you can multitask really well. Go into that Google there and just type in. I'm curious what comes out. Biggest tipper in Las Vegas history. I'll Tell type it. What, Here, I'll what type in Kerry Packer. Out. I'll type it in. Let's see. Kerry yeah. Packer. He's basically the Rupert Murdoch. Whatever Rupert Murdoch did not own in Australia, media-wise, magazine-wise, etc., Kerry Packer. Owned. Well, I see Kerry Packer died 10 years ago. What are we getting on the Skype? TMLK claims he knows everything I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, Kerry Packer has been dead almost exactly 10 years. He died December 26, 2005. Yeah, he was, he was by far the most generous tipper, I mean by far, that this city's ever, ever seen. In fact, we could – I've done shows back in the day just talking about him. Um. A very interesting subject to talk about one day. I mean, we won't, you know, I know you run a very tight ship here, so we won't have to spend all night talking about him, but uh, a lot of interesting stories. I mean, this man single-handedly made MGM have to report to their stockholders that they were declaring a third quarter loss about two weeks into it based on his weekend trip there. Wow. Uh, And then he ended up getting 86 from all MGM properties because they didn't want that action. But anyhow, he, he was a... Great tipper. Um, the best days, tip-wise, that this city's ever seen were because of him. Um, in the earlier part of last decade, there were several three, four, five thousand $5,000 plus days. And what, what I mean by that is that's what every individual that worked at that particular casino during that 24-hour time period, because that's what they're pulled on, ended up making. And wow. I mean, you don't think that's a lot. I mean, just think about that. Three, four, five thousand for an eight hour shift. And that happened several times. No, that's a, that is a lot. <laughs> um, normally when he was winning, and again, this is a player that would win or lose 30, 40, 50, 60 million in a trip. But it was, it was not uncommon at all for whatever his wager was for him to have piggybacked on the side a $10,000, if not higher, bet for the dealers as well. And what does that mean when you're piggybacking? Well, you're putting you're putting a bet for the dealer out at the same time. No, but there but there's more to it. Casinos really hate this, and unless the, unless 
you know, you're in the know, and you specify that this is how you want your bet to be, it's never going to be this way because this is more or less a casino's worst nightmare. Piggybacking a bet means that I am I, I tell the dealer I want to piggyback a bet. Do you know what that means? I yeah, get, it means you're going to bet it for yourself, but then give it to exactly. You. So that bet will remain up. So, so say I have it. Say I'm betting. I don't know, fifty thousand for myself or a hundred thousand for myself, and I'm betting ten thousand dollars for the dealer. Say we win that bet. Normally, the dealers would take. The original bet plus what it won, and then they call out twenty thousand. Assuming it wasn't a blackjack, they'd say twenty thousand and down. Right, and they put it down. Yeah, with that, right. What that means is the ten thousand they won from the bet plus the original wager. But if you're piggybacking, that just means that they would take the ten thousand that it paid, and their ten thousand dollar bet would stay up, meaning that it could potentially could keep winning and winning. I see. Be, yeah, parlay. Um. But unless you specifically say that, casinos will never, ever do that. Dealers aren't allowed to do it on their own. They're not even allowed to encourage a gambler to do that because of that reason. If you get on a hot streak. Yeah, then it could tip a whole ton. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyhow, yeah, very, very interesting. Anyone that really loves Las Vegas lore, stories of the old school, stories that are actually true, read about Kerry Packer. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to read it when the show's over. I'm interested to hear this, uh, to read this myself. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I was saying that too. Where, where, when a tip is given, uh, that it's it's money the casino can't get back. That's what I mean by uh, by the casinos not getting it. Because if if you if you're not tipping, then once you start losing, the casino will win it back from you, which is inevitable. But if you give the if you give a tip and then the dealer takes it and drops it down, then uh, this is money you will not have to lose back to the casino. That, that was the point Another I was way making. to look at it is say somebody loses, you know, $150,000, but they've tipped $150,000 during the whole cycle. Then even though the casino is going to show them as a, as a loss, they've really broken even. I mean, does that make sense? You're saying if they, well, hold on. If they've, Who's so broken? Somebody loses one hundred fifty thousand gambling, but they've tipped one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Oh, you're, you're you, what you're saying here is that they, like they bought in for five hundred thousand and cash out three hundred fifty thousand, that they've lost one fifty. But if they, but if, or, but if all that was given in tips, then the casinos made nothing. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't made anything. I mean, you've lost money. The dealers have made money, but the casinos are, are you're dead even with them. Yeah. Or sometimes, you know. You could just tip so much that the casinos lose, even if you lose as well. Yeah, that can happen. It's true. And people don't realize I'm, I've, you know, I, I've worked in this industry, but I'm, I've always been a big proponent of you tipping when you're done, depending when your set when your session is over. I've never agreed with people because of, of that reason. I mean, I get it; these people have families too. But you know, you're not going to win the majority of time that you gamble. And I've always been a proponent when you're done with the session. You know, you know I don't know. That's, I guess, for another day to debate whether you should, you know, give a fee like you're in a, you know, a, a dining establishment or how much you're going to do. But when I do play table games, it's not very, very often at all. I'll wait till I'm done. Um, you'll see people now that get on a hot streak and they're betting for the dealers a hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars with them. But then once that, you know, inevitable cold streak comes, you can't recoup that money. Yep. And you know, so I think it's always better to see how you're, you know, at the end what you're doing. Of course, the, you know, dealers don't want to hear this, but. And just in a consumer point of view, I think that's that's much better. It is, yeah. It's much more, you know, 
I mean, you walk into casinos and you see all this money spread around for dealers. And, you know, again, I, I realize that, uh, you know, that they have families and they make, but people don't realize, you know, dealers in general do very well for themselves. They, yeah, they, they do. So, some of them make up to 100000 So Yeah. I mean, dealers out here make more than, than, I mean, the majority of dealers in this city make more than teachers do in this city. That's kind of fucked. That's <laughs> not really, well, it's true. That's a good, it is true. It's a good point. I mean, a starting, you know what a starting teacher makes in Clark County, roughly? Uh, like, it's less than thirty thousand. Yeah, I was going to guess around thirty. It's less than thirty a year. You can get a job full time with the Gold Coast to make forty five thousand a year. Yeah. Where's this laughing track for that one? Yeah, I, I have it right now. Here we go. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, so anyway, this this automated dealer, uh, it's it's being aimed, and probably uh, as part of the reason it looks Asian, it's being aimed at Macau. But uh, a reason it could be success- more successful in the United States is that the cost of human labor is much higher in the States. In, uh, in Asia, you can hire people for much cheaper. The general rule in Asia is equipment's expensive, people are cheap. It's not like that in the U.S. where people are very expensive. So they're, they're really trying to, uh, to market this, that it can save money. Now, they're... There are some issues with, with these robots, uh, even if they work correctly. I don't know how well they actually work, but there are some issues. First of all, this just looks like an expensive piece of equipment to maintain. It looks like it, it could – not only is there probably an expensive base cost to it, but the, the maintenance of them could be a uh, high cost or it also could be a cost in a second way that if, the, if it goes down because it needs maintenance, that then the table had to be closed. I guess if you buy enough of them, you can replace them, but then they have more expense that way. Uh, some people may not like playing with a robot dealer. They may feel it's creepy. They may think it removes the human interaction. Some people like talking with a dealer, and you can't talk with a robot. Uh, it can also make people suspicious that maybe the robot is rigging the cards against them if they're starting to lose. I don't believe that's really happening, but people, they, they want to find excuses for why they're losing, and if a, if a robot's dealing to them, they could have suspicion. There's people who just... Uh, wouldn't want to be dealt to by a machine. So uh, these could be some problems. Now, on the positive side, there could be people who would be attracted to play against these robot dealers because it's a, it's a novelty. How often do you get to interact with a human-looking robot? Pretty much never. So I, I know if I saw one of these things dealing, I'd, I'd at least want to play a little bit against it just for, the, for fun, even if I knew I'd be a negative expectation against it. I don't know how these robots are, are supposed to catch cheating. I think they're going to have to monitor the tables more closely with the eye in the sky. Because, uh, are, they, are these sexy robots, bro? Uh, no. It's, uh, it looks like they're trying to go that way. Because that would be smart. Well, you can, it, it, I guess do you, have a, you don't have a computer there you can look at right now? Well, it's, uh, it's Brandon's computer. Well, Brandon, if you if you go to Poker Fraud Alert, the casino in Las Vegas forum, and Cleve... I'm a beverage, Todd. I'm a good host. Am I a good host? He's a very good host. Although, you know, he's opening it, so I don't know what's in it. Okay, well, if you, there's a thread called Creepy Robot Dealers in the casino in Las Vegas forum. You'll see two gifts of them moving. Gift shop bison if you want. So I, I don't know if these will ever catch on. It depends on the price. It depends how cost it, how much it costs to maintain them. And it, it, it depends what, how. What was that little robot in that uh, '80s uh, sitcom show, Small Wonder? What was her name? Oh, Vicky. Yeah. Could she possibly be dealing. Well, if I think if they got Vicky, even though she has a very monotone voice, I think that would be a good robot dealer because she otherwise she acts very human. 
I think she could do a good job. Eighties cult classic mannequin. Yeah, see, I, I actually, I think Vicky's a good idea because I have a feeling that uh, she, that Vicky and the actress playing Vicky probably are not working right now. Not a mannequin. <laughs> what, what was that? Mannequin. Remember the hot robot? Yeah. Her like at the rib or somewhere. Yeah. Kind of like a saucy casino, like a robot, like in a thong. You know, they could start doing that. They could start. Uh, sexualizing these robots and and really you know how it couldn't really be illegal because it's not a person you could have them naked yeah you could make all the dirty comments you want they could even in the future you know as they make these better and better they could have robots that allow you to to grab their boobs and things like that and they they won't be offended like you know how nice would it be if like if you got a really hot robot dealer dealing to you and you're just losing every hand but at least uh, if you're frustrated you could you could have like a like a usb into her vagina that or you can just reach over and squeeze squeeze her breast when you want and uh you know she won't be offended i, I think like, like a consolation prize for losing that's cute yeah so do you think one day that uh i know there's been sci-fi programs about this but do you think one day there really will be robots that are convincing enough as humans to where you could pretty much order any really really hot chick you want with the specifications you want and uh you won't be able to tell the difference or almost won't be able to tell the difference between that and a real girl? I mean, one day for sure, my lifetime, probably not. And, and if there was, let's, let's say, if you're, right, you're right, it probably won't happen in our lifetimes. But let's say, let's say it could. Let's say somehow uh, 10 years from now they had that, and they had one that you, you couldn't tell uh, wasn't a real girl. Uh, do, do you think it would be satisfying? Keep in mind you can get one that's exactly your type and the hottest girl – to you that uh, that you'd want uh would you feel comfortable having sex with one or would this uh be too weird with a with a robot with a robot that looks and acts completely human but isn't i mean it has skin and everything it has skin it, it feels normal everything feels normal and, and it even can talk and not the only thing would be that you would just know it wasn't a human being yeah that that would be the problem yeah i'm not sure if i could it do it wouldn't really be a problem then if there's no other way to determine, what was remember that Aerosmith video, uh, amazing, where the guy I don't remember has like the virtual reality thing and he's with Alicia Silverstone. Yeah. So basically, you're saying I could be with Alicia Silverstone. She smelled like Alicia Silverstone. Now again, go not today's Alicia Silverstone because she's kind of bigger and she's. A little bit of a mon- you know. Well, but, she's yeah. forty now, but you, you know, go yeah, go to Alicia Silverstone of uh, twenty years ago. Right. So you're saying all these things, and I would just know because I was told. But there's nothing else that would give it away. Well, well and I, maybe she wouldn't act exactly like Alicia Silverstone. Maybe the conversation wouldn't be that good, or, or I'm she'd totally have... fine with it. Hmm. I, I mean, I would. I, I don't see. I don't know. I, I can't I, say yes or no for I myself. Go to a new level. Where you people could have partners with someone like that, and then guys would like it because you hand them a remote and they could just mute them, pause them <laughs> if they're getting obnoxious or they want. So as soon as they say, "Can I have that?" you just pause them, mute them. Power down. Yeah, yeah. power you t- down. You take the mute button right out of my What's mouth. <laughs> Trader Ruski, is that you? Yeah, that's him. What's happening, guys? Hey, buddy, how you doing? Good. How you Look, doing? Look, I'm I'm with uh, a co-host here. This is what happens. When friends actually come to Las Vegas and get in contact with with a counterpart. Well, you know the night's not over. He can still ask you at some point to go shopping for him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Trader Ruth could have at least sent your assistant out just to, to shake my hand and do a meet and greet. I DM'd you and you never got back to me. Uh-oh. You said that you were busy and you'd have to catch me next trip. That was your message. Oh, did I? Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm coming out for a week. Look, I have, I have the screenshot. You said, hold on. Uh, your name is Trader Ruski, right? Mm. Yeah, you, you messaged me and you said that, sorry I didn't get to see you this trip. I've been busy. I'll catch you on the next one. Oh, you big time. How is oh, that? Right. Oh boy! Hey, I got you. Got you. Got two burgers coming now instead okay. of the one I, I have. A lot of red meat. Anyway, I, I love you, brother. I just you know. No, for sure. And I'm coming to CES. I got a few extra tickets if if you or anybody in the community wants uh, passes to CES. So I'll be out there on the I don't third. Need the charity. I just want friendship. No, no, no. I'm coming out. No, but he's, you know what? It's, it's, it's not out for sure. It's not. Yeah, I feel like he's trying to buy me with a convention pass. Well, it's not necessarily <laughs> uh, buying you. By the way, I just turned everybody <laughs> up. I think. Set me another one. I, I think you guys have been a bit soft. By the way, I just turned you guys all up. Get away to meet you tonight. I'll catch you on my next trip. It's almost like you're sending these out as uh, what do they call them? Like a form letter. Like a bulk message. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, my assistant must have sent that out on my behalf. Okay, I don't I'm going to retweet it to my 500 or 1,000 followers. You know what? <laughs> you know what? I used to uh, I used to get mad at bulk holiday messages. If someone would send me like Happy Thanksgiving or or whatever, like if if I didn't know it was coming directly to me and I knew it was being sent to like 100 people on their list, I'd actually get angry. I'd send them a message back. Don't send me bulk messages. It, it annoyed me. So. I can understand that feeling, Brandon, but you know, with Trader Ruski offering a CAS pass, I don't think he he's trying to to buy you, or I I don't think he's trying to, you know, do that. I think it's it's like an act of contrition, it's kind of like how Kevmath gave me a free ten dollar media voucher at the World Series for, for. What is that noise? What is that noise? That's a good question. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I muted. I was biting into my apple. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> that sounded like a burger. That was no apple. That was an apple. That was a that's the juiciest apple ever made. Maybe it is. Did you send the assistant out for an in out burger? It's a honey crisp. Okay. Apple. Okay, so let's see what else we got here. Uh we've talked about the robot. Um Another payment processor has been busted. They're in. Uh, this actually happened in July, but for whatever reason, they're not making it public. This is the, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Florida. So this is a federal uh, bust. Has nailed a payment processor that was based out of Florida. There's still people who are dumb enough to process payments while living in the U.S. That somehow they they do this. They all get busted, and they all just they keep finding fools to do this. And. Uh, but it, but it happened, and let's see if we can find the article about this. So uh, it, they were po- processing payments for Bet Online and others. Why can't I find the article now? Should have had this up before. I thought I had the article, and I don't. Uh... I may have to stop talking about this because I, don't, I can't find the article anymore. I'm sure I could find it again. Well, I can't, but uh, let's, let's see. Let me try one more chat because it's something about bet online. Here we are. It was from CalvinAir.com. That's where I found it. So on CalvinAir.com, it's talking about a, a U.S. attorney in Florida 
has indicted Bet Online Payment Processing Ring. And uh, these guys were, uh, there were three of them. G- David Stewart, Jason Neiman, and Tom Freeborn were accused of wire and bank fraud, illegal money transmitting, money laundering, and conspiracy for their dealings with a number of online gambling sites based outside the U.S., including Bet Online. That was the only one that was named. Uh, they owned front web companies like WebPay TV Inc., which I think is pretty smart because it makes you think of the old web TV of the 90s. Remember that? And then, it sounds like an indictment with uh, Justin Boosted Smith's name all over it. How do you not get picked up in that one? <laughs> and then uh, Justin got arrested for all these. Yeah, he got busted. No, he got busted for like like sports betting rings. And then there was a uh, DiamondPayTV.com. Wait, so these were like J- Justin Smith. I'm not. I've actually met him a couple times. I have no ill will. It's just funny. He's the only guy that literally had to undergo. Season-ending surgery by getting injured at a final table of a WPT event. You celebrated so hard. How weak do you have to be that if you celebrate so hard after a knockout hand in a WPT event, you tear both your ACL and your MCL? <laughs> do you remember that? I'm not kidding you. Yeah. No, you can Google it. He tore his ACL and MCL. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's why he was. Uh... Doing the illegal bookmaking, so he could. Uh, he, he you ever hear about this? No. Maybe. He yeah. Didn't. No, I, I watched that. I watched that when it happened. He he uh, he wanted to prove poker was a sport. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but then to make it even worse, they're trying to give him medical attention, but he won't take it. And he continues playing like right. he's Joe Montana after a concussion, and he wants to drive the team to victory, shrugging off that- the Baggio nurses and 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 the doctors. Thought he was Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, exactly. Thought he was Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, Druff. Unbelievable. <laughs> so, so anyway, this this particular ring of uh, payment processors, uh, they were using sites like WebPayTV, Inc., DiamondPayTV.com. They claim to be like pay TV sites, but supposedly they offered monthly subscriptions to movie and TV services. But actually, they did not offer any subscriptions like oh. this. And uh, the actual purpose was to make payments between U.S. gamblers and these no. uh, betting sites. Now, I deposited onto Bodog. I made a comeback. I was just going to ask you, what's the strangest name you've ever gotten when it's been itemized on your credit card bill for a Bodog deposit or a Bovada deposit? Well, I, I had like uh, handyforhomes.com. Like I'm, uh, I'm ordering stuff to work on my house. Women's clothing? Like, no, you, literally, it says women's clothing. Yeah, you got the women's clothing. One of my friends also got the women's clothing. I never got that, but I, I got recently, and I'm not going to name it because I, they're probably still using it, and I don't want to have that thing busted and, and get Bodog pissed at me. But it was something having to do with, like, stylish clothing that, uh, that, that charged on my account. But don't you think it's a little just shady in itself? Like, a big credit card company, Capital One or Chase, they look at your, 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 your account – and they see a charge that just says woman's clothing. They have to know that's not right. Well, no? so, yeah, well, I, got, I got a number of warnings when I made these deposits on Capital One. Actually, you know, I made these deposits using my Capital One card, and they sent me a number of warnings that these look very suspicious. And did I make these transactions? And I, I said yes to all of them. Now, the funny thing is, like, I was actually losing at that point. I, I put a bunch of money on, and I was losing. So I had chunked off, like, about 10 k to when I tried to come back there. And if I wanted to, I could have just screwed him and just said, no, these are bogus, and I would have gotten all my money back. But I did not do that. 
because uh, I didn't want to get banned from Bodog. So, uh, and it was good I didn't because I've I've since run it up. And you never get to play on that account again. That makes no sense. No, of course I wouldn't do that. I'm not saying I was considering it, but not even unless what would be the amount? How much would they? You have to be able to charge off. Make it worth. Like no, I'm just saying, low six figures, high five figures. I think like two hundred thousand would be the number, probably. Like if I could, if I could get if I could if I lost two hundred thousand straight and could charge it off, I probably would do it. But uh, that that would be the amount to where it'd be worth not continuing to play on Bodog. But I, of course, I, I said it's fine and I I paid the bill and then uh, I've since run up my account, so it's, it's a good thing I didn't uh, try to roll Bodog. But uh. But I, I went to one of the sites. I looked at my credit card statement, and one of them was like some kind of dot com site about stylish clothing. I forgot the name, and I wouldn't say it out of here anyway. Even though I, I remembered it, but I went there, and it was really funny because it actually had like clothing I could buy. But I bet if I bought it, it would never ship. But there was like it was like it it attempted to look like a real website with real prices and and like a shopping cart that you could order and enter credit card info. But I, I either it's like a front, well, they're just like. They're like a skin for some actual clothing site, but they, otherwise they don't really do any business. Or they just like really are not any clothes you can buy, and it's just a total BS on the on the website. But uh, so anyway, they, these payment processors got busted, and uh, that's the end of that. Apparently they've processed uh, $4.2 million in payments between January thir- 2013 and November 2014. That's not that much, actually, in, in almost two years' time. But that's what they did is $4.2 million in processing of payments, which means how much did they make? Like, you know, four hundred, five hundred dollars I don't think this is worth it, given the, what they're going to face, unless they get a slap on the wrist. So they, they weren't making gigantic money. It's, it's not like they were Daniel Svetkov there making uh, the $100 million in uh, transactions and then stealing $100 million after that. So, uh, so that happened. So these... Processors keep getting busted. They, uh-huh. they keep finding fools to do it. And keep in mind, when you get your, what's interesting was when you get your payments, either receive cash outs or make payments to the processors as deposits, you picture some like large company processing it. Or it really is like just usually a few dudes doing it. Sometimes even like one guy. Well, yeah, the companies don't want to take the risk. It's yeah. So, like I, I, I'm always fooled by that. Like I, I know the truth, but I still kind of feel like <laughs> the processor is something large, and like I, I don't think it's legal, but I just I picture some like large operation. I'm I just can't picture so like one 28 year old dude living in a one bedroom apartment doing this, but that's a lot of times what it is. So, uh, Brandon, do you know about the Caesars total rewards changes that are coming up? Uh, Brandon's left the room. He's indisposed. Okay. Well, uh, okay, then I'll we'll go to a different topic. We'll get to that in a second. The, the Pennsylvania online gambling, which uh, was starting to look promising, has been delayed. Pennsylvania was thinking of hearing the uh, the, the bill to uh, to legalize online gaming, and this is not just poker, but online gaming in general. This year, even though there's very little left this year. But they've decided not to. They've decided to push it to at least spring of 2016. HB 649 aims to legalize and regulate online gaming in Pennsylvania. And they would become the highest population state to have legalized online gaming. Right now, the highest population state is New Jersey. But it's not going to happen. They're not going to have this bill dealt with at the end of 2015. 
they will put it back up for a vote probably in the spring. So you will not see any legalization of online gaming in Pennsylvania until at least the spring and very possibly later, and it may actually fail completely. So we will see. It was looking promising, but it has been delayed. Let's see. Let's see here. Next, uh, next topic. New Jersey may have gambling in the New York City area, which is pretty big news if you live in that area. Because if you live in New York City, it is not easy to go to casinos. You can go to Atlantic City, but it's not very close. Uh, I'm going to go to MapQuest right now, which they've redesigned, and I hate it. But uh, MapQuest? I didn't even know that still exists. Yeah, I, I like MapQuest online, or I liked it, and then I like uh, like I love the Google Maps, but only on phones. I don't like the way Google Maps works on the computer, so I still use MapQuest. But they they've kind of ruined the site. They've, they've kind of they try to make it look, look modern, and they've failed. They've, it just looks it's just not very user friendly. But I'll go into MapQuest nonetheless. Enter Atlantic City, New Jersey. Atlantic City. And uh, we'll put in New York City. And let's see how far they are. I know they're not that close. Yeah, 121 miles. So, And, of course, you've got to drive out of the city, too, which makes it tough. So it becomes a long trip. It becomes like a two-hour trip to get down to Atlantic City, at least. So it's a pain in the ass. Like, yes, you can do it, but it's not, like, right there. So New Jersey, uh, it's really almost like two different states. There's northern Jersey and there's southern Jersey. Southern Jersey is considered to be an extension to Philadelphia. And that includes uh, areas like Trenton, Atlantic City, and all the little suburbs of those cities. And then northern Jersey which includes uh, places like Newark, they're an extension of New York City. They're, they're in New Jersey, but they're right across from New York City. And uh, that's... So it's, it's completely different. And there's no gambling outside of Atlantic City. So New Jersey's kind of got this funny situation where there's legalized gambling, but only in one city, and it's been that way for decades. So finally, they've thought, what, what are we doing here? If gambling's okay in the state, why are we restricting it to one city all the way in the south? Especially since Atlantic City is in decline. So there's a large untapped market in New York, which is a huge population center, the biggest one in the U.S. And uh, they are strongly considering making northern, making uh, online, making brick and mortar gambling legal in northern Jersey. So that that's on the way. It it may or may not happen, but it looks like it's uh it's on the way. So if you live in New York, you may have a place to go right across the river and you'll be able to gamble in Jersey. So that might be good news for you if you're a casino gambler. Maybe bad news for you if you're an addicted gambler. But uh you know, maybe there'll be a casino in Jersey City. Maybe Newark. It's a little bit further away. Maybe even in uh, in Parsippany or Livingston. You never know. I lived in New Jersey at one point. Really? Yep. 
long time ago, but I lived in New Jersey at one point for about a year. So. Business or pleasure? Uh, really, neither one. But, but I was there. I was there for about a year, and I did live there for about a year. So, what's the biggest Jewish suburb in New Jersey? I don't know. What is it? I don't know. I'm asking you. No, I don't know. I just, no, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of. I just Jewish... kind of figure you in some part of New Jersey with a bunch of Hasidic Jews. No, no, but there's a, yeah, there's a lot of Jews in Jersey, so you'll you'll find them all over the place, especially in, in the northern Jersey, which is you know, the New York City uh, suburbs. A lot of Jews there. Well, now of course we got to ask, what, what, why did you live in New Jersey? Uh, I I was not an adult then. Oh yeah. So how old were you? I was very young. I was very young. I'm just going to leave it that I was very young when I lived in New Jersey. But if you, I mean, if you said an age, it just would give too much information. Yeah, it gives too much information, but I was very young. Really? If you said eight, twelve, three, I was two. very young. And it was for uh, classified. It was for sixteen or for seventeen months. I lived there. Wow. Yeah. And Were you evading taxes as a child? <laughs> I don't think that would work in New Jersey. Is, I think does New pretty... Jersey have a state income tax? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty high over there. Oh. So yeah, I was, I was. Uh, there for 17 months, and it was in northern Jersey. I was pretty close to New York City. You playing stud at the Taj with Jerome Ivy? No, see, I was too far from the Taj. I, I'm telling you, I was in northern Jersey. I, I would have been helped by this law that they'd passed to where I could uh, have, play in uh, legalized casinos in northern Jersey, but they didn't have that then. They still don't have it now. Maybe they will soon. Was your face on a milk carton? <laughs> You're wondering if I got kidnapped and brought to uh, New Jersey? You seem very, uh, you know, you don't want to give any information. No, I, 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 you know, I don't think it would be worth it. I, I think, you know, to kidnap me in California and bring me all the way to Jersey, I, th- I think they could probably kidnap a better kid just like right there in New Jersey. Were you one of those kids, like it wasn't candy or, you know, a stranger would come up to you, there's like an old man in a van open up a door with a 12 pack of ice cold Pepsi and you dropped in there? <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny? I actually didn't drink any soft drinks until I was uh, around. Hey, little 16... boy, would you like some Hilton Rewards credits? <laughs> Sixteen Hey, little boy, would you like to be instantly upgraded to seven stars without having to play any negative EV casino games? Just come in my van. That's All right, funny. so. Uh, yeah, so guess who brought that story to Poker Fraud Alert? None other than I lost track. Garrett. Oh, because he lived there, right? Yeah, Garrett brought the story about uh, casino gambling possibly coming to northern Jersey. Which is I thought Garrett lived in Florida. He does, but he has some kind of obsession with New Jersey. I, I don't. I think he once lived there. Oh, or something. He's from New Jersey, but he lives in Florida. Yeah, I, I knew he had some association. I met him at a Blasio parking garage. True story. Yeah, I know. Brandon met him. I think Brandon's the only guy on the site that's met him. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, like like I have a few people I can say that about. Like one of them I can say that I've met. Well, yeah, Daredevil, right. I guess. I guess you're the only one who's uh, met Daredevil, right? That's true. Yeah, and I've uh, Shibun Pickens, who also posts a Brittany Griner's clip. I've met him, and nobody else has met him. And still, nobody knows if he's black or not. He may or may not be black. I won't give that information out. Gotta be honest, he's gotten pretty awful with his posting as of late. He, he's been very strange lately. I'll, I'll, I even, like, he even 
texted me and I, he said, you know, I can leave the site if it's really bothering you. I said, you don't have to leave. Just try to tone down the strangeness. <laughs> he just like posts nonsense a lot of times. He really is someone if, if he like stops posting nonsense, he can post some funny and interesting messages. It's just uh, he, he can post some funny things. People just don't remember that because he's made so many weird posts recently. So, Brandon, have you heard about the recent changes to total rewards about the dates? No, I know nothing about it. Okay, well, this is pretty big, actually. Total rewards, they they always want to be as confusing as possible. And uh, in one way that they're really confusing is that in one way, the new year begins for them on January 1st. And in another way, the new year begins on April 1st. So as far as earning your status, that begins on January 1st. So on January 1st of any year, your tier credits are reset to zero and you have to start earning again. So even if you had 2 million tier credits on December 31st, on January 1st, you have zero. And uh, That's how most trip places yeah, are. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, not, I'm not criticizing. I'm just, I'm just yeah. explaining it to people. So, but what's weird about total rewards is that your benefits do not start on January 1st. Uh, the benefits of the program actually began on April 1st. And that's when everything kind of resets over for that year. So, like, for example, when they whatever the benefits are for the 2016 Total Rewards Program, uh, which we don't know yet, they won't take effect until April 1st, 2016, no matter what they are. Like, for example, the, the cruise that uh, you're entitled to as a Seven Stars member, you cannot book that cruise with Norwegian until after April 1st. You just can't do it. So, so the benefits start April 1st, but the earning period starts on January 1st. And the weird thing is they typically don't anymore announce what the benefits will be for total rewards or any changes to it until April 1st. So there's three months where you're earning status that you don't even know what it'll get you. Why, I don't know. And, and why these two different dates, I don't, I don't know why they don't start everything on January 1st and make it simple. But Caesars never makes it simpler, never does anything right. So... They've semi-corrected this situation. They've decided to do away with April 1st, and now the date is February 1st. So uh, this also affects the fact that before, if you uh, see whatever status you earn at Caesars, platinum, diamond, seven star, whatever it is, you will have that status the entire next calendar year, even if you don't play at all. So if you earn diamond in 2015 then you're going to be diamond all 2016 unless you earn better. But there's no way you'll be lower than diamond for the, all of 2016. But even better, you would get three extra months the following year. So let's say you earned seven stars in uh, February of 2015 and then stopped playing. If you didn't play at all after that, you would stay seven stars all the way through 2015, all the way to 2016, and through March 31st of 2017. So they give you three full extra months on top of the second calendar year that you get for free. Well, they've reduced that. So now you only get to keep it for one month of the second following calendar year. So now it only lasts till January 31st. And the benefits now all begin on February 1st. So basically everything that happened on April 1st in the program now happens on February 1st. And this is immediate starting for from 2016. So... Uh, now, the only difference is they're grandfathering in how long you get to keep your status in 2016. So you do get to keep your status till March 31st, but the new benefits start on February 1st. And then in 2017, it only lasts till January 31st. 
But that's the only thing that's being grandfathered is being able to keep your status for through those three months of 16. But but the the good side of this is that you get the benefits starting February 1st. And what I found maddening was when I wanted to book my cruise, I couldn't do so until April 1st. So anything that would sell out quickly or that was not too long after April 1st, there was no way I could do it because my benefits for that year uh, would not begin till April 1st. And I just barely, the cruise I, t- I took in uh, New, New England and Canada, that cruise that I took in, in September was almost sold out when I booked it on like April 3rd. And the reason I didn't even do it on April 1st was because Caesars hadn't sent over their list yet of seven stars who qualify. <laughs> so uh, that's changing. And uh, there's some good and bad out of this. The good thing, there's two good things that, uh, number one, you'll know about the benefits of the seven stars program two months earlier now because it starts on February 1st. And, and number two, you uh, will be able to do things like book the cruises and whatever else you want to book earlier in the year. Uh, the bad thing, of course, is that you don't get those three extra months once your status expires. And, uh, and if you want to do the every other year thing, because there is kind of a trick to where uh, if you earn it one year, then don't play the whole next year. Then the following year, if you could quickly earn your status before March 31st, you'd, you'd keep it and never, and never have any lapse in your status. Well, now you, you, if you're going to use that strategy, now you have to cram all your play in just January. So that's going to be tough. So uh, that's something to keep in mind. Now, that's not going to be the case this year. Because this year you're going to keep the status till March 31st. But in 2017, uh, your status is going to reset down to whatever level you earned in 2016 or whatever new level you've earned in 2017, whichever is higher of the two in the first month of 2017. I'm a, I'm a diamond now. So what does that mean for me? When did you earn the diamond? Back in like February or March of this past year, April, sometime early this year. So, so like March, something you earned diamond in 2015. Yes. You will remain diamond no matter what through January 31st, 2017. So I can keep staying at the flamingo all I want. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, the sad thing is diamond does not, Entirely to any room. So any any flamingo. Yeah, but they always give me rooms. They've never not given me some mutt room. It's just not. But, that, what but that's used. but that's based on your play from the past. No, it's, it's not. Ba- I haven't played. I don't play. No, no. Well, it's from the past. It's not. It's not your play in the present. I'm saying that I that's... got diamond in a day this year on one day, and other than that, besides that failed uh, fold them, hold them, no show them. I haven't played at all in the Caesars property this year. But I can tell you that somebody else who doesn't have the play history you did before that would not be able to get the rooms right now. I, I it's it's not about the tier. I guarantee you, it's not about the tier credits. It's uh, it's about uh, the only time the tier the tier level matters as far as getting rooms is seven stars. Yeah, but you know, what? I think something about the demographic of the fact that I live in Las Vegas helps because I know people that don't live in Vegas and they have hard. When I log in, I always get a mutt room. Whether I'm, I'm telling you because right. you had good you you had a good history before that. It liked your history before that. And your the, computer knows I have a good history. The computer knows, yes, it knows everything. And what the computer's doing here is it's uh, it it only semi trusts you now. It thinks that uh, it it doesn't want to give you too much because it thinks you may just f them and not play. But it also would like to bring you there to some room, to some mutt room, and, and hope you'll play. So it doesn't. It's not completely ready to shut you out. With me, I can live at the Cromwell for five days every week out of the month in January. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So it's a, that, that's why it's doing it. Like with me, if I wasn't seven stars, it wouldn't give me anything. I couldn't even get uh, the quad. I'm not kidding. 
Well, your baby's mother gets better offers than you, if I'm not mistaken. Well, she did, and then she uh, uh, did a lot of no place stays, and that was the end of that. Yeah, she milked it pretty hard. So, by the way, Todd, there is no quad. And oh, uh, I'm sorry, the Link Hotel, and that's not even their lowest property anymore. What's the lowest property now? It's the Flamingo and uh, Harris. Is it Flamingo? I thought they were. Oh, wow, that's, that's even below. And you know why they? Uh, you know why they changed the name of the quad? Yep. What what great marketing geniuses these fucking people are! I know, and it's funny too because it used to be an Asian theme resort. Yeah, <laughs> Todd, do you know why they changed? No, the name? I I just assumed it was a stupid name because no, it's yeah. way deeper than that. Go ahead, uh, my fellow co-host. The number four in Chinese is a homonym for death. The most <laughs> luckiest number. If you look at any baccarat table, there's never a fourth seat. Goes one, two, three, five. And if you look at any modern hotel, the win, the aria, there's no fourth floor and there's no fortieth floor and there's no floor ending in four. Yeah. Because the Chinese are very superstitious about it. So these fucking geniuses, <laughs> let's name the hotel four. <laughs> so all the Asian clientele stop going. You can say whatever you want about the Asian gamblers, but they're very steadfast in their beliefs. They One of them makes a phone call to, to Chong or whoever, and everyone knows. <laughs> They all stopped going. <laughs> so anyhow, it's funny it never got brought up. Why did they change your name so quickly after marketing this new name? Did you ever wonder that? Yeah, I, I, I thought it was just they realized it was a dumb name. It reminded you of like being at uh, a, is, is a college. Is Link's much better than a quad? Well, yeah, because a quad kind of reminds you of like just a public area of a college. It just seems like uh, something cheap. Oh, that's what they were going for. But the other reason the Link is stupid is because – there's also a link, which is the outside shopping thing. Yeah, I know. It's very confusing. Oh, I'm going to meet you at Starbucks at the link. Okay. Well, there's, there's like, I just, can you, you couldn't call it anything now, else? Let's kind of rate real fast since you're talking about these properties. As of right now, what would everyone concur roughly that the ratings are from best, which I guess everyone's going to agree at Caesars, to worst along the Caesars Las Vegas food chain? Well, I'd say it goes to Caesars, then Paris. I agree. Hold on. Caesars. Then Paris. Paris? Yes. I think that could be debatable with Planet Hollywood. Yeah, that, I know they're close, but I say Planet Hollywood is number three. I'm going to disagree and say Planet Hollywood's two. What would you say? Are you saying what I like or what they're charging? No, not but just what do you think is a higher-end quality has more amenities, more restaurants, more – No, just what's best. What, what do you like the best? Oh, just what is a better property? Yeah. What is a higher-end property in your eyes? Yeah, Caesars is number one, obviously. Of course. And then I like the Planet Hollywood better. I agree. Just because, but that's a personal thing. I don't. I'm saying okay, but when I'm saying judgment-wise, you're incorporating the rooms. Yeah. The the nudity of the property, the way it's maintained, the shopping, food, just all the things that make a resort a resort. Planet Hollywood. Paris seems really worn right now. It does seem worn. It hasn't been renovated to refurbish it. Okay, so we agree that that's three right there. So then, then the number four, I think, is Bally's. Really? I mean, it's obviously a, a huge drop. It is a huge there. drop, but I think it's Bally's number four, and and then it's uh, then it gets really tough. Of where's the bottom of uh, of you have the the quad, or the, sorry the link, you have Harris, you have the Rio. So well, I, okay, I would I'm gonna be honest, with you. I would almost put the Rio at the entire bottom of properties. Yeah. I think I really would. Because it's not on the strip. They don't even have room service. Uh, the rooms are just... Now, granted, I haven't stayed at Harrah's in 
about 20 years. Um, so I can't even testify to, you know, how bad the rooms are or what quality. But I, 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 would, I think I'd have to put the Rio dead last. So I don't know about that. The Rio, the rooms, at least in the, uh, in the better tower, in the uh... – what is that one called now? I'm forgetting what it's called. The better Ipanema, the, and the, if, the right? One? The Ipanema and the Masquerade is the worst tower. But the the Ipanema Tower, the, the rooms are pretty big. I mean, it's one in the morning, and we have to go to a fail place and spend eighteen dollars for a, a deli sandwich. I mean, that's all. There's no dining. They haven't updated their dining in a decade. No, the dining's terrible. I agree. But the, as that's far as the room, as, as far as the rooms, uh, you get a fairly large room, so uh, that that may not be. Dead space, and and it, and it was built in the mid '90s, so it's not that old. It's not new, but it's not like it's not like 50 years old. There's eight elevators in the bank. How many, on average, are, are not working? <laughs> no, but it's a, if you went right now to the Rio and you had to wager in an eight bank elevator, how many elevators aren't working? Well, you can't say zero. You no, cannot it'd be, say it'd be, it'd be, it'd be usually. I think it's an average is like 1.5 is not working. But could you walk there <laughs> right now at the same bet like you could at the wind? Or the Aria, or the Blasier, or even the Treasure Island, and say safely, and, and bet a large amount of money that every elevator in circulation is working. No, no. Here's even a better one. Could you go in any? You the... know what? They don't even fix it. They just rope it off. No, no. How, how about this? Tell me, out of eight elevators in the Rio, how many are both working, and all the buttons have numbers yeah. on them? There's no <laughs> buttons that have fallen off. So what do they do? There's no food. The refrigerators in the rooms don't work. They're not replacing replacing filters and, and air conditions. Everyone's miserable. Well, you know why? You know why I don't hate the Rio like, like you guys. I'll tell you why I don't hate the Rio is because the I'm so fun. I'm so familiar with it that I I can I know exactly what to do to avoid a lot of the fail and make the stay okay. Like I know what tower to stay in. I know what floors to stay on. I, I know what type of room to ask for. I, I know how to pressure the maintenance to fix things. Like I, I know how to get things done to where the stay is not terrible. Whereas if you stay in an old beaten up property, there's nothing you can do. Then you're just in a crap place. And there's you know, they spent over half a billion dollars, like 520, 530 in the year and change that, uh, what was it called? Uh, the bill, Bill's Gaming Hall was closed. To put up this chic boutique hotel, they tried to have this propaganda out there that would be in the same kind of conversation as the Cosmopolitan. Okay, they spent all that money. Oh yeah, we forgot the crown. We forgot to even rank That's the crown. Right. We forgot. Now, to, we forgot to I, rank they've it. Sent me. They've sent me tons of offers. I've never stayed there. I've stayed there when it used to be uh, uh, the Barbary Coast. I mean, that was fifteen years ago, twelve years ago. Yeah. Um, I know the rooms are small, but from everything I've been told, the casino is still very, very uh, – it's basically a ghost town. They don't have a lot of games, a lot of variety in there. Um, I mean, they spent a lot of money. They did, and the casino looks nice. I'll say that. And we're still ranking them near the bottom. And, and if you look on Caesar's website, that's the second most expensive property right now. Yeah, it is expensive. More than Planet Hollywood or Paris. It's Sometimes it's more than Caesar's. Which is crazy. Actually, that whole property within a property within a property within a property. Do you know what the highest, I guess you'd say, uh, part of a Caesar's property is or a little – Oh, yeah. I, I, know, I know for sure. It's the Nobu Hotel. Yeah, the no, Nobu uh, 
And then there's do you, when you go online now, do you see things like their Laurel collection? No, no. The, I'll, goes... I'll get to the Laurel collection in a second. But what's weird? I don't. I don't think I could even stay in the Nobu if I wanted to as a Caesar's as a seven star. I think I'm like I can't get that tower. I think I just can't get it. I got there once, but it actually took a. This was back in my seven star heyday, which I'm no longer. But it actually took a host to do it. I don't think. I think in time it will. Just like at first Augustus. The first year it wasn't open to, to anybody. It had, to, or, or at least through like normal reservations, it had to be done by a host. And then, or not Augustus, uh, the, the last one, Octavius. Um, so I do think probably within a year or two years, as it get, continues to get older and older, they'll open it up. But the other thing is the fact there's only a, there's a small amount of rooms in there. Well, I think also there may be some kind of issue with ownership because the, they may have a split deal with Nobu. To where uh, Nobu owns a portion of it, and uh, maybe it complicates matters when they give comps in there. So maybe they have to pay Nobu anyway. So it's different than just giving away their own rooms that uh, weren't going to sell anyway. That makes sense. So, so I, I don't know that. I'm just guessing, maybe because I, I, I don't think I can get it, and I don't know of any other Caesar's property where I cannot get a room or can't get a specific tower. I, I can't get a suite now, for what's, free. What's that Laurel Collection? Okay, so the Laurel Collection, the short answer of what is the Laurel Collection is I don't know. <laughs> and it's not just I don't know. It's that nobody knows. They just they just threw out this Laurel Collection term and never explained it to anyone. They, just, they started calling things the Laurel Collection and never bothered to explain to the customer what that means. You're just supposed to know. You, in fact, you feel stupid reading it because you think you're supposed to know and you don't know. Well, everybody I've talked to does not know, including very frequent visitors to Caesars. So for what I've determined is that the Laurel Collection is their attempt to uh, kind of uh, brand anything high-end in Caesars as part of the Laurel Collection. So the Augustus Tower and the Octavius Tower are the Laurel Collection. Not the Nobu. I guess that's a separate entity. But the, those two are considered part of the Laurel Collection. But that's not the whole thing. Like... Uh, certain restaurants can be considered part of the Laurel Collection, but then they're also not. Uh, certain offers are considered Laurel Collection offers, but then certain other ones are not. It, it's really, really confusing. They, they they don't define it very well. Oh, the that uh, parking lot that was off Flamingo, not the parking lot, but the, the area where you can park and have them valet your car right out of the, fl- the entrance off Flamingo, that was the Laurel Collection entrance. Huh. Now, let me ask you, do you know? I'm sure you do. What the most fam- the most famous Laurel Collection hotel is or room is? No, you really don't know this. Come no. on, I would have bet money you did. No, I don't know what what's the most famous room. You didn't know who Kerry Packer was. I'm gonna. I, I don't know. I'm not even looking at it. But I'm gonna wager that my esteemed co-host here, who's maybe now start giving you a run for your money with knowledge, knows what is the most famous Laurel Collection room. You can see it on on the actual Laurel Collection. No idea. I've, wow. I don't, I've never. I've just heard of the Laura Collection. Now, this is not what it's called, but this is what it's referred to. It's referred to, no pun intended, Todd, I'm sorry, as the Rain Man Suite. Oh, yeah. That's See, a bad name. Oh, well, I know. But <laughs> now, do you know, Todd? No. Come on. Yeah, and Caesars, of course. So we'll tell, yeah, you, you've seen Rain Man, right, Todd? Yeah. You know, the suite it's that the, they stay in. That huge suite that they stayed in after he won all that money. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but what do they, they actually call it that? They actually call it the Rain Man Suite? 
No, but that's what everyone refers okay, to. Okay, I, I thought they were calling it that. I think that's a bad but, name. No. Well, if you look online, it will actually give you a price. You can stay there, and it will say the suite as seen in the movie Rain Man with Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. Uh, that's actually in the description. Well, that's okay. I mean, that's it was a big movie, but okay. So but that's the most famous suite in the Laurel Collection. Okay, I, I didn't know that, but the Laurel Collection. Uh, I once got the funniest offer from them. I, I got this offer. This I don't know, two years ago or so. It was entitled the Laurel Collection, and it had all this imagery of, of luxury and everything in the emailed offer to me. And it involved uh, two free nights or two or three free nights at the uh, at Laurel Collection Room, which is kind of foolish because I already get five if I book through the 800 number in those towers for free. And then $400 worth of dining credit. So I thought, all right, that's not a bad deal. So I figured, okay, I'll, I'll book this and I'll have my $400 worth of dining credit. So I called up and... Uh, I said, yeah, what's this Laurel Collection? They explained, yes, it's the, uh, even like the woman had a hard time explaining to me what exactly it was, but she's saying you can have a room in the uh, Octavius or Augustus, and it's considered their uh, luxury product, and and as part of this Laurel Collection offer, I get $400 food credit. I said, yeah, yeah, that's good. So, okay, let's book it for uh, two weeks from today on on, on Friday night, Saturday night. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, uh, those dates are not available for this Laurel Collection offer. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute This is not like a holiday weekend It's not like a big weekend in Vegas Why is that? She says, well, I don't know It's not available Okay, how about the next weekend? Not available Okay uh, How about the next uh, Actually, we're going to come during the week On uh, Wednesday and Thursday Can we do that? That's not available either So I said, well, what is available? She read me like like I don't know Seven or eight really crappy dates That you could have it So if that wasn't bad enough I said, well, all right, fine. So, like, of the dates she gave me, there was one that we could make. So we took that. So we go through the whole process. And, and keep in mind, again, I'm a seven stars. I get uh, five free nights for free whenever I want as a guaranteed benefit. She says, okay, we're done here. So now I just need your credit card to uh, book the room for $1,100. <laughs> And I said, wait, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm a seven star. You can't, you don't charge me for this. She says, oh, no, no, this is different. This is a special Laurel Collection offer. And that does not correspond with your seven stars benefit. And the price is $1,100. Well, the flyer said nothing about that. She says, well, that's what it is. You just cannot combine that with your seven stars benefit. It just, the package costs $1,100. So I said, so wait a minute. Do you really think it would ever be smart to book three nights and pay $1,100 to get $400 food credit when I could book three nights for free with my seven stars benefit and uh, just spend the $400 on food and save the extra 700 myself? Why would I ever pay $1,100 to get 400 food credit? And she goes, uh, well, um, um, I mean, that's the cost of it. Um, I thought that's just what you wanted. Uh, I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you even book this for me? If you see I'm seven stars, why would you ever book that? Who would ever spend $1,100 to get $400 in food credit? It makes no sense. So she couldn't explain it either, and she felt kind of foolish, and I was kind of mad she wasted my time. Like, you, you, she should see Seven Star and just say, okay, this is not going to be good for you. Right, right. But, but uh, so I got pissed and said, this is ridiculous. I'm kind of frustrated you wasted my time with this. So that was that. So th- I hadn't seen another one of them. They must have run into, because the, the offer said nothing about it. You're going to have to pay. 
And it wasn't just me for like not having good play history with them. It was like everybody would have to pay this price. So can you imagine how many seven stars got this and called and were furious? So that's just another boneheaded thing they did. So I, I don't understand the Laurel Collection. And I've seen on other forums, like, people are posting about the Laurel Collection, and someone goes like, so what exactly is that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. So like, it's very poorly marketed. I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it look like an upscale sort of uh, area of their property, but they're, they, they, they never explained it and no one understands it. Yeah, it's just a marketing gimmick. You know, it's funny when you talk about, like, the levels of Caesars property. I was thinking about this the other day. Don't you think MGM succeeds on every level better than the Caesars properties? Uh, pr- pretty much, yes. The, o- the only thing that's not as, as successful is that uh, the guaranteed benefits of their players' card program right, right, right. are not very good. So, oh, so like, It's only for somebody like you, and, and, and to me, too, to a, a lesser degree, that just wants the perks, only wants to gamble once a year. I mean, if you play there regularly, there are so many properties within MGM's wing of properties. You're never not going to get a room. Well, that well, that and Caesars has more. They have a bigger variety of uh, areas of properties. You can go to so many different areas of the country and go to Caesars property where MGM doesn't have as many. I mean, well, where would you want to go that MGM couldn't provide your property for? Oh, I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, well, I mean, I, the, the major the major markets. Yes, they have them, but you go. There's a lot of uh, smaller markets that. Uh, that don't have properties. So, uh, like, for example, I'm going to go to Harris, North Carolina this year, and they, they don't have any MGM property there. Well, what about, okay, but on the Congress side, Biloxi, Mississippi, do they have Caesars properties there? Yes. Well, we're in Biloxi. Uh, they have, uh, ah. they, they, they have what was called the Grand Biloxi, and they changed the name to something else. They, that, they, after, after the hurricane they, that was done, they never even rebuilt it, I thought. No, no, no. I was there. Uh, which hurricane? Katrina. No, 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 no. I was there in, in 2013. Okay, actually, it's now called Harris Gulf Coast. Yeah, Harris Gulf Coast. I stayed there when it's called the Grand Biloxi in 2013. 2013? Yep. Okay, so you got there. You have MGM properties there. You have Tunica. You have both things there. So other than, say, Rincon and... The Cherokee one, North Carolina. What other regions? Uh, what, what about in Arizona? They don't have that either, right? I'm sure they don't have Arizona. Well, I'm just going to do a search. And then there was also, I know that some of these are closing with Cincinnati and Chicago and... Uh, um, oh, that metropolis, yeah. But I mean... And, and, and then Windsor, Detroit, you know. Yeah, Windsor, Ontario. Yeah. But I'm just saying... In, in just... There, there, is a, there is an MGM Detroit, though, so... But I'm saying in, in more of a realistic approach, you wouldn't even need half those property. Like you would have no reason to ever go to, and to, you know, to stay in a casino in Chicago or Detroit. Like even, you know, I mean, I get what you're saying because if you did go there, you'd have a free place to yes, stay. Yes. But, or or, know, or even some people, even for some people, a free place to gamble where they – not free, but a place to gamble where they earn the same – rewards uh, that they would that affect their home casino. So None of those places would ever be a destination resort for you anyhow. You'd never go there just to be going there. That's not true. See, I, I've, I've been traveling all around the country. No, but what I'm saying is you would never go to an MG or to a Caesars property in Detroit. Why, why would you? You'd never just I go did. I just I did this last year. Doesn't tell me I wouldn't. I did it last year. You went to a Caesars property in Detroit. I went to Caesars Windsor in Ontario, Canada, which is right across from Detroit. Right. What I'm saying is that was a byproduct of you wanting to go to other places. 
You didn't go specifically to visit that casino and make that the focus of your trip. Uh, no, sense. Well, no, that, that it was partially yes, partially no. But I because I have the that once a year trip thing. I I find areas that I would like to visit that they happen to have casinos, and then also go other places from there. Byproduct of you just wanting a launching, you know, a home base. You're not going there to really spend four or five days in a casino as intended. No, no, I don't spend the days in casinos. No, I, no, but no. I, but I also I do look at the, I do sightsee in the area wherever it is. In Windsor. No, I went across and I, no, I went in. I went across into Detroit and did the uh, disaster tourism. Oh, I see. They, they must love that. <laughs> oh, that, that was you talked about that. You were afraid to run around during the at night. Well, I went. Yeah, I went during the day, and then it turned out uh, like two weeks after I was there, there, there was a murder in one of the places I went to uh, of a tourist. <laughs> yeah, but it, but the murder had it occurred to me the same way, I wouldn't have gotten killed because. Uh, the guy, it was outside the, the old Packard plant, which I, I went to, and I could tell that was like one of the worst areas we went to. It was kind of scary over there, but in the Packard plant, uh, some tourist got out of his car and was taking pictures, which which I actually did too over there. But someone ran up and demanded the guy's camera, with you know, pulled a gun and demanded the guy's camera, and the idiot like wouldn't give it up and fought with him and got shot. So I, I would have not have fought to keep my camera with a gun pointed at me. I would have handed it over. So uh, that's, but still, it was a murder. So uh, of, of a tourist there, but but anyway, uh, that's uh, MGM does in general uh, do things better, and and I think there's probably and they maintain their pro- you know I've now I've I've spent a lot of time in both, and you know they maintain their properties better. And to give you more of an example, right now as as we're broadcasting, I'm staying as I mentioned earlier. Uh, in, in the Delano. It's the first time I've actually stayed in this part of Mandalay Bay. Uh, I call, or I sent a text to a host I never met yesterday, asked for a room for three nights, and, I mean, no problem, approved, whatever you need. And what would you say? This is a pretty, you haven't even been back there. How would you describe this? It's pretty nice? Yes, yeah, amazing suite. And, and not only that, I want to tell you something else MGM can do better. MGM still give their they give their hosts power. Like I know somebody who was unhappy with his free play offers, and he went to the host and said, "You know, I'm getting better offers from Caesars," and showed a copy of them and said, "Can you match them?" And the host got the person more free play. If you do this at Caesars, they say no because the hosts really have very little power at Caesars. the The hosts have what's known as RFB power, which stands for uh, room, food, and beverage. So if you want the host to get you. Uh, um, you know, a suite, they can do it, provided your play is good enough. Uh, um, and then they yeah. can get you food and beverage credits, again, provided you've, you've used all your RCs already. Uh, yeah. So they can do that, but they, they can't up your free play or, or really give you any real benefits beyond room, food, and beverage. And yet at the same time, the hosts count on your play for a commission, so they get really irritated if you stay and don't play enough, even though they can't do much for you. So you're in no, this. That's not that's not necessarily true. You got extra free play from them. No, the hosts that you're dealing with, that you're at your level of a player for the most part, are not getting commission. I actually found out a lot about this because I befriended a host that uh, works at the Palazzo, and he explained a lot of how it is in this day and age to me. Um, more or less, somebody like you or me. That isn't betting a significant amount of money. Uh, the, the level of hosts that we're dealing with 
They're not, they're not, they don't have any incentive for us to win or lose. All they have to be able to do is justify the decisions that they're making. So they're not, they're not getting 3%, 5% off your Theo or even off, off your actual, you know, actual loss. Uh, it, it doesn't even matter to them. So, so I, have a, I have a question then. So why, why when I, I stay so many times and don't play and become what's known as overcomped, why are the hosts seem very irritated with me when I call? Like they don't. They have bosses as well, and they have to be able to justify every comp, every room, everything that they do. It has nothing to do with that. They're irritated because they're not making money off you because they're not. Hundred percent. Well, no, I'll give, no, I'll give you an example. I don't mean when I ask for things. I understand that. I understand the justification. I knew about that. But what what I mean by irritating is like I call up and I say like I, I you need the host to be able to book your uh, uh, your seven star yeah. trip, and and that's a guaranteed benefit. So there's nothing to justify with their boss. They have to do it. But like I asked them to do it, and I could tell like they really, really. I've run into like like last year I got a nice one who uh, who was very cooperative and helped me, but I could tell she was just nice. Uh, but most of them act really irritated, like I'm just bothering them, which I kind of am. But but I'm thinking, I thought they're bothered by me because they know that uh, I'm not going to give them any play. So it's not like I'm going to generate anything for them. So so I'm really just putting them through busy work with a guaranteed benefit. You but, kind of are, but that but it's not for the reason that you're thinking. It's not because you know you're thinking they're not going to get any money from you in that way. But another thing I've learned. And I mean, I kind of known this for a while, but a lot of these hosts, the money that it's a place like Caesars, the way they derive their income, especially these middle, you know, entry level hosts are by tips, which you're never going to do. Like people would actually give their host, you know, come Christmas time, holiday time. A lot of these hosts, that's when they make their fortune because their customers are coming to town. They're going to give them an envelope with a couple hundred dollars, sometimes much more in it. Um, so a lot of it is they feel like they're doing busy work for you. They see, of course, in the computer that you're smart and intelligent and you're just milking the system. And, of course, that annoys them. And then you just have a lot of these people that are burnt out. You know, hosts are kind of in a way like, I don't know, major league baseball managers or maybe even any sport. It's very, very rare in today's day and age that you'll see a host that's been at the same property now for a long amount of time. These hosts are moving around all the time. They get fired here. Then they show up here. You know, somebody comes into Caesars and they fire 30, 40 hosts. I mean, I've never met a host that hasn't worked at five, six different properties. As I've gotten to know hosts more and more, uh, you know, I've understood how the business aspect of it is in this day and age. And it's a lot different than it was, you know, years and years ago. But the host that you're referring to that actually will get money off your play Okay, they're independent contractors. And well, what yeah, I know about is, them, yeah. Yeah, and, but, and that's, those are the only hosts that you're going to deal with in today's day and age that are getting comps. And they bring players, whether it's either on junkets or just individuals, and this is probably the most cutthroat business there is in Vegas, but they bring individuals, whether it's to the Hard Rock, it could be to, to you know a property and then their direct competition the next day. But that is that's how they derive their income. Uh, but like I said, the people that you've dealt with at Caesars, I've dealt with. They're on a salary. At the best, they have some sort of bonus structure. But believe me, they're not getting. You know, we were sitting there playing the bot back in the day. They weren't getting three, five, seven percent based on how we did against the bot, and they were sitting there rooting for us to lose. Just doesn't work that way.
No, I thought I didn't think they were doing that. I thought they were getting based on the theoretical, and the and uh, I, I knew that they got in trouble if they gave you too much. Uh, and uh, but uh, I didn't Just think about the kind of money they would make. If they're getting three five percent, no, I, I didn't think it was necessarily three or five percent. I just knew they. I thought they were getting some percentage, even if it was one or two percent. Just with some of these hosts have a thousand people that they're taking care of. Well, okay, but it could be some much smaller. It doesn't have to be one percent. It could be less right. than one percent. It, it can be any percent. But but the point is that uh, I thought it was always tied there, and I thought the reason they seemed to have a disdain for me was because they knew I wouldn't be making them any money. And and at the same time, at the properties where I do. Uh, typically put in play when I go there, such as in New Orleans or or the Rincon or Lake Tahoe, uh, they tend to uh, they tend to be nicer because they look at my play there. They don't give as much of a crap that I don't play in Vegas. For all you know, in your account, it could be notated that you're a plus EV gambler, and they see that, and they just don't want the headache of dealing with somebody like you that they know you're never going to shoot off. But what, but what's but I know, but what's the downside for them if they're not getting a commission for it? The downside is just like anything else, they have a boss too that they have to justify the decisions that they make. There's a you know allotted amount of money. I know, I know, but th- but then I'm asking about things like a guaranteed seven star benefit that they have to do, and they and they no, bust, that, bust. they're just they're just you know being being a prick to you, and they just don't want to go through the phone calls, and and you know you know how it is if you want a Gatorade, and, and from Caesars <laughs> they have to, one department has to wait on hold for 45 minutes for another department to answer. I know I mean, they're lazy, a, just like any. You know, I kind of think about hosts at Caesars. I kind of relate them to being poker dealers at the Commerce. They're just kind of beat down. I mean, they're making enough money to survive, but not all that great. You know what I mean? They're just a lot of them are just beat down. You know, they just don't even care. They kind of lost whatever passion they may have. Some of them do had. definitely seem like they're beat down. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. So it's not they just like oh, you know, they just want to coast through their day. You're calling them, and then they have to submit the paper. You know how that works. You want to get a travel well, reimbursement. But, but not only that, I, 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 I make it so easy for them because I do all the work in, in selecting the flight, and I like tie up the whole thing, and they just have to like forward a few just things. Sending you a Christmas card. <laughs> I, 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 they should be. I, I do so much work for them. Like a lot of people just call up, okay, book my trip here, and then they've got to go through all the hassle. Here I've, I have everything. I send it to them and hand it to them on a silver platter where they just have to basically forward the letter back to the travel agency and say, yes, we approve. That's like all they have to do. And I book my own room, like I do everything, and they still seem annoyed with me. I mean, have you been dealing with the same host for an extended period of time? No, no, that's the other thing. They're always dropping me. Like I have a host coded to me, and then they're always dropping me. And I always, I always assumed that the reason they're always dropping me is because I'm negative value to them, and and they're overall you are negative value to them. I mean, you don't tip them. No, but how am I negative if they're not getting commission? If they're getting commission, I see why I'm negative. But uh, if they're not getting commission, I, I'm I'm at worst zero value, but I'm not negative. But there is some reason they're actively dropping me. Like I'll have a host coded to me for a short time, and then I check a few months later and they're just gone. And in fact, people can't believe it because they see I'm a seven stars with no host. I mean, you don't know how many different hosts have left. Maybe they have a different job. I mean, they're no, no, they don't. They're still there. Like they're I, still I've there. I've never heard of a situation where a host could just drop a. Yes, paper. no, I've, I've had that. I know they're still there because I've seen them around. Like Wait, I, so I, not only, I mean, I've I've gone into Caesars three hundred, five hundred times. I've never seen my host once. Oh You're, no, I've seen them. I, I've seen them, and I, I know they're 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 there for sure. And they they actually drop me off, and I. I've never been able to figure out. I, I I thought well, I did. I thought I did figure it out. I thought it was that I'm negative value because they get a commission based upon you know total play versus total comps they give, 
And if the if, why if, do you simply just ask why am I being dropped? You get an answer from like your new host. Uh, because I I, I don't want to I I think I don't want the answer. Like I, I when I say I don't want the answer, I don't mind hearing it myself, but I don't want them to have to give the answer and think about it, and then uh, possibly if your benefits are already guaranteed, and of course you're not the only one that does this. You're not the only person. You're far. You know, far I don't. I know. I'm not. But the thing is, I, I'm in this weird situation where I'm not doing anything against the rules, and and uh, and and their computer will show everything with with what my play is and and when I do play and when I don't play and where I play and where I don't play. But I, I don't like making waves when I'm not uh, the type of customer they really want. Not really making waves. I mean, when they basically promoted the fact that you can earn the highest tier level in such a quick amount of time, you know, again, you're not. You're far from the only person that's circumventing. No, I I know, but I'm tell, I'm telling you, I just don't like when it's something that's. Uh, well, what you're saying basically is you're afraid you're just going to revoke everything and say get fucking lost. Yes, they, they can do that if they say if they say, right if they if they look and say hey we don't really happen, like we, we don't like you as a customer you haven't broken any rules you haven't done anything illegally you haven't broken our own rules but but we just we've determined we don't make any money off of you so. Get lost. Like, I, I don't want the whole thing to be looked into. I'd, I'd rather just, like, if hosts want to drop me, let them drop me. I don't need them anyway. I, to be honest, I, I just had this discussion on another forum, uh, and, and other people agreed with me who don't even do what I do, that the 800 number for Caesars is much more pleasant. That is provided you get the U.S. You know, if, you, if you're a diamond, you get the – a diamond or lower, you get the Philippines. If you're seven yeah, stars – tell me that. I didn't know that. Yeah, seven stars, you, seven stars, you get the U.S. Though you can ask for the U.S. and they'll transfer you. You've got to always make sure you get the U.S. But the U.S. people, the ones that are based out of Vegas at the 800 number, they're very helpful. And if, and if they're not, then you ask for the supervisor and they're even more helpful. And what's great about them is they can't see anything about your play – at the hotel side. So they're very, very helpful. All they see is diamond or seven stars, whatever you are. And then they really try to bend over backwards to help you. And they actually have a surprising amount of power, not as much as a host, but close. So they can push a lot of things through and they want to be helpful. And I, so I, what I always get from them in the 800 number is that they want to be helpful and they want to make things work. Whereas hosts want to find a reason to tell you, no, and and that's I not only did I find that, but I thought, well, maybe it's because I'm yeah I'm always trying to extract the maximum comps here. Maybe they're just kind of tired of me, and and at this 800 number they don't realize it. But then other people chimed in on the forums who weren't like me, who were you know people who played every trip, and they said, yeah, I, I like the 800 number so much better with my host. It's always such a hassle, and they don't get back to me, and they don't they don't book what I want. They don't give me enough nights, and I call the 800 number, and they go, okay, five nights booked, sir, and the whole thing takes five minutes on the phone call. Like the, and I go, yeah, that's my experience too. Like the the eight hundred number is so much better, it's it's like day and night between dealing with them and dealing with hosts. So, uh, it, it's. Well, you know, I know you're not going to do this, but I will give you some advice. I can promise you, if you, you know, next time you come out here, if you find whoever your host is, or you kind of get a relationship with the host, simply just put one or two, maybe three crisp hundred dollar bills in an envelope, hand it to them, shake their hand, tell them you appreciate what they've done for me. I can promise you. Their attitude and their level of what they're willing to do to help you is to go a lot farther. Well, it just might be. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give. Hold on. I'll give you an answer to that. I did this once. Now I didn't give a huge tip, but I gave. So what happened was, I got dropped by a host, and this is back when I was playing pretty actively. This was uh, I was playing the bot a whole lot in in, uh, in 2013. So uh, I got dropped by one host, and another picked me up. 
without me even asking, one just kind of picked me up and introduced herself, and uh, she seemed very nice. So I took a shot because I was going uh, for New Year's. I wanted to get a second room for my parents to stay there, and I said, uh, can I have a second room? And uh, whereas the previous host was always saying no to me about everything, she said yes and, and, and booked it. Well, so I was appreciative about that and thought, okay, this is a much more cooperative host. I don't want to screw this up. So I, I, uh, when I met her in, uh, on that same trip, the New Year's trip, I, I gave her $100, which isn't huge, but at least it's something. I didn't like I gave her 20 or something. You know, I gave her 100 bucks, And uh, so she said thank you. She acted like she was happy with it. And uh, after that, uh, like nothing really improved. You know, I didn't play that much. And uh, within a few months, uh, she dropped me. Like it wasn't like it wasn't like she remembered. Oh, this guy tipped me. I better keep doing things for him. It was like once my play dropped, and I had a few no place days in the beginning. But of... How many how many times did you even say you've been dropped? It sounds like I never even knew. I've been dropped like a... four times. Wow. Yeah, and I, and and again, I, these aren't people I've argued with. It's not, it's not like I'm a jerk, and it's not like and I'm not demanding at all because in fact I avoid the hosts. I I actually try to use the eight hundred number. Did they tell you you've been dropped? No, they actually, who's that? No, it's 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 almost like uh, if you ever dated someone and they don't like they don't say I'm breaking up with you or I don't want to see you again. It's just like they stop taking your phone calls and you're you're just like not with them anymore and you don't know it until they're just kind of avoiding you. Yeah, there's actually a term for that now. It's called ghosting. Yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, I've heard that term. That's right. Uh, but I guess the point I'm making is, how do you know definitively that none of them? Left got other jobs because I see them around at Caesars in a host in the host office and things like that. I even once I even once uh, almost like seeing an ex girlfriend when it's uncomfortable. I, I once needed a favor done at the Rio, and the host that they call out on duty was the one that, one of the first one that dropped me. Now, when you say a hundred bucks, Todd, was that in uh, like Rio food credits? <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe it was, it was in ten dollar vouchers I got from Kevmath. No, no, it was a, like a crisp hundred dollar bill, and uh, so that's why I'm, I, I my theory from this, and is I'm really surprised to hear this. And by the way, Brandon, I have to tell you that sometimes the hosts, when they're talking to you, they're either bullshitting or they they tell you things that they think are true or are. It's really weird because, like I I've had conversations with hosts before, and they seem so sincere with they're telling me the way things work. And and then it turns out I find out later they're just completely bullshitting me, not even for well, a good reason. And again, that could be true, but this is someone that I've spent time with outside of where he works. So I, I wouldn't have any reason to believe he was being dishonest to me. That's he's like, done a lot of favors for me. And, and, and I mean, I, I just I wouldn't have any reason to think he's lying. But like, uh, like here, I'll give you an example. At the Rincon where I do have a good play history. There there have not been many times I've come there and not played. When I go there, usually I'm, I'm going there to play and, and earn credits and everything. So I have good history there. Uh, when I went there, I, I had this ordeal earlier in the year where I wanted to stay five consecutive nights, and, and they could only give me four. And the 800 number couldn't help me like it normally can because the Rincon is kind of shut off from the 800 number. You've got to always book through hosts if you want comps there. So it's an, it's an Indian property. It's a different situation. So they could only give me four nights comps, even though I had a good history. So I spoke to my host and I said, okay, how about you don't promise me the fifth night, but how about you promise me it contingent upon the heavy play that I'm promising I'm going to do? And I knew I would do it because I was there to earn tier credits, so I knew exactly what play I was going to put in. 
So I said, how about if I earn such and such amount of tier credits, I put in such and such amount of coin in here, that uh, then you'll guarantee the fifth night comp. So this way you're not risking anything. You're not risking you're getting me a fifth night and then having me just screw you. That you we will have the gentleman's agreement that if we if I play as much as I say I'm going to, then you'll give me the fifth night. If I don't, then don't give me the fifth night. So believe it or not, that was a big problem. And they said we can't do this until you've actually played, and then we'll look into it. So it's just a crappy answer, but I I had no choice. So I I, I did the four nights. And I just told them as I did it. I said I did my four nights, but if you guys if you guys deny me the fifth after what I promised, I do what I promised. And you still deny me. I'm never going to come back. So, and you lose this action forever. So, I did the the play. After three nights, of, three days of which I did, I came to them and said, "Look, I've got to know about the fifth night at this point. We're on the last day, and you'll see I played what I promised." Well, the host that I was dealing with was off that day. So they gave me a different host to talk to, and he came down, and he seemed very nice, and he seemed very uh, sincere, and seemed like he really wanted to help me. And he said he'd look into it for me and everything, and then came back and said, well, I have some bad news for you. I looked into this, and unfortunately, he said, I'd love to give you that fifth night, but unfortunately, it's a matter of California state law. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, California state law, they have something to protect from the casino taking advantage of addicted gamblers. And something that they, California has done is they've made it illegal to comp more than four consecutive days because they don't want the casino just giving people just, you know, so many days they can feel like they're living there and just have them blow their whole fortune. So for that reason, they've required that uh, the most they can give consecutively is four days. So unfortunately, if we gave you that fifth day, it would be breaking the law. We're really sorry. I mean, it was a very specific story he gave me, which I believed because, it, like, how are you going to make something like that up? So I said, he said, he suggested, why don't you pay for the fifth night with your rewards credits and then see if your host can reimburse those rewards credits afterwards? So my response to that was, <laughs> I, I said, absolutely not. I said, I said, there's got to be some way to do this. Uh, you know, so, but he said, you know, I, I'm telling you they're going to deny it. The California state law, blah, blah, blah. I already tried. I've, I've, I found out about this. So. I, I it was looking pretty grim. Finally, I got a hold of my host on his cell phone on his off day. And then he called and left me a message back that magically they got me the fifth night. But this was only after, like, I went back and forth with them. Like, I, I think I reached him and uh, I left him a message. He called me. Then I, I emphasized to him how important it was to get the fifth night. And then he called me back and, and said, yeah, it's, it's set. You have the fifth night. So that was BS about the California state law. Like this guy tells me this whole convoluted story about the California. I got to be honest, and I'm not being mean here. I'm really not. I just think in general from these stories you're telling me, I'm just getting the perception that these people just don't like you. None of them do. Um, I could live my life ten more times over, and I'd never had the experiences that you're telling me. But this guy had no reason not to like me. He didn't know me. This is a new host who's never done it. I don't think it's – Running bad. It has to be more than that. No, it's not. I'm telling. Listen here. I'm not really, truly, not being mean. No, you don't have to be mean. I, you, something yeah. that you're doing differently because I've had experiences with all these casinos and hotels and hosts, and I've never run into a fifth of the problems that you continually run into. I, I just well, see. Let me tell you, that's not true. I've I've heard from people. I don't know about you personally, but I'll sometimes po- I'll post these things. I'll post these things on on other forums where there's a lot of discussion of this type of stuff. And then there will be a number of people chiming in, not not all of whom are bonus whores, but there's many people who are just like regular average players who just show up there and play whatever. 
including ones that play like slots and other things that are really bad value. And they they've respond, yeah, I've had the exact same situation, they'll say. Like, like, like I've heard – like there's been so many people who echo what I've gone through with these type of stories that I know it's not just me. And, and also this, this host who came down, I'd never dealt with him before. I didn't have any kind of bad history with the host there. I had a good play history, so it's not like I was known as a guy who was just a bonus whore that was never playing at all. Uh, so for whatever reason, they just didn't I mean, want to do it. They're just dropping you left and right, and they're making up new no, laws. No, 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 no. no. It's, 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 at Caesars, it's, you're, you're mixing two you. stories. You're mixing two stories. In, at Caesars in Las Vegas, in the Rio in Las Vegas, there they have a reason to drop me because I never play there. Because the games suck. That's why I don't play there. Uh, the, but at, at, at right, the, but I'm just talking in, in terms of generalities. I mean, if, if you think a host in California is really making up some fictitious state law, then there's a problem somewhere. Well, no, I think the problem was they 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 were told by their bosses that the Rincon is known to be they're known to be very petty and very cheap over there because it's, it's run by the Indian tribe. I know somebody who was banned from the Rincon. Not banned, but banned from offers where he did get he got no offered. Right, because he got no fight with Bob Newhart. Yeah, pretty much. Like you know, he got he got no offered because he criticized the Rincon on his forum, like that. When, like not even that bad a criticism. Like he just uh, he just posted some things that were critical of the way they ran things. Apple and, leaders on his MacBook Pro Air late at night, drunk, reading it, and he's like, oh, let's ban this motherfucker." <laughs> yeah. So so right. So that's that's what happened. So so the thing is, they're. they're they they were probably under some pressure there not to give five consecutive nights unless it's like a huge whale. So so probably after I really put the screws down on him, they're like, well, okay, he put two hundred twenty five thousand in coin in in these few days. You know, let, let's just give the damn thing to him. But they probably were under a lot of pressure to say no. So the guy made up the bullshit about California. I I I can I can see. I, I'm perceptive enough to see. Usually, when someone is doing something out of dislike for me, or when they're doing it because they've gotten a directive above to just do this to everybody. And, and uh, I, I can get the feeling. That's why I, I, I'm telling you that I can. There's been times I've dealt with people where I'm sure, even though they've said nothing explicitly about it, I'm sure they don't like me. Maybe they don't like me personally. Maybe they don't like the what they see of the notes of me or whatever or, or my stats. But they don't like me. But there's others I, I, that have dealt with me and said no, where I can tell it's not personal. Maybe it just says in your file, difficult customer. It, it's possible, but uh, I, I don't think that's what it is. I, I, I think that it's uh, – I think what happened there, I'm telling you, is that they they seemed very sketchy about the fifth night, and there was no reason – especially the Indian tribe there, which is so money-grubbing and so badly wanting every dollar out of each person. If, if Believe me, they're going to want me there with the way I was playing. So uh, I, I think they're just under some directive not to do that fifth night. They're just kind of customer hostile over there. And Plus, you're saying they kind of promised it to you and then kind of took it away? No, they didn't promise. They, they That was the whole thing. They were sketchy from the very beginning saying, we can't promise, but you know, there's a very good there's a good chance you'll get it. You'll, we have to look at your play. I can't just right, – you know, right. and, and, and the excuse was – it was actually a good excuse they gave. They said, the computer generates this, so until you actually play and I can see what the computer generates, I, I can't tell you what it's going to say. And, and out of curiosity, how much would this fifth night would have cost out of, out of pocket? Uh, I never got to find out because whatever it was was unacceptable. What would you guess it? No, I mean, what I don't. What's a fifth non-weekend night there? Uh, like a hundred and change, maybe. Uh, yeah, probably around a hundred dollars, probably. So yeah. it wasn't staggering money, but it was the principle that oh, I'm going to go there and give that type of action. 
uh, they're not going to charge me a freaking fifth night. You know, that's, that's a joke. In all fairness, if they never promised you a fifth night for free, then I kind of don't really think you have a leg to stand on. Wait a minute. No, I don't have a legal leg to stand on. But I have a, no, I, even an ethical leg because they basically held their end of what they told you. If they, you know what I mean? No, 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 because they they should have an idea there. If I put in this much play, if that's not going to be enough, they should tell me up front. Like a, they should, it's one thing to say, we've we got to wait to what the computer says, but I, you know, I have a feeling you should probably get it. I mean, here, here the guy is just saying, well, I don't know. He, he's got to know from all his experience what the computer's going to say after you put 225000 in coin in, in four days. He's got to know that. Like he, he can't know for sure, but he's got to know. He's got to have a ballpark figure for whether that would qualify or not. You know what you're playing. That they know you're not playing some goldfish machine. They know that you're probably playing the best returnable slot machine they have in the entire. It, it doesn't matter. It still generates enough Theo with 225 coin in that uh, 225k coin in that. That should be enough right, money. But, but, right. But what I'm saying is, you keep stating over and over that they should want me to stay with the play I'm giving them. But at the same time, you're, you're actually playing probably smarter than any other gambler in there. I am, but I'm still playing, and they're still expected to beat me. They didn't beat me because I got lucky, but they were uh, they were expected to beat me for uh, for enough money to where it's definitely worth having me there. Like if I own the casino, I would want me there for that. And you know, like like if I own the casino, I would not want players like me very much. But this was a case where I would want a player like me there. What is this you're playing? Twenty five dollar hand uh, video poker? No, I was playing. Well, sort of. I was playing a five play of five dollars each hand, so it's twenty five dollars of uh, of what was known as double super times pay. Which is a ninety-nine point six seven percent return machine. So what, one hundred twenty-five a spin? No, no, twenty-five a spin. Because it's five times five. Oh, oh, okay. It's every. Oh no, sorry, it wasn't five times five. It was five times two fifty. It was it was seventeen fifty a spin. Well, that's not really that high. I mean, not, I'm not being rude, but that's that's. But I mean, I guess if you spend, a, I mean, how many hours are you playing a day? Well, it was five times. It was sorry, it wasn't five times. It was five times uh, three. Uh, I think three seventy-five or something. Something like that. And how many hours are you playing of this? So you're talking less than sixteen a spin. Five times three fifty. That's what it was. So it was seventeen fifty a spin. But don't forget the hours. I I was I I knew the coin in I was going to be putting in because I, I calculated that for the tier credits I needed. So I was putting in uh, two hundred twenty five thousand in coin in. That's a lot. Yeah. Like like if you just break out the calculator. And you look at uh, even if, and by the way, the, their Theo was incorrect on their since it was a multiplay machine. It, it was not differentiating between which game you were playing, so the Theo they had down for me was actually much higher than it actually should have been. So, uh, but even if you take the actual Theo, which is uh, you know point zero zero three three times uh, two twenty five thousand, which is the Theo. You still get uh, seven hundred forty-two dollars. So that's uh, you know having me there has an expected loss of seven hundred forty-two dollars, and that's uh, plenty for five nights. So, and that's if I play perfectly. And they, by the way, one thing about the Theo you may not realize, they don't calculate the Theo based upon perfect play, because they assume most people don't play perfectly. Even the even the good players will make a mistake here and there. And also, there are some obscure plays you have to do, like like based upon what they call penalty cards and other stuff in video poker, that that most people don't make, that bring down your theoretical a little bit lower. So, like a machine that's like ninety nine point five four percent return, they don't calculate your Theo based on that; they calculate it on a lower number. 
So, but uh, so the theoretical I generated for that trip was like eighteen hundred. They told me, or no, or maybe more than eighteen. It was it was something pretty high, it was something like around two thousand or more. So the, that's why to give me a fifth night was it was nothing. So I, I I'm telling you like I. I know when someone doesn't like me when they don't, when they do and when they don't in these situations. And this was not, this was just someone who just didn't want to do something I was asking. and just making up stories. I've also had hosts who have not even been making excuses to me, but like trying to tell me the th- way things work. And then it turns out they're completely wrong. Like not even like where they have to give an excuse to me for something, but they're just like going to like give me information about something. And it turns out I, I find out later it's totally wrong. So I think, I think a lot of them are just kind of clueless. So that's why I don't completely trust what the guy told you. Maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong. I just, uh, I, I'm just telling you from my personal experience, I, I'm very surprised. I'd be very surprised if these hosts are not making commission uh, off off my play because that seems to be why they're so uncooperative. Otherwise, they wouldn't care. So, uh, so you want to talk about Trump now? Uh, did we lose uh, Brandon? Oh, Brandon, he, he he stormed out of the room. Okay. Well, it happens. He said, he said this is bullshit. It happens. I've, not the first time that's happened to me. <laughs> Trader Risky, still awake? Hmm. Well, we, oh. lost, we lost him in a different way. Yeah. I think I think how he never hangs up, he just falls asleep. Oh, poor little guy. He's all tuckered out. <laughs> he just falls asleep. I, I've had that before where I've fallen asleep, like text messaging. Like I'm texting with someone and then... I just wake up and the phone's next to me, and then I think, wait a minute, how did we end the conversation? And then I look over and I either never ended the conversation or I like said something really strange at the end that had like weird typos or wrong words in there, and then I just never answered them after that. But uh, I think maybe that's kind of what Trederuski does. He just kind of fades out, but not enough to hang up. Well, here, let's, let me give you a quick tip about a cable modem problem you might have. Uh, believe it or not, in, in uh, 2015, almost 2016, there are many people who do not have reliable Internet in the United States. And I'm not talking about poor people. Even our own esteemed C-Money, who uh, is very financially successful, was dealing with major Internet problems. That his cable modem kept resetting and basically kicking him offline all the time. And he'd have the cable company come down, and they'd look, and they'd say, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. And he went through this over and over and over, and he'd yell at their customer service, and they'd send someone down again, and then nothing would get done. It's very frustrating. It's very frustrating when they keep coming down to fix an intermittent problem, and then they run some tests and say, nope, don't see anything here, or they make some kind of very minor adjustment that doesn't help. So he posted about how he found the solution on his own. And he bought something on his own, which he may have been able to get for free anyway from the cable company. But, you know, this is C-Money. He just wanted to solve the problem, and I don't blame him there. But he went and got a signal booster off of Amazon, which was $54. And this solved his problem. Uh, This is the one he got is what's known as Motorola Signal Booster four-port cable modem TV HDTV amplifier with active return cable modem boost. Uh, You could also just enter into Amazon cable modem signal booster and it'll come up. Uh, 
Uh, this one is uh, $51.10 in free shipping. In fact, I think it went down by $3 since I last looked. The cable company will often give you this for free if you ask for it. So you don't necessarily have to buy it off Amazon. That's kind of the last resort. But what's probably likely is that your signal to your cable modem from the cable company is not strong enough. And it needs a single signal booster. Now, I had forgotten when when C-Money posted this thread, I had forgotten that when I had some cable modem issues, also with Cox Cable, like he did, uh, they came down and brought a signal booster after a few unsuccessful visits before that. And that was what fixed the problem. And I totally forgot that because I've had other problems with uh, the cable company where, where that wasn't done. And for some reason, I didn't think back to when they put in the signal booster. So I thought, oh, yeah, that's, they solved it for me back then, too. So... If you're having issues with your cable modem, and I'm, this is not obscure because like three or four people on Poker Fraud Alert posted back to see money saying, oh, crap, I had that problem too. I'm going to try this. Another person posted that they had this problem, also got a signal booster, and it fixed it. So if you're having a problem with your cable modem that's cutting out, where it's just abruptly losing service, and I don't mean like once in a blue moon. I mean like if it's a regular thing for you, if this is happening once a week or more, especially if it's happening a few times a week. Uh, you probably need a signal booster. You should also try getting a new cable modem, but often that's not going to help. If the signal's bad, the signal's bad. So get a signal booster. Ask the cable company to bring one to you for free. They usually will, especially if you make a big deal over it. But if they absolutely won't, then buy this one on Amazon. Install it yourself. It's very easy. You just uh, hook up the wires to it. And that should fix the problem. Not for sure, but... Fixed E-Money's problem, it's fixed other people's problems, it fixed my problem years ago. And that's a good solution. Now, if you have uh, Verizon Fios or any other kind of uh, fiber optic internet service available in your area, I would recommend that. It's much better, it has very few outages. Uh, Trader Risky, do you have, uh, what do you have for the uh, internet? What am I doing? He fell asleep. Never mind. I see him on here. I just, like, I want to ask him. So, yeah, so that's my little tip, especially if you play online poker. It's a killer if your signal dies. That was a courtesy of C-Money, so thank you to him for that. Star Wars 7 is coming out. I think it's December 18th. I think it's coming out, uh, well, technically in one day now. Now it's the 17th of December. And I saw the original Star Wars in the theater in 1977 as a five-year-old. I watched it again when I got a little older and appreciated it more. I liked it when I was five, but I didn't understand everything. But uh, a lot of people are excited about Star Wars 7, and the early reviews of it, the ones who have seen it uh, in the pre-screenings, are very good. Unlike the prequels which were disliked by many people and seen as inferior to the original trilogy the star wars 7 has been well received so far but we'll see when wide audiences see it on friday but i am not going to be one of those people on friday who's there on the first day to see it the reason i'm well there's several reasons number one is I, I don't want to go through all the hassle. I don't want to stand in gigantic lines for hours and all, all that other crap. I, I don't want to get some crappy seat in the theater because other guys waited 
10 hours longer than I did. I just, I don't want it. It's not worth it to just say I saw it on the first day. Who cares? I'll wait a little bit longer. But another reason I don't want to see Star Wars on the first day is because I absolutely hate having the Star Wars nerds in the theater who hoot and holler over every little callback to the original film. So I don't want to hear cheering every time a character from the original Star Wars trilogy appears on the screen. I I don't need to hear all the stupid reactions these fanboys are having to every little scene that they think speaks to them. I've never been obsessed with Star Wars. I really liked it as a kid. I had all the action figures and the Millennium Falcon and all that. So I really liked Star Wars, but as an adult, I haven't been obsessed with it. It's something I have an interest to see. I I will see it. But I I didn't run out on the first day to see any of the prequels, and I'm not going to run out on the first day to see this. I want to be away from all the Star Wars nerds who are going to annoy me in the theater. You know, going to a baseball game is a much different experience than watching it on TV. When you go to a Dodgers game, I, I know people who hate watching baseball on TV but really enjoy going to the game in person because it's a different experience. You have the, the crowd cheering, and uh, you can feel the energy and excitement of 50,000 people in the stadium all cheering for the same thing you are. And it's a much different experience than watching it in your home. But I find that going to movies like Star Wars in the theater is the exact opposite that when you watch a movie, you want to immerse yourself in it and forget about the people around you. You don't want to hear clapping. You don't want to hear uh, ooing and aahing over things. You just want to watch the movie. You just want to have the movie in front of you and kind of live the movie, almost as if you're in there part of it. And you can't do that with idiots around you making noise. Even if it's cheering for things in the movie, you just don't want it. At least I don't want it. So the movie theater experience is different than the home experience uh, just because of the the sound system and the size of the screen. It's different than watching it at home, even with a big screen at home. I actually have a 100-inch projection system here where a little projector goes on a, you know, puts a 100-inch HD picture on a screen. So I have a nice thing to watch movies on here. But uh, it's still not the same as being in a theater where, of course, the screen's much, much bigger than that and and the sound system's better. And uh, so that's a nice thing to have, but only when there's not people disturbing you. And I, I, I just have never liked when people get too into the whole movie where they've got to get so excited with every scene. I can't think of any movie I've been that into where I can't contain myself, even something I've really looked forward to, even something I think is really good. Uh, I think this has even been made worse in recent years because, you know, back in the 80s, being a nerd or a geek actually meant something. And when I say it meant something, um, it was looked down upon by some people. But at least the people who were nerds and geeks then were genuine. But but now it's like it's like a badge of honor. It's like you know, like if you think of Revenge of the Nerds, the movies that came out like in the eighties, uh, 
the nerds were, were glorified in a way, but they were also kind of derided in a way, even by the movie. But but nowadays, the, the nerds and the geeks, they uh, they wear it as a badge of honor, and it seems like some of them want to out-geek and out-nerd each other by doing things like uh, cheering for every scene in a Star Wars movie. And I find the whole thing off-putting. I really do. Uh, if you really are a nerd or a geek, you don't have to flaunt it. You just are one. It, it just has to do with your interests. And that's fine. And it's fine to want to associate with other people who have those type of interests that are common with yours. You just, I, I just think that uh, wearing it as a badge of honor and trying too hard to be a nerd or a geek. I, I've always hated when, uh, you know, I've never, I haven't used dating sites in many, many years. And even when I did, I was barely on them before I would delete my account. But I always hated seeing things like uh, when girls write that they're a nerd, they're a geek. It's just, again, it's just like a phony thing to try to appeal to, to men who they think are going to like girls who are like that. But it's just one of those things I think you shouldn't be bragging about. You should just, if that's what you are, that's what you are. And it's fine if you embrace that side of your personality, but you shouldn't try to be. You shouldn't try to be a nerd or a geek, but a lot of people these days are. And uh, and you see that at these Star Wars films. So I find it annoying. And this is from someone who uh, has had a lot of interests over my life that uh, would be described as nerdy or geeky interests. But still, that I, I get annoyed by that, <laughs> especially because I, I compare and contrast it to what I remember from the '80s, and it's completely different now, and not in a good way. Let's see what the chat's saying. I haven't watched looked at the chat very much. This is about Caesars. JSAT says, I've slammed the private equity owners of Caesars Entertainment on YouTube for their unsavory method of purchasing the casino chain through public pensions in 2008. They seem out of their way to make my... They seem to out of their way to make my visits pleasant. Hmm. Uh, Hotshot74 saying... uh, No, he's making a joke that... uh, that I, I created a site called uh, Caesar's Casino Host Yelp Review.com. <laughs> now, I really try to stay away from these hosts. Like, I don't want to bother them. Like, I kind of feel like they're not going to do much for me, so I don't want to bother them. It's, it's really the truth. I'd rather just get it done quickly, whatever I need to get done, either by doing things my own on the computer or uh, using the 800 number. I most prefer to make my own reservations on a computer and never deal with a human being at all. But if I have to, because the computer won't let me, I'll do it with the 800 number. I just I don't like bothering the host. I feel like I'm asking them for to do things for me, and I probably won't be doing much for them. So, in a way, I feel bad. Like I feel like I'm being a burden. Because I really don't want to be a burden. Some people may think, that because I, I try to get the edge on these things, I, I like being a burden. I don't. I don't want to be a burden to people individually doing their job. I really don't. I I don't mind 
taking advantage of uh, bonus programs of large companies to get the best benefit for me as an individual. I think that's just playing smart, but I, I don't like burdening individual employees who are just going to be hassled by me but not really get anything out of it, especially ones that I thought work on commission like these hosts. So I actually think of these things sometimes, like before I burden an employee with anything, like is this really their job title? And if it is, are they expecting, are they going to typically expect they're going to get something out of me that I, they're not going to end up getting? And if, if the answer is yes, then I, I kind of don't want to burden them. So I, I really just like to do as much for myself as I can. And by the way, I never have written anything bad. I've never complained about any host ever, even ones that have been kind of rude with me. I, I've never complained about one. I guess if one was really, really rude to me, I would complain. But anyone that's just kind of short and annoyed with me, I, I don't ever complain. And I, I've never once complained about any hosts ever. Hmm. This is interesting. JSTAT says in chat, MGM Resorts, with their MLife program, does not rate table games anymore. Effective date was December 15th, which is two days ago. They also downgraded Blackjack with six to five payouts at most of their properties. It seems Las Vegas does not want to offer good games. That's an interesting story. I'll have to look into that. Because up, up until recently, at least, uh, I knew they still offered good games. I, I'm not playing Blackjack anymore at MGM properties or Caesars. I don't whether they're good or bad games because I don't want to be banned from any of these the, either of those property groups. So it's not worth playing to me. But if they really downgraded most of the blackjack to six to five, that's pretty bad. Six to five blackjack, by the way, was invented by Harris. They are the inventors of the awful six to five blackjack. And if you think six to five blackjack's not that bad then you're a fool because six to five blackjack is terrible. You don't ever want to play it. It really, really, really takes away one of the main weapons a player has against the dealer in blackjack, and that is getting paid three to two when you hit a blackjack rather than even money. So when a dealer hits blackjack against you, they only get even money, and when you get three to two, that really helps you. But if they downgrade it to six to five, you're barely getting anything above even. And then the dealer has all the advantages against you that they've always had, which is mainly going second. And to where if you both bust, they win. So, uh, let's see here. You know what would be kind of an interesting variant of blackjack to invent? Maybe I should invent this and sell it to the casinos. I think an interesting variant of blackjack would be one with very player-friendly rules that normally would make the game positive expectation, except the one quirk that gives the dealer an extra advantage to negate that would be that the dealer does not stand on 17, but just keeps hitting uh, based upon the... uh, I guess this wouldn't work. It keeps hitting based upon what the opponent already has. So if it sees you have 18 against the 17, they don't stop. But then that wouldn't work against multiple players. That would work heads up. Like That would be the smarter strategy for the dealer, heads up, to go to keep hitting no matter 
how likely they are to bust if they're going to lose to you anyway. Like if they get to 19, you have 20 to hit no matter what. But if there's several players at the table, that wouldn't work. Never mind. Does not have a, a practical application, that variant that I just thought of right now. All right, so I'm going to talk about Donald Trump, even though everybody's missing. Saw the debate. Uh, not going to talk about that too much. Trump and Jeb Bush went at it. Jeb Bush doesn't have a chance. Honestly, Jeb Bush doesn't have the demeanor to really appeal to the masses this election cycle. He kind of seems uh, too demure, too weak, too uh, unpassionate. He has good points. He he brings up good ideas. He uh, I, I have nothing against most of what... Uh, Bush has to say, but he's just not—he doesn't have the right personality to win this election cycle. And uh, sadly, the one of the Republicans who has the most suited and suitable personality to win the primary, based upon what uh, voters are looking for right now, is Donald Trump, and that's why he has maintained this gigantic lead. In fact, he's widened it recently. Exactly because he's projecting the demeanor and attitude that voters want to see. Now, to make my point more clear, I'm going to tell you a little uh, dating story of my past. And uh, even though Daredevil thinks all these include a blowjob in my car, it's it's not going to include a blowjob in my car. It's not going to include anything sexual. But uh, I was dating a, a younger girl. This is many years ago. But I was dating a girl, uh, no, not that many years ago. I, mean, I was younger then, so this girl was like five years younger than me. Which now, of course, would not be a big deal. But at the time, that was a lot of years. And uh, we broke up. And it was a bad breakup. And I, I was done with uh, girls that were younger so the next girl I did, I did something very unlike myself, and I dated someone who was a lot older than me. Not very long, but uh, I, for the first time ever, I dated someone who was substantially older than me. So the reason I did that, and I, I didn't set out to do this, but it just happened, and I realized why I did it later was because this older girl was the opposite of the younger one that I had uh, just ended the relationship with. The younger one, of course, as you might expect, her biggest problem was immaturity. So what do I gravitate to next? Well, someone who's not immature, and someone who's not immature is likely someone who's older. And it was someone who was older. And that was a lot more appealing at the time than it was before and even after that. After that, I was like, no, you know, I don't really like older women. I'm, I'm not into women older than me. But, but I was temporarily because I had a bad experience with someone who was younger and who was immature. Now, let me relate this to Donald Trump and why I think he's getting popular, why his popularity is not fading, why he's able to say these crazy and outrageous things and he either doesn't lose ground or gains even more ground. And that is a lot of people, a lot of Americans, especially a lot of 
conservative Americans are feeling like they don't understand this country anymore. They don't understand the way the media and left-wing politicians talk to them. They're annoyed when they see things like a clear terrorist attack that occurs in San Bernardino, and the president does not want to call it Islamic terrorism. He calls it mixed motives, workplace violence, even when he has much more information than we do about it. You know, believe me, Barack Obama, even though this wasn't uh, yet a, a federal issue or a federal investigation, uh, but it became that very quickly. You know, it started as a local investigation with San Bernardino, but you know, the FBI quickly got involved. And uh, of course, this, you know, for Obama, since this is a, a major attack in this country, where 14 people were killed and many more injured, this becomes a, a big issue for Obama to want to know about. So he gets everything. They don't ever tell Obama, oh, no, we're not telling you this much. Or they, they don't ever hold anything back from the president. They'll tell him everything. It was clear very quickly to anyone who had the facts of what occurred that it was highly likely that this was a case of a terror attack where the terrorist changed victims. The terrorist was planning some kind of typical terror attack where just random victims are attacked in a pre-planned location where the most carnage is likely to occur and to where the attack is most likely to succeed without interference. And this person then, this terrorist then turned it personal by deciding not to go through with that plan and instead to unleash the violence upon people he disliked at work. So rather than a terror attack against strangers, it was a terror attack against people he also did not like. So something happened at that holiday party that pissed the guy off, and he's like, you know what, I've got all these weapons, I was going to kill people anyway. Instead of killing strangers, why don't I kill these people I hate from work? And that's what he went and did. Now, we don't know that for sure, but that's what it very much looks like. And for sure, these were terrorists. For sure, they were radicalized. For A lot of this was found out later, but even in the very initial early stages, it was clear that this was a terror attack, that this was Islamic terrorism. Barack Obama did not want to say that. Often, liberal Democrats do not want to say that because they're afraid this will cause what's known as Islamophobia, that they want to avoid saying anything about Islamic terror attacks because they're afraid this will cause people to hate Muslims, maybe even commit violence against Muslims, or maybe vandalize Muslim mosques. So they don't want to incite that. They feel that... uh, It's their duty to try to make the country hate Muslims less. So in the case of a terror attack, you avoid saying anything about Islamic terrorism unless you absolutely have to. And I I feel that's the way this was handled. And and the the people in the country were getting pissed off as it became more and more clear that this was Islamic terrorism, and Obama wouldn't say it, just because there was the wrinkle in it to where the guy changed targets to people he knew. But everything else about him made it clear he was a terrorist. He just decided to kill people he knew rather than people he didn't know. Still a terror attack. It wasn't like this guy was a otherwise law-abiding citizen who happened to be Muslim that got pissed off by people at work and, and went home and got his gun and just shot people. 
that wouldn't be a terror attack. That would be a, that would be workplace violence. But this was a guy who was planning terror attacks. In fact, had planned terror attacks years before and then chose not to do them because he was worried that they wouldn't be successful. And then there was currently planning other terror attacks and, and then decided to go this way just because someone pissed him off and made him snap. So getting back to why Donald Trump is popular. A lot of people, especially a lot of conservatives, a lot of Republicans are tired of the sidestepping of the truth. They're tired of the fear of saying anything that could make any kind of uh, supposedly oppressed minority look bad. Or they're afraid, uh, they're tired of the truth not being told because it may cause some sort of discrimination or bigotry among those who will blame that group for everything. So they try to dance around the truth of who really did things and why they did things. And that gets people angry because they just want to be talked to honestly. They just want to hear straight talk. They just want to hear the truth. They don't want to be coddled. They don't want to be handled gently. They don't want to be told what sounds the best or will hurt the fewest group's feelings. They just want to hear the truth about what really happened. And it's not just the San Bernardino incident. It's because you know Trump was popular way before that. It's about everything. It's just Donald Trump comes out and just blatantly says a lot of things that are on his mind regarding what he thinks will make the country better, regarding problems this country has, regarding controversial solutions that he thinks will work to solve problems that are in politically incorrect to even talk about. Now, it may sound like I'm a Donald Trump supporter by saying this, but I'm not, because I think that uh, he doesn't approach these in a presidential fashion. Uh, He seems like he's still on a reality show when he's running for president, which is not a good thing. A lot of the suggestions he gives are ridiculous. They may be funny for talk radio, but they're not funny at all coming from a guy who wants to be president. So in that, I I think Donald Trump is, uh, is not an appropriate candidate, and I'm not a fan of his. But the style that he is employing in his run to win the primary is effective because he is the opposite of the politicians that the a lot of Republicans hate. A lot of Republicans want to feel like they're being dealt with honestly. They want to feel like that situations are described honestly, even if they're going to offend a certain group of people. Republicans feel like it's time for action and it's time to stop worrying about who you offend. Republicans feel like they want to see the bigger problems solved and not worried about not worry about uh, minor rights violations that may occur while you're trying to solve the bigger problem. Matt the Rat just came in the chat and he's surprised we're still on the air. I don't know why he should be. We've been going late so many times, but. The point is that a lot of Republicans are just fed up with the way that the Obama administration talks to them and deals with things. On a side note, a lot of people are also frustrated with the escalating crime rate since 2014, where the crime for the last two years has gone up for the first time 
since the early 90s. Every year since the early 90s, it has declined. Crime hit an all-time low, not an all-time low, but a, probably like a 50-year low or 55-year low in 2013, and now it's going back up at, at a rapid pace. And Republicans suspect, and I think this is a, a reasonable suspicion, that criminals feel empowered and cops feel de-empowered because of all the vilification of the police recently. The police feel they can't do their jobs. The criminals know that. They feel like they can get away with more. Uh, I, I don't think it's coincidence that all this negative publicity against the police is coinciding with the crime rate going up for the first time in over 20 years after steady decreases in crime in the U.S. So there's many Republicans who are sick of this, and they also don't want from their own party ones who are going to dance around the truth and ones who are going to try to put things in a gentle way as possible and to worry about offending people. They want someone who's going to come out and bluntly tell it like it is and get the problem solved. And the one who is appearing that way is Donald Trump. And I say appearing because he still is acting like he's on a reality show. He's still acting like saying things that are entertaining or attention-grabbing is what he needs to be doing. He still thinks that. That's the way he's still acting. Now, it's been successful with getting him higher numbers in the polls, but it's not going to win a general election. And even if he manages to win the general election, which I couldn't see how, that's not the way to be president either. And it's not the way to earn the respect from other countries before you take the presidency. Other countries are watching this whole thing and they can't believe it. They can't believe that Trump is a serious candidate here. I can't believe it. Now, I support, in general, what Donald Trump is doing, and that is just coming out with uh, straight talk and not worrying about who you offend. Just tell it like it is and propose a solution that you think will work. What I don't like is that a lot of his solutions are outrageous or ridiculous or unrealistic, and I don't like that he's doing this in a way that is meant more to be entertaining than to actually solve problems. And being a president is not about entertainment. It's not about making people laugh. It's not about getting attention. So I would love to see a non-Trump version of Donald Trump, someone who is serious about solving these problems, someone who doesn't want to be an entertainer, but someone who's not afraid to state things how they are. So that person doesn't really exist in the Republican field this year, but that's what I would like to see ideally. But the real reason Donald Trump is is doing so well is because he's the opposite of the current administration. He's the opposite of the recent over-politically correct politicians and media and everything else we've been seeing to where it seems like the most uh, ridiculous and the most ridiculous professional victim seems to be the one benefiting the most these days. 
and it seems that we're afraid to say the truth because if the truth is going to offend someone, we can't say it. Matt, the rat saying they're making a Trump Tower Hotel in downtown Vancouver. The developer made a deal to put the Trump name on it. Local politicians and tons of people here are telling the developer to take down the Trump name. Yeah, Trump keeps leasing his name out. And sometimes these projects end up being shady. There's a real shady one in Mexico he did that with that I've talked about before. I I don't think anyone's going to take this country seriously if Donald Trump's president. I also don't think he's got the right demeanor for president. I don't think he can be serious and avoid being outrageous and avoid being offensive for four years. I can't see him doing it. It's not in his personality. So he should go back to reality TV. He's good at that. He's good at his uh, apprentice shows and things of that nature. thought that was uh, a genius idea, and I thought he was perfect for it. It's kind of the reinvention of him. Because prior to that, he was, uh, you know, people knew who he was, and he was in the news, and he was famous, but you weren't seeing him every day. He was just this businessman you'd hear about. But put him on reality TV, give him that apprentice show, and watch him fire people. It was a big hit. The people got bored with that, and then they started having uh, celebrities, or pseudo-celebrities on The Celebrity Apprentice. I still believe that Marco Rubio is the only one of the entire Republican field, at least of the ones that have a chance to win the primary, that can beat Hillary Clinton. I'm not saying he would beat Hillary Clinton, but I think he's the only one with a realistic chance to beat Hillary Clinton. I don't think Trump has that chance. I don't think Cruz has that chance. Uh, Carson wouldn't have that chance, but he uh, is not going to win the primary anyway. He's fading fast. I think it's Rubio. Rubio is the one who could appeal to middle-of-the-road voters and not scare voters into showing up to the polls to vote against him. He doesn't have any major gotcha He'll probably carry Florida. He's the best shot to beat Hillary. Everybody else is either not going to win the primary or has some issue to where they won't win. Cruz is too conservative to win the White House this year. I I believe that. I don't think he has enough appeal to the average voter. He's very good at debating. He's a very smart guy. He's just too conservative for what the country's going to want to elect. I could see a lot of people showing up at the polls to vote for Hillary over Cruz. They just will feel he's too conservative. They'll they feel it's important to vote against him. I won't see the same thing happening with Rubio, I don't think. But right now, it is looking like Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. That's not set in stone, but it's it's starting to look more and more like that. Now, there were some cases of uh, December leads that were substantial that fell apart. Hillary Clinton was doing very well in December of 2007 before 
losing pretty handily to Barack Obama in the primary. Howard Dean was leading into December in uh, 2004. So, right now, the last polls we've seen, uh, in Iowa, Cruz is actually slightly beating him. In New Hampshire, Trump is crushing, 28.7 to Rubio's 12. That's the only place that Christie's polling decently with 9.7. Otherwise, he's pretty much out of it. But nationally, Trump has 33%. Cruz has moved up to 16.1, which is actually the highest he's been at. Rubio is slipping. He's down to 12.6, and Carson's down to 12, which is a low for him. Bush is sitting all the way down at 4. So, I believe it's down to... Trump, Cruz, Rubio, and Carson, and you can pretty much count Carson out because he's fading. His momentum's going the wrong way, and I don't see it turning around. Carson's the type of guy you either support pretty quickly or you don't support him at all. He's not going to gain people over time. So the people who are abandoning Carson are going to Cruz, it seems, and to Trump, which is a little bit surprising. It looks like Rubio's some of his support has moved over to Cruz or Trump as well. So, it's starting to look like it may come down between Trump and Cruz, which Hillary would love because she's going to be both of them. In the latest polls, Hillary would be up 3.2 points on Clinton. I'm Cruz, sorry. She up 3.2. She is Clinton. 3.2 points on Cruz and 5.8 points on Trump in a general election. And I think those numbers will only get worse. At the same time, Rubio would be up 1.5 points on Hillary if the election were today. Believe it or not, Ben Carson would be in a tie with her, which I don't understand. But I'm sure he would lose in reality if he got the nomination. Jeb Bush actually would be fairly close, only 0.5 points behind her. And so would Chris Christie, but they're they're not going to win. But for Cruz to be this far behind already against Hillary... And Trump even further behind. It's both of them are not going to be able to do it. Both of them are not going to beat Hillary. So I'm not that optimistic anymore. I, I think I think that uh, it's going to be Cruz or Trump, and both of them are not going to get it done against Hillary. And we will have President Hillary entering the White House in January 2017. Someone text. Someone actually emailed me. 
It's a guy who actually bought a piece of me during the World Series, too. But otherwise, I didn't know him. But he said he's been a listener for two years. He does not post on the forum. He said he's 72 years old, and he really likes this show. It's his favorite uh, internet radio show. It's the only one he said he really looks forward to. And what was most interesting to me, much more than his age of 72, was the fact that he said that he's a liberal progressive Democrat, but he enjoys these uh, political uh, segments that I do. He doesn't agree with my statements, but he enjoys hearing the perspective. So I I thought that was a nice thing to say and a compliment that uh, a liberal Democrat enjoys these political segments where I'm clearly not a liberal Democrat. But I like to think I'm not some brainwashed, always follow the party line Republican. I, I, I try to think about everything. I try to consider everything. And if I disagree with the Republican standpoint, I'll say so. If I don't like a candidate, I'll say so. And I'm not always just looking to vote for the most conservative one. I don't think the most conservative one is the best one a lot of times. I think you can be too conservative. I see there's an article on the Washington Post entitled Republicans Ghastly Parlor Game, Cruz or Trump. And I haven't even read it, but I assume they're saying that either way the Republicans are screwed with that. And if that's what it's saying, I agree. I don't like Trump as a candidate. Like, I just don't even like what he would be doing and what he would stand for as president. I don't feel the same way about Cruz. It wouldn't bother me to see him elected as it would to see Trump elected, but I just don't think he'll win. It will bother me much more to see Hillary Clinton elected than it did to see Barack Obama elected. Because with Barack Obama, what I saw and what I still see is an intelligent and good man who just is not a good leader and whose politics I don't agree with. So I don't agree with him and I don't think he's an effective leader, even if I did agree with him. So those are the problems I saw with him Eight years ago, those are the problems I see with him today, but at least I felt that he was honest for the most part, and I I felt that he wasn't a bad guy and that he meant well. I don't think Hillary means well at all. I think Hillary is really, really shady. She's a huge liar. Scandal has followed her with everything she's done for over 20 years. She committed a a, a pretty serious crime with that email thing. Something that would uh, result in the revocation of the security clearance of even a low-level defense worker. May even get them criminally charged. And yet, somehow Hillary did it and is still able to run for president and is the favorite to win right now. It's crazy. But that's not the only thing. It's just one thing after another with Hillary. She's just not an honest person. Just not a trustworthy person. She always believes that there's a separate set of rules that she she can live by. 
while the rest of us have to follow the first set of rules. Bill was like that too, but I think she's even worse. That's the main thing they have in common. Shadiness. Dishonesty. So, I really hope she doesn't win. I just don't like seeing a dishonest person in the highest office of the United States. And there are so many stories about her over the years and like, well, there's smoke, there's fire. And if you say, oh, there's, it's just the right wing attacking her. How come we don't have these stories about Barack Obama? How come we didn't have these stories about Al Gore, John Kerry? How, how come we didn't have all these scandals following them? How come it only seems to be Hillary that, that the scandals are following for over 20 years? Why, why does it seem to be her? Why not other Democrats that Republicans are known to dislike or want to see them out of power? Why, why is it only Hillary that has all these scandals? Why, why are the right-wing conspiracies always against her? It's because they're not conspiracies. It's because she's shady. Well, this has been a strange show. We've had a lot of interruptions. We've had uh, a fake incident between Brandon and Daredevil. We had Brandon and Daredevil abruptly vanish for no reason. Without saying goodbye, we, we have uh, we had Trader Ruski falling asleep. That wasn't a shock. That always happens. We had Team MLK co-hosting the show at the very beginning for some reason. We had a fight between the Spartan and Big Dick. We had a little of everything. And I want to tell you about the episode next week because it's going to be on a different day. Next week, we're going to have the show on Tuesday. Um, I, I think I posted Tuesday the 23rd. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? I just realized something. I think I got the dates all wrong. See, I I haven't been very good with dates recently. There's nothing different next week. The 23rd is Wednesday. I I thought all this time the 23rd is Tuesday. Now I look like a moron. I got to go back and erase my tweets about this. So we'll be on our regular schedule. Never mind. We're going to be on uh, Wednesday the 23rd. Okay, so I was thinking that, for whatever reason, I was thinking that the 23rd is Tuesday, and that I wouldn't be able to make Wednesday the 24th, but I can make the 23rd, so everything's fine. (laughs) Never mind. There's no change in the schedule. The only change is that on Wednesday the 30th, I'm not going to be there. And that's simply because it's very close to New Year's, and uh, I'm going to be doing something else, so... And I can't really do it the next day because that's New Year's Eve and the day before is not going to work. So I'm just skipping the week. And I will return on uh, Wednesday the 6th, which I also said Wednesday the 7th. Well, I really screwed this up. But yeah, it's going to return on Wednesday the 6th. I'll have to erase the tweets I made about this, but this is the official word. I'm coming back next week as scheduled on the 23rd. 
skipping the 30th show, coming back on Wednesday, January 6, 2016. So that is the plan. Something else I did that was stupid. This was last week. And I don't know how this one happened. I posted the show in the archives and put that the date was December 16th. <laughs> this is last week. This show is December 16th. Last week, the show I did on the 9th, I posted as December 16th. I don't know why or how I did that. I knew it wasn't the 16th, but that's what I put. I think it's because I remembered talking about the next show's the 16th, and I accidentally posted it as the 16th. So I'm actually going to call this show the 17th because technically it is right now. It's after midnight. Well, after midnight. It's 2 a.m. Just so it doesn't confuse people in the archives. I've since re-released the show, so if you saw it come through twice in your podcast, that's why. I've re-released it as the show on the 9th, but you may still have a show of the 16th in your list, so I'm going to list this as the 17th so there's no confusion. That's another screw-up I did. I'm glad I caught the other one. So yeah, we'll be back next week, 7.30 p.m. on Wednesday the 23rd. And that's it for 2015. We will be going into our fifth calendar year of Poker Fraud Alert Radio. We started in May of 2012. And now here we are in December of 2015, soon to be January of 2016. Overall, I've done the show now for 43 months. 43 months almost every week. There were a few weeks I missed, but almost every week for 43 months. And for those of you who are fans of other shows I was part of, I'm proud to say that Poker Fraud Alert now has been a longer-running program than all other radio shows I've been part of combined. That's right. So, you've heard more of me here on this site than anywhere else, even if you add them all together. Something you may not be aware of is that uh, Donkdown, the last site I was part of before Poker Fraud Alert, I was active there for less than two years. Seems much longer, but I was active there only for about a year and two-thirds. Poker Fraud Alert itself is now getting close to four years old, and the radio show is uh, now three years and seven months old. I actually started the radio show two months into the site. I started the site on March in March 2012. I started the radio show in May of 2012. Anyway, that's it. We'll be back next week. You never know what we'll have to talk about tonight. We got through all these topics. Hopefully we have Brandon back in Daredevil, who will be back in British Columbia. And who knows who else we will have on this crazy show known as Poker Fraud of the Radio, the Druff and Friends show. I thank you for listening, whether it's live or in the archives. Always happy to have listeners. Text me if you want. I'll respond to you. Don't care what time of the day it is. Until then, Shalom. <laughs>